0: Welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Today, it's me, Raul, and with me I have George Bell.
1: Hey, what's up, Raul? (laughs) What's up, dude?
0: (laughs) So how was the weekend? Phenomenal. Rainy. You Um, were in uh, Okeechobee, right? Okeechobee, yeah. It's right in between uh, Orlando and Miami. So it's like an hour and a half, right in the middle uh, interesting thing about that range, and I thought it was sand, right? And in the photos and in the video, it looks like sand. Yeah, but it wasn't. It, I, it, some dude just told. I was like, "Man, this sand sucks." And he's like, "It's actually um, ground coral." Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like pulverized yeah. coral. So, you know how, like, sand will kind of just, like, break itself down? Yep. And even if you're slamming bolts on the on the, on the rifles or on, even you're wrecking slides on pistols, stuff will just, like, chip away and get small and not yeah, in the way. Yeah. This stuff doesn't break down. Damn. So it, like, lined people's... Uh, <laughs> bolt faces and then rounds weren't seeding oh, properly wow. she was going crazy because of that uh, it was really cool to see that That it's
1: kind of like uh, a the cinders up in flagstaff
0: is it like like that kind of consistency it like is small yeah but you just can't get rid of it you know, and yeah. it's not like you know like dirt and mud put water on it and yeah. like withers away oh yeah sand you press it and it goes away like crushes this stuff doesn't crush damn like, <laughs> it, it, it it was so gritty uh and it's just everywhere like yeah. it's in your butt crack, in between your toes. Yeah, oh. it's rough. And dude. it's uh, we also had we had what we had a uh, ranges
1: and series this weekend. We did. That we were in uh, Lawrence, South Carolina at the yeah. Sawmill uh, yeah. Training Facility. That place
0: looks amazing. It does. It looks like one of those giant complexes yeah. with a bunch of cool stuff happening. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet you can do all sorts of things there. Um, I didn't really look at it too much, but I'm gonna look into it uh, this these next couple of days because I'd like to go there and teach man. It looked like oh, a really yeah. cool spot. Definitely. Yeah. But I did like Okeechobee. It is kind of removed. Um, yeah. They're, I think they're one of the only ranges open in Florida. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we lucked out. It, yeah. That's so, weird. So right? hey, with that, a uh, huge shout out to Palm Beach Tactical for cooking that up. Uh, TTOG, um, Chris from TTOG LLC, and then uh, DA1 Training. Those dudes helped out a lot. Nice. And they were there. That's good. Local Miami dudes um, doing cool stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah. So this podcast is sponsored. And who was our first sponsor?
0: So our first sponsor, Killcliffe. Per usual, because yeah, we be all slammed. I think they're all gone. Are they all gone?
1: No, they're not. I've, no. had, to, <laughs> I've had to put some, like, I've, I've hid some away in the house. Yeah. And then I've kind of spread them out, so it's kind of spread out. But uh, I, I just can't get enough of them. Like <laughs> I, it, It's like nights in the mornings, just to get me started. Yeah. Then when we do our, uh, our, our workout, I'll do an endure. Mm-hmm. And then after, I'll do the recovery. And I like, I like to call it the Kill Cliff Challenge, you know, get That's all three right. in. But uh, my favorites are the CBDs right now. Hey man, that goat one is legit. Greatest of all time. It's <laughs> the so best one. Good. Oh my god. Uh, I got to I got to watch drinking those though cuz I I have an unhealthy habit with those things.
0: Is that why we don't have any?
1: No, no, we do, but I just have to like limit myself cuz they're so good. But remember, uh, killcliff.com, we have a uh, a 10% coupon code. It's survival10. You can use it at um, at checkout anytime, every day, whenever you want. Our uh, next uh, sponsor is KCHighlights.com. KCHighlights.com, uh, they've been around for, I think this year is their 50th uh, their fiftieth anniversary being in. They have all kinds of off-road uh, light systems. They got the light bars. They got the, the pods. They have the rounds. They have the classic uh, HID lights. Anything that you need for overlanding, off-roading, camping, any outdoor activity you, you want to put on your rig or even like a, like there's a uh, Polaris's, those generals. Yeah, those little those light Yeah, anywhere you can put a light, you can put a Casey highlight. Just uh, yeah, check them out, CaseyHighlights.com. We have a uh, uh, field craft. Just one word, Fieldcraft, craft, saves you ten percent on your
0: entire order. So basically, if you want to see at night, yeah, they just have check lights. out Casey Highlights. Yep. <laughs> They've been around for fifty years. I mean, what can I say? That's a They're long time.
1: Iconic. I mean, I I remember in the eighties and nineties, growing up, when you see like the old like Casey yeah.
0: like. For sure, you remember that. You remember that it sticks like, in your head. Yeah, so. I think that the, the little logo things were like on cars that I played with, yeah. dude. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, check them out. Uh, Caseyholmes.com. Fieldcraft yeah. saves you ten percent.
0: Cool. Uh, yes, dude. Triarch. Triarch Systems. These guys, uh, they put together really great builds. Uh, I personally really enjoy shooting their uh, the ten five rifle that I have or pistol carving pistol uh, from them. Uh, It's just a really great setup. It it did better than most of the guns this weekend Yeah, the 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 crush coral didn't really do too much to it And uh, one of the students Gucci guns broke down and I was like, well, here's mine. It runs. Did you have the Uh, the pistol with you? Did you get a pistol? Yeah Glock 17. Yeah, you know, yeah, I I, I ended up taking my old gun. Yeah, uh, just because I'm a sucker for a stock Yeah (laughs) dude stock Glock 17 is my jam uh, but yeah, I have both a pistol and um, yeah. I know
1: in fieldcraft we have kind of like the variety right now. We have the the carbines, we have the uh, SBR, we have the Tri Eleven, we yeah. have the Glock forty three, Glock seventeen, Glock nineteen. So we have them all and we shot them all. And
0: I, I don't think we've had one fail at all since we've had them. No. So, and I've seen a lot of them. I see a lot of them at, at classes now. So it's it's cool to see people picking up guns and uh, actually going to a good uh, a good supplier on those. I, I like those. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, that code, if you guys are interested in a kick-ass triarc, um, gun build, right? Gun covers everything, right? Yeah, it covers rifles and. It the I don't think claws. they do shotguns. No. <laughs> Maybe we'll, I'm going to have a custom shotgun, man. <laughs> oh, man. The Chicago way. Uh, so if you guys want to save on your custom build with Triarch Systems, use code FIELDCRAFT. Save 5%. Nice. Yeah.
1: And we have uh, one more here. we got BCM, Bravo Company Manufacturing. Uh, Mike's a gunfighter for them. Um, what can I say about BCM? They're the same kind of along the lines of Triarch. Custom quality. I mean – it's another just, just a quality rifle. I mean, anything you can say. I mean, they have all kinds of carbines on their site. They're American made. I, you know, what can I say
0: more about BCM? I mean, I have their ten five. It's it, they're they're really good too. What's funny is when I came on and we started doing classes. It's like that was the first one Mike handed to Run this BCM. Yep. Take it with you. Go yep. do all this I remember stuff. That. Yeah. So we. That's the first uh, BCM I ran. Uh, on my own. So yep. when he handed that, was like I was like, oh cool. And then I started just doing what I do to guns, and I like I'm pretty abusive to them. Mm-hmm. Um, just guns, not people. Um, in case anyone's listening, um, yes. <laughs> so I trash them. I do everything that I can. Uh, not in a bad way. Like I don't purposefully put things in there to gunk it up, but I just run it. Yeah. I'm not abusive to them in a bad way, but I want to see where the fail points are. So yep. I definitely like. Yeah, I push these guns to the limits. Yeah. yeah, they do well.
1: Yeah, and so right now we're still working out. I'm still waiting on our order. We have a order in for 11.5 uppers right now. So with all the corona and everything going on, BCM is is slammed right now. They're running, I think, 16 of the 20-hour days trying to get stuff out. So once we get those in, we will make an announcement. And, uh, and then once we get, like, our feet under us for establishing our BCM dealer stuff, then we'll start taking, like uh, – We'll announce it. Send us emails of what you want, and we'll we'll try to complete that order. But right now, we're on a wait right now because everything's back ordered. Um, but yeah, so the guest today's guest is Master Sergeant retired Sean Kirkwood. He spent 25 years in the Army. He served in the 82nd Airborne, the 101st Airborne, and 5th Special Forces Group. He was a participant in the initial invasion of Iraq, as well as multiple combat deployments. Sean was awarded a Silver Star and a Purple Heart in the Battle of Najai. So damn
2: let's kick it off you ready yeah all right hey everyone welcome back to the fieldcraft survival podcast i'm your host kevin today i'm with sean kirkwood and uh me and sean met back in sniper school when we were both instructors or i was an instructor a lowly instructor and you were the boss you were i the, was
3: your boss you
2: were my boss ncic you right? needed
3: supervision
2: so uh Sean's had a long career in Special Forces. Uh, he hates talking about it, and I, I, I uh, knew him for years before I even knew this, but he won a Silver Star in Iraq in a big battle that we're gonna get into. And uh, he was the NCIC of Sniper School, which means he ran Sniper School, and then he was the Sergeant Major in charge of Range 37, which has a bunch of high-speed schools for, for Special Operations and Rangers and uh, Delta Force. And he went on to do a bunch of other stuff. So he's a pretty private guy. So I was kind of shocked when he agreed to do this. But uh, we're going to go down the rabbit hole and, and have a good conversation. You ready?
3: Yeah, appreciate you having me do
2: this. Yeah, no, I appreciate you doing it. All right. So we we kind of um, we have like a little template that, that Mike started where we kind of get context. So we kind of go back to the start and 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 uh, so if you could like go back and talk about where you grew up, where you went to school um any big influences in your life that kind of drove you through the military and then what was that what was that catalyst what was that thing was it a movie was it a books was it was it a uh, john rambo and first blood you know yeah. <laughs> what was that thing that that made you think i want to go in the military and then was it a conscious decision to go to sf or was it like i'm just going to go in the military and it, it just led that way yeah so.
3: yeah well i grew up uh in michigan uh Southeastern Michigan, uh, south of Detroit, uh, kind of a suburb of Detroit, lower middle class, blue collar kind of place, you know, the kind of place where, you know, nobody goes to college. Everybody kind of works for a living or goes to community college and pays for it themselves. Um, Went to school there. I uh, played hockey was my major concern when I was a kid. A little bit of a rough upbringing at times, but kind of came out of that, played a little bit of hockey and then Just one of those teenagers with a lot of angst, and I'd always been interested in the military. I don't really can't remember where exactly that came from or how that came about. Didn't have a big military influence in my family. My brother Kevin joined early on for a little while, Um, but I just was always interested. I remember being uh, like 8 to 10 years old, and me and my buddies would go out in this little patch of woods, and we'd, we'd have BB gun wars with each other. You know, I remember Gung Ho Magazine. It was a magazine <laughs> that you could get at the bookstore. And I got every every copy of yeah. it, you know, and I would get them all the time and read them. Mm-hmm. You know, and just I, I was always drawn to it. One thing that's funny even to this day is I had some a manual for some type of weapon system. I don't remember what it was. Like I got out of a thrift store or something. And there was an address on the back of it, like Department of the Army, Washington, D.C. And I wrote a letter. To that address and I send it basically and I said, hey, I just want information on these weapon systems. And about two or three months later, I literally got an envelope stuffed with from the FBI from <laughs> whoever with weapon. Yeah, probably the FBI. They probably ought to check. I'm on a list somewhere. But they, they were literally mailing, you know, like a, a 10 or 11 year old kid snail mail like copies of manuals and i I did this five or six times so somebody got that letter Mm. and would literally mail me back stuff and And all it was was xerox you know or copy machine copies of like weapon manuals or whatever i was Mm -hmm. asking for nowadays i'd be definitely like they'd take me to a therapist and boot me out of school (laughs) you know but back then (laughs) it was like oh he just likes the military yeah so long story short we me and my buddies were all kind of into it we all decided who we were going to be when we grew up and Mm. mine was always I was going to join the Army. Chuck Norris.
2: What's that? Were you going to be Chuck Norris? Yeah, I was going to be (laughs) absolutely Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris for
3: sure. Um,
2: Big family? You come from big family?
3: Uh, Not really. Uh, You know, my family's kind of scattered. I got two older brothers. Uh, My mom and dad got divorced when I was young. Pretty much raised by my mom for the most part. Mm. Dad was kind of part-time pops, you know, so
2: I always ask that question when I interview, like especially soft guys and Rangers and stuff, like what was the influence? And I'm seeing a common trend. It's, It's like I always, it's ever since a little kid and I'm the same, I remember getting books out of the library and like you know. cutting the pictures of soft guys in
3: Vietnam out, yep. and then turning the back end. I was, big, in, you know, I was eh? a big Vietnam, yeah. you know, Mac v. Sog, yeah. you know, yeah, war, any war movie on that I could find on a TV, I'd watch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a strange
2: draw, it really is. Yeah, yeah.
3: I always wanted. I think I was always drawn to being part of something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. You know, being part of something moving toward a bigger objective than just me. Yeah, you know, and uh, it always, it just always interested me.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that draws us in. And it screws us up when we leave. And oh, we're, absolutely. we're no longer part of that. You know? yeah, but, absolutely. But, but,
3: Nothing else is as important anymore yeah, when you yeah. get out.
2: So did you, did you join uh, straight
3: out of high school? Yeah. Well, what happened is I got to my 11th grade year. Uh, I was just a kid that didn't – I hated school. I hated mm-hmm. being in school. I hated mm-hmm. learning for the sake of learning. I, mm-hmm. I don't mind learning things, like learn how to fix a engine or fix a Coke machine. I, fine. I can focus on it. But yeah. Just school just drove me nuts, Mm -hmm. you know, and the family life wasn't so hot. So in the 11th grade, I came home one day to my mom and I said, hey, mom, surprise. Guess what? I'm joining the army. All you got to do is sign this paper. So I literally, after my 11th grade year, I quit high school.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, June, the 11th grade year ended, quit high school, was in basic training in August. How old were you? 17. Did you have a GD or something? Nope. Or you, at, at that point, they had one slot a month or one slot every so often. I don't know if mm-hmm. it was a month or not, but they had one slot with no GED or nothing. You could join. You could be a cook or the infantry. Really? And at the time, I knew I wanted to be in the infantry. I was like, I don't care. And I didn't really, you know, again, the 17-year-old mind doesn't think deep. And mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking long term. I was thinking, you know. 20 meters in front of my face, and I was just like, infantry, boom, that's me. I'm in. Carrying a rifle. The recruiter was
2: like, no problem. Unassigned infantry. It. And they were
3: like, sweet. Don't worry. <laughs> you can volunteer for everything you want to do yeah. when you get the basic training. <laughs> that old lie. Yeah, huh? that old lie. And I got I got hemmed up by it. Yeah, but, there, uh, there's
2: a special place in hell for recruiters. There, there is. There should be. For one's <laughs> They're doing what they gotta do, I guess, you know. Uh, no regrets. So you went to uh what year was that? That was nineteen eighty seven. Wow. Yeah. You're old. You're actually younger. I'm, You're actually younger than me. Right? Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Look
3: at you. <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah. Um, so, 1987, you go to basic training, Fort Benning, Georgia. Yep, Fort now, Benning, how Georgia. Was, how
3: was the equipment back then? Horrible. Yeah. I mean, we had. I uh, went to basic training with M16A1 with the old clamshell handguards. You know. Yeah. Um, it was. A, it was a special treat that we got to qualify with the A2. Yeah. Which I thought was the most high-speed thing ever when they handed <laughs> me that M16A2 <laughs> musket. You know, now yeah. I look at the M4s, I'm like, that thing was like 40 inches long, it yeah. like. It's funny
2: how they give you these little treats, right? When you qualify, you get to wear a cover on your helmet. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: That, that was a big deal. <laughs> that was, was? Yeah, it was? Yeah, awesome, yeah. I remember having yeah, helmet covers and helmet yeah. liners. And yeah. It was uh, the What kind of helmet did you have back then? It was a Vietnam helmet? It was the old school steel pot. It wasn't, a, yeah. we, we didn't have Kevlar's yet. She, Body armor wasn't even a thought. Yeah, I mean, you know. the yeah,
2: the uh, US Army was still recovering from Vietnam at that point, and oh, th- yeah. it wasn't a place that a lot of people wanted to to go. Not like today, and it uh, the equipment was garbage, right?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, basic training for sure, and even my first unit was. Uh, but I remember the the big the. Most high-speed drill sergeant I had was a guy that was in the 82nd Airborne in the invasion of Grenada. Nice. And I thought that dude was Audie Murphy. (laughs) He had a CIB, (laughs) a combat patch. I was like, wow, he has done Everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah. And, uh, he has w- three badges. Oh, he has three badges. He's done it all, <laughs> that guy. And, uh, you mm. know, and he was, a, he was a sergeant first class wow. on top of that, which is like, wow. Yeah. That's like the highest <laughs> that's, rank. It's as big as you can get. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I remember my drill sergeants were like staff sergeants, right? And, and yeah. uh, I was like, wow, they're high rank. And yeah. Now, like, it's, it's a junior NCO. Yeah. Like it's, it's you look super back it right and you're like, wow, okay. You know? So, so uh, basic training. Uh, I, I'm sure it hasn't changed probably much since then. Like the basic part and and the inspections
3: and the, the cleaning the floors and all that. I mean, that, I hope not honestly because I th- I just think you got to build from a good foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that that discipline and order in the military. I, I think there's a lot of people lacking to include soft. I think there needs to be yeah. a baseline. I think coming up in the infantry like I did made me a better soft guy. Yeah, and yeah. and I just think having a foundation and having like this is the left and right limits. This is how we do business mm-hmm. uh, is, is important. Yeah. It's important, especially nowadays Yeah, now it's a lot different now. Like every generation says, it's a lot different now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, that way when I had to roll my t-shirts the length of a dollar, I didn't question why I was just like, that's the way we do it. Yeah. So we're going to do it.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, 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 the foundation's probably the same, but it's much more touchy-feely now, where yeah. back then, I'm sure they, they dropped some F-bombs on you. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I still, you know, I'm, I'm I'm kind of a realist, and I kept hearing all the, just like when I was on a team, I kept hearing all the stories about how, oh, man, my drill sergeant took me out back and whooped my ass. Yeah, yeah. I, it was 87, not 1947. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't see any drill sergeants beating anybody's yeah. ass, but they were swearing and smoking mm-hmm. us, and... Doing what drill sergeants are supposed to do. Yeah. And I don't remember it being touchy feely. I remember being challenged as a young seventeen year old, kind of being, you know, mm-hmm. being uh a, a little upset at first and then kind of figuring it out. And I think that's just a hardening up phase. You just realize that I'm not in charge anymore and yeah. I have to there's a new set of rules. Uh, and I yeah. think that's important. Yeah. And nobody asked you to come here. You came on your own, volunteer mm-hmm. army. If you don't like it, you can leave.
2: Yeah, and especially now when kids are kids are they're growing up stuck to their phone and, and oh, yeah. you know, they they, uh, they need that and take the phone away from them. It's like, oh, my God, oh, yeah. my life is over. Yeah, I had to do that this morning. I had to take a phone away. Yep. And it,
3: it, yeah. Yep. Well, don't do your homework. That's your job. Yeah. I'm going to take your phone away. Kids yep. kids need that. Did you come in with a uh, airborne contract? Oh, no. no? I had nothing. You didn't I took her in. infantry and I chose infantry, <laughs> unassigned infantry. That was it. So So when I came, when I got the basic training, you know, of course, I did what the recruiter told me. Hey, Mm -hmm. volunteer. Mm -hmm. First time I went up there, I just got a little bit yelled at and called names and smoked. And I said, well, that's not going to deter me. So I found a guy in my platoon who about a month later who had a ranger contract, didn't want to do it. And uh, I said, hey, makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. And you take mine. So we went up to the same senior drill instructor and Mm. gave him a solution. Hey, look. Yeah. We'll just trade names on the roster, right? Easy money. Yeah. Apparently, you know Now that I know better, that's an impossible thing to do. (laughs) It's apparently putting somebody on the moon is easier than it actually was as easy as you thought it It was. was He just didn't want to do it. Exactly. He was just he was like, No. Yeah. So we were both smoked at that point. That kid ended up dropping out of his ranger contract. Mm -hmm. I think he even didn't go to airborne school and he ended up unassigned to infantry anyways. Yeah. But they just they lost a ranger slot. And I remember looking at that being a little bitter about it, but you know, I had a, a, one of the drill sergeants, I heard him say one day uh, that the only way to get out of this kind of stuff is a soldier out of it. So I was just like, you know what? I joined. I didn't get what I wanted, but I'm still in the Army, and I'm going to soldier out of it mm-hmm. and figure this out. So at the end of basic, where did you go? I went to Germany. Really? I went to Germany. I went to the 8th Inf- Infantry Division what in Mass Germany. What is the 8th Infantry Division? That, still, that it, doesn't not exist, right? They yeah. closed it down. I, I, they closed it down after I left. That happens a lot. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, I went to the 8th Infantry. It was a mechanized infantry unit. Uh, You know, back then they had these little concerns all over Germany. This was, you know, I don't know, about 45 minutes outside of Frankfurt. It's Mm -hmm. not even there anymore. It's like a college dorm. Would you have like M113s? We had Mm -hmm. M113s. And they had an infantry squad in the back of an M113. Went there. Uh, Pretty eye-opening to get there. Mm -hmm. A lot of good came from that, but also a lot of bad. Mm. Uh, You know, it wasn't exactly the most high-speed unit, but what the good thing about it was I wasn't assigned to Germany. I was assigned to West Germany. Oh. The wall was still up. Yeah, yeah. So – the first thing I did, which I thought was the coolest thing ever, was do patrols on the border of East yeah. West Germany. It's so, pretty much combat. I w- it, it is combat. I mean, I tried <laughs> to get my CIB. I did see a hein D flying on the other side of the, you know, in uh, 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 East Germany. War stories. And, and you know, it, it, I got live ammo issued to me. I couldn't take it out of my pouch, but I had I had a magazine of live ammo <laughs> yeah. on me. So it was pretty much like the Vietnam vet You know, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh yeah did you get any tattoos when you were over there no i didn't i never could draw myself into tattoos i did drink a lot and i'm surprised that you know going i landed in germany on my 18th birthday wow i was december 9th 1987 that's pretty
2: cool for a kid from chicago or you know where are you from michigan michigan southern michigan
3: and i Um, on my 18th birthday i landed in germany and just you know you know what what Started happening then. I started figuring out that I could drink and yeah. being young. and yeah. you know. But the good thing is I always liked being a soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, that unit wasn't really what I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. But you know, I made my choices and I made the best out of it. Was that a three-year tour or a four-year it tour? It was a two-year tour. Well, it was two. Okay. Yeah, because company. unaccompanied. You know, oh, so yeah. I, went, I only went over there for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a good tour, though. I mean, uh, the Germany at that time was like 10 or 15 years behind in the way they looked at the Army. I mean, mm-hmm. we had... You know, one personal drawer in your wall locker, buffing floors and mm-hmm. all things that they don't do anymore. A lot of a lot of discipline. The unit, eh, you know, honestly, we, we weren't that great of a unit. I, you know, I'm glad we didn't go to combat. Yeah. To yeah. Co- you yeah, weak leadership. Yeah. Had a lot of weak leadership. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I
3: had a couple stars like the, be- the best Army NCO I ever met. I met in that unit. Really? A guy named Sergeant Roby. I don't remember his first name. I don't know where he is mm-hmm. now, but he had nothing on his chest. No EIB, no CIB, no no wings or badges or, mm-hmm. or you know chest lettuce of any sort. Mm-hmm. And but he was an NCO. Yeah, you were gonna be good at PT. You were gonna know your job. You mm-hmm. were gonna, and he knew it. And he led from the front. Mm. Uh, e five maybe. I think it was an E six. But uh, he was just squared away. And I remember looking at that guy, and you know, in a sea of garbage, I saw that one solid guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that guy is
2: looking awesome. looking back now. Where. Were you looking at him with rose-colored glasses because you were private? And they didn't know anything. Or looking back
3: now, with all you've done, do you still think he was like really squared away? Yeah, even yeah. looking back now, and he he's squared away in the aspect of you know he's not free falling into Baghdad mm-hmm. you know, or shooting machine guns off of you know mini guns off of little yeah. birds. But yeah. the guy was an NCO. He yeah. was a a foundational NCO, new dude, you know, be know and do kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And it was all basic stuff, you know. And uh, but he was. He held the line. He was professional, mm. good leadership ability, and he, and he led from the front. And that foundational stuff, I think, no matter where you go in the military, yeah. you, you got to have that first.
2: I, I think I remember me and you talking about this. When we were both SF guys, and we were talking about discipline and doing the right thing and, and right place, right time, right uniform. And sometimes SF yeah. guys, and I'll, I'll say it, are too cool for that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, lots yeah. of times. Um
3: you know cool. the, the old saying: the best thing about SF is the guys. You know what the worst thing is? The, the guys. guys. <laughs> 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 That's
2: true. All the Rangers are listening, going, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> screw those guys." All the Navy SEALs yeah. who never make any mistakes. Never, no, never, yeah, no, no, not one.
3: Um, did you get promoted in Germany? I made it up to E4 in Germany. Uh, you know, specialist, uh, rank was weird at that time. They used to have a thing called correspondence courses. I remember those. Oh, my yep. God. I and, remember. And you
2: had to get them mailed to you.
3: There were books. Yeah, books. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and me being hardheaded like I was, and yeah. I, I spent years being like this, mm-hmm. I refused to do it. Really? I was like, I will not. I'm a soldier. Mm-hmm. I'm a soldier. I carry a rifle. I'm a good soldier. I, I do this. I do that. I bust my butt. I'm awesome at my job. You want me to crack a book and, and do a yeah, correspondence? Yeah, because you had, a, you, had a,
2: you had a bill of points to get yeah. promoted, and you got points from yeah. the
3: correspondence course, and it right? was and the only way to get them because I'm in Germany yeah. in mm-hmm. a mech infantry unit. I wasn't going to airborne school mm-hmm. or anything like that. I was just, but mm. I was just so hard headed. I was like, damn it, I do my job. I should get promoted. I refused to do that. Mm. Wow. You know, there's some laziness there too. But you know, they always had the. They always had the, somebody always had the cheat sheet, you know? Yeah. And I always used to say, that, what's yeah. the point of doing this? Yeah. All I got to do is get this guy's you cheat sheet. You learn how fill to it play it the game. And I refused to play the game. Yeah. And it, it did slow them. all the way up through E6. It made my promotion slow because I refused to play that game. Yeah. Yeah. And I look back on it now and say that was just kind of stupid, but I thought the whole process was dumb, mm-hmm. you know? So I just, I didn't participate. And, it so was. I mean, you know, it just, whatever, you know, at, at some point you got to.
2: I wonder if they still have them like online now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We don't, I, don't know. I hope yeah, not. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. It was BS.
3: Yeah, it, it, was, it was crap. You know yeah. what I did?
2: What? I got my wife to do it for me. Boom. Yeah. See? you were smart. I was not. I was, I was 100% not. on the Dragon missile. Didn't even know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what bothered me the most about it. It was BS. Know? It really oh, was, man. yeah. Um, did, did you travel at all in Europe? Eh, a little bit. I, you know. they used to kill me about I, Joe. I spent four years in Germany. I, in the I infantry. was Joe. Joel would take two weeks' leave and sit in his room and drink beer. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I didn't do that. If I took leave, I'd go home. I usually flew to the States yeah. whenever I took yeah. leave. Again, it was only two years, but... You know, of course, every bar within a 50-mile radius, I knew where that was. Mm-hmm. And then we went to, like, Birch's Garden. We went there. And mm-hmm. we went to Munich, of course, for Oktoberfest. And yeah. went to Spain a couple times. Yeah, mm. um, you got to see some stuff. So we saw some stuff. I, I You know, again, you sent an 18-year-old to Germany on his first tour in the Army, mm-hmm. first time away from home. It's kind of wasted on him. Yeah. By the time I started getting my feet under me and figuring it out, I was looking at PCS. And, yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. I didn't tra- – you know, going back there now, I'd like to go back and – you know, travel if I was Mm -hmm. to do it today, but you know, Mm -hmm. that's just that's just how it was. So you probably re-enlisted in Germany for a stateside assignment of your choice or no? No, it was just PCS time. You were there two years, you could either extend or PCS. And I I wanted to go to Fort Ord, California for some reason. (laughs) Seventh California. Seventh Infantry Division. I want no, I wanted (laughs) it was because of the seventh infantry. I don't know what book I read or what made me want to be in the seventh infantry division, but you know, I didn't. I had limited scope, so I decided, okay, I want to go to be a light infantry guy, and I'm going to go to the seventh infantry division. So mm-hmm. I put in a four and eighty-seven, and did all that. Well, ends up, I guess they missed it by a state, and they said, okay, we're going to send you to Fort Lewis, Washington. Oh God! So I got sent to the ninth infantry division. Was that in- another, another disbanded infantry division? Was that NTC
2: way. at the time or no?
3: No ninth infantry division up at Fort Lewis. Oh, Fort Lewis! Fort oh, Lewis. wow! Yeah, yeah, I wanted to yeah. go to the seventh ID. They sent me to the ninth ID. Mm. So I went there. What are you, there. are you
2: Are you breaking these units as you I get did. to them? That's
3: another one that got disbanded, and the one I wanted to go to also disbanded. Wow. So there, there's a thing here. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And fifth group changed their flash after I left. So really? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's a trend. I think
2: it's been disbanded. <laughs> um, so PCS to Washington, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That Bad. was
3: that was an uh, Another. Dis- was it a
2: better unit? Being a, being a lighter unit? Um, yeah. I think
3: it was. It was a better unit. And they, it was kind of cool because, you know, I'd been to mechanized infantry. Mm-hmm. I did that. You know, this all came from hindsight. Then I went to Fort Lewis, Washington. It started out when I got there. We were a light infantry unit and in 9th ID. And then they had a concept. They called it motorized infantry they wanted to do, mm-hmm. which basically was putting infantry people on, on Humvees that were modified. The back of them were just, you know, no uparm or nothing. It was just uh, cargo Humvees with racks on the back, and you put your ruck on the outside. It seems real simple now. Yeah. But it was this whole... It was kind of the beginnings. This is 1989, basically, when mm-hmm. I am processed there, and it was kind of the beginnings. What I think of the uh, you know, um, you know, mo- motorized infantry concept was kind of making its way to be where Bradley fighting vehicles and how mm-hmm. we we're gonna strikers use and strikers, and strikers later, yeah. smaller, yeah. not Bradley, yeah, strikers. Is what I mean. yeah. um use those vehicles, and they they wanted to do it at a smaller level with just higher mobility. Yeah. rates for desert environments, yeah, because things it, that we did mm-hmm. later
2: on. Because 113s and Bradleys are great, but they're big track vehicles yeah. that can only go somewhere. And, and, you know, when when Shinseki introduced it, the striker brigades, remember that? Everybody yep. laughed at him and thought yeah. he was a jackass. And then it's in, in Iraq, they actually worked really well. They worked great. You know? Well, because yeah.
3: you remember, coming from West Germany at the time, it mm-hmm. was the whole... East West Germany, the Russians were going to come yep. across the border, and you know, a, a light skinned Humvee wasn't going to last a second against a tank division, yeah, you know, and, yeah. which is true, but that ain't that's not we, all the we were still
2: trending that up to and probably after 9 11, and it took us a oh, long yeah. time to get away from that. Yeah, the mindset. Cold war
3: mentality was the you know, the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. and big land masses, and mm-hmm. all that, you know, um, mm-hmm. so. Getting in on that was kind of interesting because it, what I liked about it at the time is we kept like looking at our mission and kind of changing how we could do it. And we got to free think a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, again, I was <clears throat> I was a fire team leader at this point, so I wasn't big into decision-making line. Sergeant, right? I was still an E4. You are I, I was an mm-hmm. E4. Uh, and uh so You good, know, good or bad leadership? Uh, <clears throat> a better mix than there was in Germany. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, we had some uh it was funny because we everybody that ever got booted out of the Ranger Regiment, mm-hmm. that couldn't get a job elsewhere, would come to the Ninth ID. Yeah, yeah. so we had a sprinkling of Rangers, and they were, they were good and bad. You know, some of them were kicked out for a good reason, mm-hmm. and other ones were really good NCOs, and they got a DUI or something. And yeah, they them out. yeah. But there was a, a good mix of uh, a better mix of leadership. Still, some of the same systemic problems you see in any unit. Mm-hmm. I don't care what unit. There's, good and, right. There's good and bad everywhere. Good and bad everywhere. Yeah, it's a snapshot of society. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks the military, even in high speed units. Is something special as, as opposed to they can get, weed out everybody with any kind of character flaws, mm-hmm. and that's just not the case,
2: yeah, yeah you know. um, yeah,
3: so uh, do you get any decent schools when you're there or? The only school I got was on my way out was airborne school. You know, yeah. I, I I got my I had a first chance to do my EIB expert infantry badge at mm-hmm. the time. That I, was a big I, deal. I got that. It was
2: a big deal that, for me. I got my EIB too.
3: Yeah. But that was, was
2: you were the man if you had that I EIB that low riding rifle baby. I didn't have anything else, but I
3: had that thing. Remember low?
2: <laughs> remember it used to sit on the top of the BDU pocket. Yeah, and I remember this guy, uh, he was a good friend of mine in Germany, and he was like, he was a good old boy from West Virginia, and he wanted to go to airborne school. An airborne wings went under the EIB, and he's like, I want to get
3: my EIB out of the prone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a prone EIB for a little bit. I did too. I did yeah. too, yeah. But, you know, at that point, too, being there, there was, uh, you know, there was a Lurs element there. There was a Ranger Regiment. Mm-hmm. there's first. Another
2: test. disbanded unit. Exactly.
3: Yeah. See, I was in Lurs, too. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, I, you know, we were there, and uh, I was there, and I started seeing all this around. You start, in Germany, you're kind of insulated. You see what you see. Mm-hmm. It's all mech and tanks, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing really high speed going on. Waiting there. for the Russian invasion. Waiting for the yep. invasion that never came. And, uh so I started seeing this around there and started talking to people. And then you know there you, you meet guys who, you know, were they either were in Ranger Regiment, didn't pass ranger school, came over. You started talking to people and networking a little bit more and you know, it started to become real to me that okay, there's something better, you know, mm. they, and maybe I just need to, you know, push that direction. Mm. You know, and I started thinking about it harder, but I moved really slow. You know, there was a lot of guys I know that, you know, um went quick. Oh, SFs exists, I'm gonna go SF now. Mm. And It took me a while, you know, and then what
2: stopped you? You think?
3: Well, I don't know. I just think it was a little bit of a lack of confidence and the fear
2: fear of failure.
3: No, I don't really think it was fear of failure as much as being in a comfort zone, Mm -hmm. which a comfort zone is worse than fear to me because you just sit in that comfort zone and you can sit there for thirty years.
2: But the, the opposite of that, and I know you've seen this in your career many times, you get you get these especially SF guys where as soon as they get to one level. They're yeah. looking at where to go next. They yeah. can't settle at all. They can't yeah, even they spend bounce. a year yeah, they're bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know
3: a guy like that. You work with him a lot right now. Oh,
2: yeah. Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big shout out, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got a
3: little bit of that. That is thing. true. Mike I got, was like that. I got a yeah. Little, well, yeah. you know, and that could be, that. that's a it good thing. It can be a good thing, yeah. It can yeah. be a great thing. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, that's an entrepreneurial mind, I think, that maybe mm-hmm. is always... I'm mm. you know, looking. And I, I, think Mike's a very
2: confident guy too. Yeah. So I, I think he's like, I'm gonna go do this. It's not. I'm gonna go try this. I'm gonna go do yeah. it, and then I'm gonna go do this. Yeah. And um, I think
3: that's the way you gotta be. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. uh, that makes you a better soldier. Yeah.
2: And whatever, wherever you decide to go. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, how long did you spend up in in Fort Lewis? Two years. Two years. Again.
3: Yep. What What happened was, you know, I was there. It was funny. I, I was. Pissed off because I landed there. I'm in the processing center and Panama. Happens, you mm-hmm. know, of course. I would even if I was in that unit, I wouldn't have gone to Panama. Mm-hmm. It was just the Rangers, really. So then I started thinking about that. Like, man, oh man, I missed out on combat. Back yeah. then, you're like, man, that's the only combat that's ever going to happen in my life. <laughs> I'm never going to see combat. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. and that's really what I wanted. I joined the infantry to be an infantry guy, and uh, mm-hmm. so I was pissed about that for a little while. And then Desert Storm kicks off.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. I had reenlisted to come to the 82nd. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. I wanted to go. I want to go to Ranger School and go to an airborne unit. Yeah. So I reenlisted. They said, "Okay, if you reenlist, you can go anywhere you want." Why I chose the 82nd, I don't know why. I don't remember it was why. High speed.
2: 911 or something. Probably. I don't really yeah. remember
3: why I chose the 82nd. It was just I wanted to go to an airborne unit, but the Rangers were right up the road. I could have, I could have mm. reenlisted for Ranger, and I don't really know why I did. I don't remember the thought process mm-hmm. behind it. Um, but then uh, Desert Storm happens. I'm on orders, like literally. I'm leaving. Like I think Desert Storm kicked off in like August. I'm supposed to leave in like September or something. I get st- I get stop lost to go to the 82nd. To go to the 82nd because
2: they went to Desert yeah, Storm. Yeah, right? I get yeah. stop
3: lost though. So I sit in Fort Lewis. Damn. Stop. Stop lost. Nobody can move anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there with orders at the 82nd in my hand. I had airborne schooling route. Though. I had to go to airborne schooling route. But mm. orders. So you know, as bad as it is, the sound. You know, Kirkwood's sitting in the barracks praying that the war lasts longer because i don't want to miss it just like this war better not end before i get it. airborne school's three weeks i did, get to my unit i won't take any leave i had it all worked the out the war my was head. over like 20 minutes yeah like 20 <laughs> minutes you know 20 minutes like that thought wasn't even done and the war's over you know and i was like yeah. damn so there's two i missed in like two years so yeah. i was, I was yeah. pissed off mm-hmm. and then uh so yeah then you know other than that closed up my time at fort lewis got a lot of good education was a fire team leader got a little bit more leadership skills while i was there you know I, I really found out that i really enjoyed being in a leadership position because mm-hmm. i basically for pretty much the whole two years there i was a fire team mm-hmm. you know and i and i yelling and screaming and make, oh yeah I was people do oh yeah that's how, how you're supposed to that's do. how you're supposed to be the louder you yell the more abusive you are you know <laughs> the better you are but yeah. you, you know you got to learn that everybody, you do everybody you goes do. through that and that's mm-hmm. and then i had some a couple good ncos there that kind of uh Good story about a good NCO. There is, um, I didn't even have a GED yet because yeah. I was in the army, yeah. and I was going to stay in the army yeah. for twenty years, and I didn't need an education. <laughs> I was going to be a soldier. Mm-hmm. So my time comes up to go to PLDC, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park. You know, I'm a great. That's, I am. that's the I'm a
2: primary great. leadership. That's the first leadership school. Yeah, yeah primary yeah. leadership development school. Yeah. It's
3: like yeah. you know, baby sergeant leadership. Yeah. Attack, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. skills. So my name comes up on the list, and I remember I had a sergeant, uh, my platoon sergeant, Sergeant Garcia. And he calls me in his office one day, and he's like, "Hey Kirkwood, uh, you're not going to P.L.D.C." And I, of course, I'm fired up. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm as mad as I can be at Parade Rest, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, and I'm fired up. And, and I was like, "Well, why I'm next? I'm the guy that's supposed to be going next." You know, I'm, I'm I'm you know laying out my resume to him, and he's like, "Where's your high school diploma?" I was like, "I don't have one." Mm-hmm. Where's your GED? I don't have one. Why haven't you got it? because i'm a soldier i don't need it he goes well i'll tell you what you can go to pldc when you get your ged Mm. and i was mad boy i went storming out of his office literally went down to where he took a practice test that day two days later i took the regular test and i got it (laughs) and i I literally passed it within a week i had it yeah because it wasn't it wasn't hard you
2: know so it's designed for you to pass really yeah Yeah. it it wasn't difficult
3: and i wasn't that far out of school you know Mm -hmm. and, and uh so i come back and i'm all pissed off and you know i basically like slamming on his just like "Here, fun here it is you know and then he he laid out his story to me basically like he kind of went through the same thing when he mm-hmm. was young he was like a like a an original gangster from like east los angeles or something guy yeah. you know neck tattoos and all that mm-hmm. and uh but he basically schooled me a little bit and said look you don't think you'll need that now but you know if you if you can't motivate yourself to finish up that tie up that loose end in your life you know, I'm not going to send you forward to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I had to have that forcing function on me because I thought I knew it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yep. thought, well, this is going to be, yep. it. this is all. That's I'm a good
2: lesson for leadership. And, and these, he, these it, young guys think they know everything. Exactly. And look, I was briefing, actually, Brian Edwards laughing at me because I was briefing a SLC, which is E seven green berets. Mm-hmm. I was talking about ballistics and they started arguing with me. And then they all started arguing amongst themselves. And I'm like, quiet, listen, Listen to me because I know more than you do. And Brian was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not surprising. <laughs> but they do. You, you get that yeah. mindset and you're like, I know more than you. What do you know? And then later on, you look and you're like, you know what? You were right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I remember being that guy too. Sometimes you look at, you, I look back in my past and I, I remember seeing people and thinking that I knew more than them and yeah. then later on figuring out
2: Yeah no yeah. kinda Yeah. There's always somebody that knows yeah. more than you. Yeah. You gotta be open to that. But that's good leadership right there. He, oh yeah. He, he and that taught you. me a good lesson. That yeah. was
3: like look that that's leadership. That's lead. That's not just leadership in the field. That's you know mm-hmm. whole person leadership. And, and, and he I was, didn't
2: have to explain it to you. He could have just smoked you and yeah. sent you on your way. Yeah. yeah. And he
3: didn't explain it to me till after I, I did it. Got it. Which yeah. Was good. So which is I probably came, yeah a better way to do yeah. it. Yeah. So, and so he made me made me get through. It. And I learned a good lesson there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I funny learned. how like that was. Thirty
2: years ago, or whatever, yeah. and you still remember that point, right? Oh yeah. Um, those little pivotal points in your life that you remember, I, yeah. That that that's uh, that's what leadership is all yeah, about. They're, yeah, they're
3: serious, decisive points, mm-hmm. and leadership's the most important thing we have in the military, yeah, I believe. It good, really good is. and bad. Mm-hmm. If you you know you see a lot of bad leadership, and it, and that sticks with you. Yep. It teaches you a lot of times more lessons than good leadership.
2: Absolutely, though. yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, so PLDC, did you learn much in PLDC? <laughs> I no, actually learned some stuff. I, from I learned PLDC, a little bit yeah. of stuff, but yeah. see,
3: again with that, it was a lot of basic stuff mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'd be honest, I didn't learn a whole lot in my PLDC. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was what it was. It, it was kind of a check the block. But coming from an, you know, being in the infantry, a lot of that stuff was, you know, some of the customs and courtesies and the regulation stuff, mm-hmm.
2: and counseling and, and stuff. Counseling, like that. Yeah, probably. counseling, yeah, things like that yeah, helped yeah, me out. Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah,
3: uh, yeah it, it was a good course. I think everybody. I'm not bashing PLDC. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's good for everybody to get that basic level of leadership mm.
2: knowledge actually, I actually think it should be longer it's like two weeks it should be like um, two months you know yeah. because you're so junior you know I, I always thought it was weird that a sergeant major who spent 20 25 years in the military goes to sergeant major academy for a year yeah and a private who knows nothing goes for two weeks yeah it should be I the other way around
3: right yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but then they should be refining some they things should
2: yeah at sergeant yeah. major level yeah it's yeah. yeah. ridiculous but uh so when you pin on the big three stripes, man, now you're a big deal.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was a big deal. I went to the uh <laughs> I went to the eighty second, uh landed there and uh what was that gonna be? Probably Well, it was like ninety two. It? Yeah. it was in March of ninety one. Oh it was right after De- April, May, ninety mm-hmm. some sometime after Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. Like they had they Had got back, I mean, so they had
2: all these NCOs with CIVs. Of course it was awesome, yeah, because
3: they had all seen, they had all done they everything. Didn't, a lot of them hadn't shot a fired a shot because no, I know come guys, come on, no. and they yeah. got CIVs, yeah. yeah. It was everybody was you know, you know, rolling, and I had just got out of jump school, and I so I get there and I go to Bravo Company, second to 325, uh, sign in there, you know, and uh, start getting going, and then the company commander. Did his in in brief interview with me, and he said, "Hey, well, what do you want to do in the 82nd? And I said, "Go to ranger school." Mm-hmm. He says, "Okay, we got a class, we got a pre ranger class, in, in a month, you want to be in really? it?" I was like, "Yep." Mm-hmm. So they put me in. So they they didn't uh, actually. I did sign in in March. I signed in in March because I went to pre ranger in April mm-hmm. of uh, of that year. They probably encouraged junior NCOs to go to ranger school. Well, at that there. point, nobody was going. I mean, oh. uh, that company hadn't the company I was in. Hadn't had anybody go to ranger school in like two years or something. Really? And I don't really know why it was because mm. I was brand new there. And mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. So I rolled in there. Uh, well, what def- attracted you
2: to ranger school realistically? Was it the tab or was it the... Uh did you think you were going to learn good leadership or tactics? Or was it I, did, honestly
3: at first? Because it was when you're a, a private, a you have a when tab, you're, tab, you're, you're a big tab. deal, man. I, I could say something really smart yeah. and deep and tell you what yeah. it was all about, you know, <laughs> you know, this and that. But at the end of the day, I just wanted a tab so I could like hold it over people's heads pretty much. As well, <laughs> that's why you do most things, you know, at that point. But yeah. you know, also, honestly, even back then, though, I believe that if you're in the infantry and you're a leader, that's the premier leadership school. It's mm-hmm. a leadership school, it they is, use yeah. tactics to grade to, uh, you know, um, evaluate leadership. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the best way to do it. It's not a, an infantry school. It's a leadership school. So I figured I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be a leader. Mm -hmm. I want to go to ranger school. Mm -hmm. And you know, as that test as a young guy, you want to go there and see if you measure up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I, you know, I went to ranger school. And uh, that that was a great experience for me. Really, did you go through f- first time all the way? Yeah, I got you know. And honestly, that's a that's some skill and some luck. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were great isn't, guys. Isn't
2: everything, man? It yeah, really is. Exactly. You need a little bit of luck in everything you yeah. do. Yeah, because I'll
3: tell you, if if if. My RI in the mountains would have been paying attention on my platoon sergeant in the mountains a little bit more than he was. Yeah. I probably would have failed that one because I couldn't have pointed which direction the objective was at that night. It was so dark, but I gotta go.
4: Yeah. You know, it's just
3: you know, it's one of those things that but Ranger School was just really valuable to me because it 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 kind of solidified to me that I want to do something more. Mm-hmm. Once I got through that, I got done with it, I knew that I wanted more out of my career than mm. just being in the infantry. Did you like the challenge? I loved it, yeah. And as a young soldier, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the challenge. Mm-hmm. I, need, I needed, uh, at that time in my life, I really needed that, um, I needed something to look at as a challenge to be driving toward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that just every day they wake up and every morning's a challenge or whatever, but me, I like to have something yeah. in the horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think the Army suited me a lot. There was always a deployment. There was always a school. There was yeah. always a... You,
2: you never get to the pinnacle. There's yeah. always something there's more. There's
3: always something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and uh, I, I enjoyed that, you mm-hmm. know, um... So having that laid out in front of me really, really benefited me. So, you know, going there was, you know, I went to Pre-Ranger at the 82nd there. I mm-hmm. uh, did that, and then, like, a week later, got on the bus and mm-hmm. down to Fort Benning, mm-hmm. and I did Ranger school. Cool. So then you get back to the 82nd with your
2: tab. Oh, yeah. Was but you don't that. have a CIV. I don't have a Um, It I take another ten years before I I don't have that that (laughs) thousand yard stare yet. So, uh. (laughs) well, it was it was go for so it was thirty yards there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) all these go for vets are like whoa,
3: motherfucker.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you get back to the 82nd. What happens then?
3: I just went back and got into the into the 82nd rotation. You know, how was
2: the training in the 82nd at that time?
3: 80-second training was pretty good. Uh, They spent a lot of time focusing on jumping.
2: Right. That's a right to work. Uh, What happens when you hit the ground? Your job starts. I I never understood that. In my
3: personal opinion, they spent an exorbitant amount of time worrying Mm. about the jump part of anything. Yeah. And not enough time on the tactics on the ground. Mm. You know, like we would do a... You know, a word came out one time that every time we did a jump for proficiency, we had to do a mission. And Mm -hmm. what that mission always was, it was never really a planned out mission. We would spend Mm -hmm. days going over the jump stuff and all that. And then we'd get on the ground and we'd go to the edge of Sicily drop zone and we'd dig in a block and position on a road.
2: Yeah. And we'd sit
3: there for 24 hours and then we'd road march back. Mm -hmm. That was the mission.
2: So I hear, I was never in the 82nd, but I heard when, when jumps would get canceled, they'd drive you on the drop zone you jump out of the back of the truck. Is that true? I've heard that, too, but yeah. I, I never saw okay. that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have heard yeah. that
3: story, but we have been driven out to a drop zone, and we mm-hmm. got off, and we got, like, in an ORP, mm-hmm. and then we moved out on a, on a mission. Okay. Or to yeah. whatever the field. But it wasn't like, all right, jump and, you know, mm-hmm. PLF and do all that.
2: So, you've like, so you're an E-5, you're a team leader, yeah. you have three soldiers under you?
3: Yeah, I, well, I had four. Four? Is four, it four? So, No, no, I had no. three. You're right. Three. It's three
2: and you. That's four. Yeah, four, four and four So did you did you deal with all the 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 DUIs and the yeah. the beating the wife and all that stuff that, that you typically deal with as an E five or E six? Yeah, E6? most
3: of mine was, uh, yeah, DUIs and fights and bouncing checks and yeah. you know,
2: just that's ju- good training for us. Just eh?
3: Joe being <laughs> Joe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Soldiers yeah. being soldiers. Yeah, you know, yeah.
2: And, uh You pick anybody up from jail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good practice too. Yeah, that's a real as, good practice. as we find out later on yeah, together. That's, yeah, that's a real good practice. Yeah, um,
3: uh. but you know the normal litany of stuff that you know young guys in the eighty second era mm-hmm. were going to do. You yeah. know, in the in, in Fayetteville and yeah, all the areas around there. Um, so it was good leadership experience. Again, I had uh some good leaders and bad leaders at that time. Eighty mm-hmm. second was kind of stuck in their ways about how they did a lot of things, and some things made sense, some things didn't. But overall. I had a good experience my first time there. That was
2: the early 90s, right?
3: That would have been, yeah, 91 to 93.
2: You probably still had some senior leaders from Vietnam hanging around, right?
3: Maybe. I don't yeah. remember any off time. Yeah. I had to tell you. Cause I remember
2: my first duty station. I didn't come in until 96. I remember the first hour had been in Vietnam. He's yeah, probably eighteen.
3: He was probably drafty or whatever. My first to... platoon sergeant in Germany was Vietnam. Band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, heavy barrel brown, HB Brown. Yeah. 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 He was a, yeah. like a first infantry division, you yeah, know, Vietnam.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 That's funny. Um all right. So so uh good leadership in the eighty second?
3: Yeah, I saw again I saw it's like as I went up the chain, the food chain of units, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 good and the bad, you know, like in the eighth and the ninth ID they were kind of even. And then the eighty second it got a lot better. There was probably twenty five percent that probably didn't need to be leading anybody were, were the
2: good leaders good leaders because they'd been trained well or because the eighty second attracts good soldiers who wanna do their job and wanna be there?
3: I think a little of both. Yeah. I mean, I think cause if you, you're not gonna stay in, in, in any unit that does anything extra if you don't Want yeah. to go that mile, but again, the eighty seconds a big unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the way you get everybody 100 percent of the organization squared away is if you can get rid of people, mm-hmm. and you can be a mediocre leader mm-hmm. or even a bad leader and not do nothing illegal and stay yeah. in, in tread an organization. Water. Yep,
2: tread water and just yeah. do your job. Just yeah, show up every mm-hmm. day and
3: don't do nothing too great and don't do nothing too bad and yep. not and not ever leave. You yep. know, so. Everybody is always striving to have better leadership and and, and better influences in an mm-hmm. organization. That not just the military; that's every organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, we don't. You don't have the ability if you have twenty thousand people in a unit. I need twenty thousand people in that organization. So mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta look for the best you can and try to develop them. Yeah. A lot of them were trained really well. A lot of them came from other places, other airborne units, or other units in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I firmly believe that. Some people are just leaders. Mm-hmm. I or, do too. Out of the game. I,
2: I don't like this move up or move out mentality no. that the U.S. Army has, where everybody has to get promoted by a certain time or you get kicked out. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. I, I, and I, I talked agree. about that before. Um, how long did you spend? I, I assume your next step is SF.
3: No, I got a long. I got a Oh, long nurse! To I was like, no? two, I, I was. All you know, right, I'm gonna get out of your way. I was like two years at a time. <laughs> All you right. know where, like, I, yeah. I got to the 82nd. This is where I kind of fall into that pathway of never being. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for something. And I kind of don't really know what it is, but I kind of do, and I'm still trying to figure things out. And um, so, right at this point, I had talked, I thought about going SF, Mm -hmm. but I ended up going to Myrtle Beach and meeting some girl,
4: Mm -hmm. and
3: deciding that you know we were getting serious. So I decided I'm going to postpone SF. Mm -hmm. Now the good thing about that, at least, I was still married to that girl now. Now, okay, (laughs) so it's it's my current wife, you know. But uh, so. so I met her, and I decided to, I had an SF packet ready to go, was going to go do it, but she had just moved up here, and I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a couple more years, and then, you know.
2: What was SF doing back then? Because I'm, 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 I'm a post-9-11 yeah. guy. I'm, I'm, what was SF generally SF doing? SF was doing J-Sets. I mean, yeah. I, I what's, remember what's at that a time uh,
3: a joint combined exercise for training where you go you go to a foreign country who requests assets to come over there and train them, and you name it, yeah. fill in the blank. It could be. Mm-hmm. Rifle marksmanship, it could be how to treat animals, you know, how to do veterinary mm-hmm. stuff. It could be a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah. Um, so, the, most of the units that are regionally oriented they were mostly doing J sets. And again, not being in groups at the time, I can't really speak exactly. I'm sure there's some guy in seventh group that's saying, I was doing this in that yeah. year. And Columbia, maybe yeah. you were. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you were. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, my perception of it was looking back, is most there was no active combat. Yeah, yeah. Columbia with seventh group was honestly the hottest thing that closest. was going on for mm-hmm. SF. That's why my, my first choice when I went SF, I wanted to go to seventh group. Mm-hmm. It was because they were at least down in Columbia, you know, mm-hmm. doing counter narcotics stuff. Did you get an SF brief? Yeah, I got an SF brief, uh, you know, got my, pa- you had to go to one to get your packet together, mm-hmm. do the PT test and do all these things. Uh, so yeah, I got one. Okay. But it was by a recruiter, you know, it yeah. wasn't like an SF, yeah. it was an SF recruiter that mm-hmm. came, you went to the office and, They showed you a film and Mm. said, look how cool you can be. All you got to do is Mm. fill this paperwork out and (laughs) go to selection. So I was sold. I I got my packet together. I decided I was going to do it. Decided, okay, I'm going to put a a placeholder on this. And then down the road, a buddy of mine was in a long-range surveillance unit, which Mm -hmm. is LURS. It's Mm. supposed to be high-speed scouts. Yeah. Yeah. And so I volunteered, said, hey, I want to go to LURS. Went down to 18th Airborne Corps. Mm-hmm. Balance, which is large. It's funny how they disbanded that
2: because those guys yeah. did some high-speed stuff in Vietnam and all that. And then, so, so the only people now that do freefall in the whole U.S. military, in the army, is SF. Yeah, They used to be, Lurse used
3: to have free-fall yeah, slots and be free-fall qualified and all that. Did you go to free-fall in Lurse? I did. I didn't? went to, uh, they broke the company in half, mm-hmm. and I was on the water team side. They had water teams and free-fall teams. No, that sucks. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, I got, I'm got. i like Charlie Brown, man. Every time I try to kick the ball, somebody picks it up, you know, at this point. So, so I went down there, you know, and uh, I expected great things. Good, great unit, great mm-hmm. people. Motivated. Be- better equipment
2: or the same equipment that the regular but line units Better have.
3: equipment. Really? Yeah, better equipment, Um, more of it, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more money. But our, my problem when I went down to 18th Airborne Corps Lurs was there just really wasn't a mission mm. or like a real war. There, there was, but everybody was just kind of saying, yeah, yeah, we'll probably get to do this. But every division had their own Lurs. But that was the whole U.S. Army at
2: that point, right? Yeah. Nobody had a mission really. Yeah. yeah.
3: But every division had a LURS unit. Like mm. every, every divi- not, most of them had their own. 101st had a LURS unit. 82nd had one. You know, All these different units in 18th Airborne Corps, 10th Mountain, they all had their own LURS. Just light infantry? Yeah. Or did any mech infantry? All the 18th or- Airborne Corps. I don't know if any mech infantry units had LURS or mm. not. Right. I don't remember. I don't know, yeah. But I remember most of the unit m- units in 18th Airborne Corps had their own LURS. Mm-hmm. So I'm in corps LURS now. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind corps lurse was you were going to split teams off to each of these divisions, and you were going to be their lurse element. Mm-hmm. So I started when I'm there. I'm thinking I'm a division commander. I have my own lurse. Why would I? I'm in yeah. 25th Infantry Division. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to call Fort Bragg and go, Hey, send me my 12 guys that are my lurse team, two yeah. lurse teams, and support me on? So it never really came to fruition. I think that was the idea at the corps level, but I think the divisions kind of were like. We're not getting rid of our lurs. We're yeah, keeping our own guys. Mm-hmm. And so we never really got off the ground. We did a lot of PT, did a lot of good training, you know, it's did a lot of Australian peel break contact drills. <laughs> that was the coolest drill Dump ever. Dump every mag you have and yeah, run. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's funny because when I was an infantry guy, I assumed that core Lers was like the most elite lurs unit, you know? But uh, I mean, they
3: they did SR mission. We did SR. We trained Mm -hmm. SR. You know, and special reconnaissance. Special Mm -hmm. reconnaissance, basically, just Mm -hmm. you know observing targets and sending back radio traffic. That's really what, what it came out to be.
2: Pretty boring Michigan really most boring. of the time. Like watching yeah. paint dry. It
3: sounds cool, but it's really it not. Pre-swell. <laughs> it pre-swell. It But three days into a height set <laughs> not Shitting so fun Shit in a plastic anymore. bag, not cool. Yeah, exactly. Cool. exactly. Yeah. Carrying your own poo with you everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah it wasn't. Shh, a, don't tell people. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Again, good unit, not knocking anybody that was there. But at that time, uh, my education, my not education, my world perspective was kind of getting a little wider, mm-hmm. you know, and my field of view was getting a little wider. And I, again, I am I kept searching for this thing. And again, looking back on it, I don't really know why I didn't like pull the trigger right mm-hmm. then to go either, you know, to other other selections or SF selection or to Ranger. I, I couldn't really even tell you why. You, you probably had some interactions with SF since you were in Bragg, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Start of interaction. Well, then you, then you get to the point where you start having some friends that go to selection. People yeah. that you know. And mm-hmm. are, hey, I, went to, I you know, used to be in this guy's platoon, and now he's, he's down the road. And mm-hmm. So uh, so I'm in, I'm in Coral Lurge for a couple years, and then, well, about 18 months I'm there. Getting ready to think about leaving. They sent me down to Pre-Ranger. We needed to give a, uh, an instructor up for Pre-Ranger so we could send Coral guys through to Pre-Ranger at the 82nd. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a guest instructor thing. So I was thinking about what I was gonna do, and our our team came up for the needing to give a guy out for six months. So I went, you know, temporary duty up there to the pre ranger course mm-hmm. on Fort Bragg for mm-hmm. six months. Okay, and uh, that was pretty good learning experience mm-hmm. too. But you really you really learn stuff when you teach it, right? you yeah. really get better at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I went out there and I, I I learned to develop my leadership a little bit. Uh, try you know, learn about being an instructor, evaluating people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a really good experience for me. Did that for about six months, and I ended up coming back, getting ready to come back to the unit. One day, I, I get back to my team room, look in my inbox, and there's orders. I just I literally came down on orders while I was at Pre-Ranger to mm-hmm. the 101st Airborne Division. Really, which is weird because I'd been stateside for mm. four years, mm-hmm. and this is a regular Army. Normally, you're not just going to get orders from. Were you E five or E six? I was E five, getting ready to make E six. Yeah, you
2: see. You were probably rolling the dice back then too, because yeah. I remember being scared of this myself—drill sergeant or recruiter. That was always yeah. a, a, a oh, yeah. scary thing where you'd come down an order for those two, and you'd be like, "No, yeah. I would have been the worst recruiter ever. Oh, yeah. I probably would have been okay as a drill sergeant, but
3: yeah. recruiter, recruiter, no. wrong personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But hmm. so I had orders to the one first, and decided, you know, and I was like, "All right, well, I guess I'm going to the one first. At that point, I, I believe at the time, if you were on orders, you couldn't go to selection. Oh, yeah. So once you yeah. had orders with a date yep. on it, mm-hmm. if, your, if your selection date was after that, mm-hmm. you couldn't do it to get out of your movement.
2: Was the 101st still an airborne unit back then? Oh, no. No, no they, they, they were hadn't been for a long Air Assault unit. Yeah, they still yeah. got the
3: airborne tab, but it was yeah. a 100% mm-hmm. air assault, which yeah. I don't know what that really means, but... Did yeah. you go to aerosol? I did. I yeah. went to, I went to the badge. hardest. I went to the hardest ten days of my life. <laughs> and so now I'm. When I did that, I'm fully up to three badges. I'm yeah. You it. know, it's funny it's because awesome. before nine eleven, it was all about
2: badges, oh, right? Yeah. People, I remember being in Beanock, infantry Beanock, and guys would have aerosol and airborne, and they'd call them his and hers jump wings.
3: I hadn't heard that. That's hilarious. Dude, all the tough guys, man. yeah. Oh yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, so I ended up, you know, I PCS there. I ended up getting married, uh, PCS there, um, went to went to the 101st, ended up doing two years there. Mm-hmm. Another good experience. If I had to compare the 82nd and the 101st, it, my experience in it, mm-hmm. the unit, I was in uh, second of the 187, Roxanne's there, and in the field doing our job, they were a, a better infantry unit.
2: Is that because they spent less time worrying about jumping and more time worrying about Tactics in the field?
3: I'm not really sure if that's hundred percent of it. That might have been some of it. Mm-hmm. But there there really wasn't. It was more like blue collar infantry type. Mm-hmm. You know, we they weren't they weren't wrapped around the whole airborne thing. They yeah. were just like, hey, we're we're soldiers and we're gonna get out there and mm-hmm. and, and train. And we trained a lot. We we're in the mm-hmm. field a lot, trained a lot. Um, I I became a squad leader. Right before I left the eighty second, that time I I got a squad mm-hmm. staff something you, you you pinned staff yeah mm-hmm. and then uh, I I was a squad leader when I went through the 101st. Mm-hmm. fell in on that um again got some good training went to air assault school of course you know mm-hmm. uh, did that 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 school was kind of looking back on it I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure other than the sling loading part yeah you know, what what relevance did you fast rope well, no we didn't even fast rope you repel. Time. You just you literally you, rappel. You rappel yeah, the yeah. worst well, one.
2: One on the rope at a time. One on the yeah. rope at a time because that yeah.
3: helicopter has all day to hover I there know because it's it. not
2: vulnerable to gunfire <laughs> <laughs> at all. Because nothing yeah. bad's gonna happen while it <laughs> hovers there and you're hanging off that
3: rope. You know.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. We yeah. I, I rappelled in Ireland too a lot. Yeah, we fast rope too. But yeah, it is, yeah. You have to get completely off the rope before the next guy can even clip in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, yeah. so
3: we did that. But again, you get another badge for it. So mm-hmm. you know. Um, so but the one oh first was really good for me in that aspect with just being a squad leader and getting into the field and I kinda felt like I hit my stride mm. when I was there as far mm-hmm. as so you'd no doubt that you were gonna make it a career at that time or Oh you, yeah. 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 I, I don't think I ever I think I when when I left Fort Lewis, I thought briefly about getting out. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, again the old thing, I'm I'm my buddy that I hung out with, you know, lived north of Fort Lewis somewhere, grew up up there. And he's like, Hey dude, i i, I got out and mm-hmm. you get out, you can live with me for free. And we'll get a job and <laughs> it'll be awesome. And and I br- I thought about it for like Some guys take the bait. Yeah. And then they're i I like, thought oh about it for God. like five seconds, yeah. man. And then I was like, no. I, yeah. I just yeah. something in me was like, There's no way I'm getting out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh and then mm-hmm. the the good thing well not a good thing that happened, one of the things that happened when in the one oh first when I was there was, you know, I don't know if you remember, the Kobar Towers got bombed mm-hmm. in uh, yep. Saudi Arabia. 96? 96. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be 96. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they moved Army Central, I think it was. They moved a command element like out into this compound off into the desert somewhere. And mm-hmm. uh, they alerted our company. And our company, my whole company went over there. Basically, all we did was pull guard. Yeah. You know, we, we guarded that compound and did patrols around that Live area. ammo. But it was in again, the pouch. live ammo again, you know, <laughs> that I had to count every shift as a squad leader. That was awesome. Um yeah. But, the, you know, we deployed over to Saudi Arabia, wasn't, went over there. Wasn't
2: and, it funny back then, like, the mentality of that? Like, yeah. live ammo, but don't load it. Or if you let it load it, they wouldn't let you charge it, you know? And then, yeah. like, fast forward. What year was that? 98? 96? 96. Fast forward ten years, two thousand six, and we're heavily engaged in combat, man, and and everybody in the infantry and everything is locked and loaded, and gunfights all the time. It just goes
3: completely different. I think it's just a disservice, man, because you know you got to be guys, got to be people, got to be comfortable with live ammo. Yeah, you can't be scared of your your weapon. Yeah, Yeah. and you can Mm -hmm. see the way somebody handles a firearm if they Mm -hmm. know what they're doing or if they're intimidated or not. And I tell you, you can look at now a lot of soldiers walking around on a range or something with that their barrel muzzle pointing up, up down in the air range. and all that up and mm-hmm. down range. They're not comfortable handling no, that weapon because it's, no. it's, you know, it, it's, it's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at people who handle weapons all the time and mm-hmm. it's, it's like a part of their body. Yeah. They don't even yeah, think about it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, uh, so we went over there and did that. That was, you know, that was just a good mission, a, a good mission to go over. We got a lot of training in, did a lot of PT, had, you know, a quasi real world mission, which mm-hmm. was nice. Other which than, was rare. Yeah. Real then. rare. Yeah. We were over there for mm-hmm. like six months. Yeah. and. Uh, yeah. Good trip all the way around, mm-hmm. um, and then that kind of finalized my decision that yeah, I'm going SF now. Mm-hmm. So I'm done with I'm done with doing this. I'm put my hands in my pockets. My, exactly? <laughs> I, I just I wanted to not get haircuts. Put my hands in my pocket, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and try to pretend like I don't think I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, finished up my time there. Decided that I was going to uh, go to selection and do all that. And my wife at the time, and my wife wanted to be back here at Fort Bragg. So I said, all right, well, here's what we'll do. I'll PCS back to Bragg. Once I get there, we get there. I'll go back to the 82nd for however long mm-hmm. my minimum is, and then I'll go to selection. And mm-hmm. that way you'll be here while I go through the Q course and everything. Because we wanted, at the time, we wanted to stay on Bragg. Yeah. We wanted to be in seventh group or third group because they were both here at the time. Mm-hmm. or seventh group was here at the time. And we didn't want to leave. Brag. She didn't
2: like Campbell. She
3: didn't like Campbell the first mm. time. or hated it. Okay, hated for yeah. Campbell. Um,
2: just uh, for whatever reason, she mm-hmm. didn't like it. I think some people either like it or they hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like
3: I said, when I went, we'll talk about that later. But when I went mm-hmm. back, yeah. she loved it. You, you wanted you, you pick fifth oh, group. Oh no, I picked seventh, third, and tenth group. Dude, that happened to me too. And I got fifth group. <laughs> my last choice <laughs> is
2: third group, and <laughs> I got it. I, yeah. I think they turned the list upside down, and they're know. like, "This cocky fucker." Fifth is group not wasn't pay. even on my
3: list. Really? And I got it. Which. You know, thank God. I'm glad. I I I don't. I'm I'm glad of it. But uh, Hmm. so we we get back here. I go back to the 82nd for. uh, I ended up. Man, you must have been
2: sick of PCSing. Oh
3: yeah, because I
2: I only PCSed. Like I went to Fort Hood out of basic, and went to Germany, and then I went to Bragg, and I stayed there for the rest of my career. Yeah, I mean, I moved around a
3: bunch. God. Well, a lot of those moves over when I was single. Yeah, it's PCS and you got a trash bag full and you're of clothes. Young, and- who cares, man? You're like whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just want a good barracks room. I don't care, you know, or whatever. But uh, you know, when you got a family, it's or mm-hmm. wife. You know, yeah. I didn't have kids at the time, but it was. You know, mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But uh, came back here, went to the 82nd for another year. That was a horrible year. Uh, horrible year. Ran into the worst leader ever in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my company first starting at the time, worthless, freaking vindictive. Just, I was the worst person on the planet because I was going SF. Really, and he I took hate it that. directly mm-hmm. as it, it got so bad that at the end of the day that I had to put in an EO complaint against the guy. Really, believe it or not. Yeah, you. He was <laughs> doing stuff like the night before my PT test before I went to selection. Uh, he nobody in the company was jumping. He he gave me his rucksack and sent me to another battalion to jump with them at two in the morning. Because he wow. knew I had a PT test that morning. Little stuff like that. scumbag. Yeah, very yeah, awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, first starting love, if you're listening, by the mm-hmm. way. You're a piece of garbage. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. And at that time, I was, you know, um, I was smart enough to know what what good leadership was. And this mm-hmm. guy, I think, really thought he was a good leader. Was he
2: intimidated by you? Cause I
3: don't think he was intimidated. He was. Just, I just think that he was just a very opinionated, arrogant mm-hmm. um, dude mm-hmm. that was really... Uh, full of himself and he, he was just drunk on i'm in yeah. charge of a company he would do little things like we'd be out in the company area doing a formation at five o'clock at night 1700 mm-hmm. his office was right on could look out on it you'd see the blinds in his office at five o'clock he'd look out there his blinds would close again and he'd come out there at like 5 30. Mm-hmm. we'd stand out there for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and he put that. out be out there at five and we're all out there the whole yeah. the whole company 100 yeah. people standing out there wow. he'd come out at 5 30 and go Hey, 630 PT, I'll talk to you guys. I, I want to see the platoon sergeant right now. Wow. And that'd be it. Yeah. And we st- stood there for 30 minutes. I, I, just, hate that. I wanted yeah. to murder the guy. Yeah. I yeah. Freaking hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, long story short, I get out of that and boom, go to selection. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in 1997, late 97. Mm. I went to selection.
2: Well, how did you find selection?
3: I found it challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, uh, I was in shape. I, I talked to everybody, you know. I mean, I talked, you know, you try to get all the G2 you can. Mm-hmm. And the best G2 that I had was just be in good infantry shape. Somebody mm-hmm. told me, one of the guys mm-hmm. that I knew had passed, he mm-hmm. said just be able to road march, make sure your feet don't come apart on you, mm-hmm. be able to do PT consistently and, and just be in shape. I've heard guys say, oh, you know, I
2: was in, you know, big muddy lake one night and I was chest deep in water and I was cold and I really
3: thought about quitting. Do you ever think about quitting in selection? I thought about qu- quitting but again not really seriously yeah i remember sitting on my bunk after we had we carried these ammo crates these long rectangular ammo crates mm-hmm. filled with sand i forget what the name of the drill is but the they had rope handles on them my hands were just hamburger from carrying them and mm-hmm. walking them. at the end that you did like a couple events a day and that night i went back and sat on my bunk in the little quonset huts that we were living in and I just remember sitting there going, if tomorrow isn't a little bit easier, (laughs) just a little bit easier, I I don't know if I'm going to make it through But I think you say
2: that just to get through the next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did did you take strength? Because I took strength, and when I wake up in the
3: morning, there's 10 bugs empty. I I was just going to say that. Yeah. I I did, too. I, I would look at it, and I just. It is. It's a weird form of strength. It is. You yeah. Know? But yeah. I would look around and be like, all right, that ain't gonna be me. My bunk mm-hmm. going to be empty tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I came, after a couple of days, I basically told myself, I may not get selected at the end of this, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm gonna be there at the end of this. Mm. What was the hardest day in selection for you? Hardest day. Hardest day. Hardest day was that day I carried the ammo crates. Yeah. For me yeah. Because it was yeah. just that mental. Like the the big thing there is. That was one of the first experiences I had where I was voluntarily there. Like I, I could literally quit, say, "Hey, I quit," yep, and go back to my unit mm-hmm. and do whatever. But I, not that I thought about that. But it it was it was a hard thing. It's harder when you have it out. Did did it probably helped you that that first sergeant was still back oh, yeah. at that unit, right? Oh yeah, I yeah. had a second because I was in the same company, same battalion that I was in the last, the first time. I was in mm-hmm. second Bravo Company, second mm-hmm. second battalion, uh, three, two, three two five. And uh, I had their uh, unit, the unit crest. Mm-hmm. I had that unit crest inside my patrol cap. And every time I got bummed out, I'd pull that out and I'd look at it and I'd put it back <laughs> on my head. I was like, I am not going back. To
2: Motivation. That. Yeah. I, am not going I back. saw that in uh, not so much in selection, but in the Q course. When when things got really stupid, I I, I see all guys who were in ranger battalion quit, and I'm yeah. like, how can they quit? But they had a really good unit to go back to. I was yep. like, I've got nowhere to go. Yeah. Uh, you can do whatever you want. I'm not yeah. gonna freaking yeah, yeah. What
3: amazed me too is how easy it is. You you see people that almost you can almost watch them talking to themselves. Yeah. The yeah. Like like mm-hmm. they got. Oh man, my knee hurts a little bit yeah. this morning. Mm-hmm. By the end of that day, man, that knee is. That knee injury is debilitating. <laughs> that it's gone. Even, they can't even walk. It's like it's hacked. Yeah. And, and you could just almost see it's It's kind of a good education to watch it. People could just mm-hmm. literally make, talk themselves they can. out of things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, yep. and it was really good, It really interesting to watch that mm-hmm. happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Um,
3: what, what M.O.S. were you when you graduated? 18 Bravo.
2: 18 Bravo. Me MLS. too. Me too. Exactly. All, All the right. smart guys would go, go 18 Bravo. <laughs> I wanted through the Q course as fast as possible. So I was like French, four months, I 18 Bravo. I went through start to finish in like 10 months. You know, yeah. if you get Arabic or you get Chinese and yeah. you get a medic, man, that's two years right yeah. there, man.
3: Screw the that.
2: Yeah. yeah. That was a war on for lucky. me.
3: I went to Sear school when I was in Lurs. Oh. so I didn't have to go to, it used to be Sears was at the end, so I saved yeah. three weeks going to Sears Was it at so. the
2: same Sears? Yeah, same, yeah course. Same, same course. course, yeah, yeah. Where you work now. Where I work <laughs> now, yes, where I work now. Yeah, um, so so uh, how was the Q course? I what, thought the
3: what, Q... So did you do SUT first? Um, we did,
2: yes. That was a joke for you, because you were Ranger Qualifier, yeah, I, right? SUT
3: yeah, SUT, was, it was funny, because my and uh my instructor, my small unit instructor for SUT was a guy named Byron Russell. He was mm-hmm. a fifth group guy. And I ended up being in fifth group with him in yeah. same company mm-hmm. after all this. But I was the only guy with a tab in my little hut, mm-hmm. you know, on my team, whatever. So once Byron figured out that I kind of knew what I was doing and mm-hmm. I talked through the infantry stuff, you know, you're learning all small unit tactics. Mm-hmm. You know, them instructors work hard. They work long hours, yeah. you know, and yeah. they're out there. It's like being deployed if you're in a, a yeah. small unit mm-hmm. tactics instructor in the Q course. So mm-hmm those guys bust their butts. And so it'd be like six o'clock at night and we still had to do like an ambush class or something. Mm-hmm. Byron started pulling me aside. He'd be like, Hey Sean, go over the teach ambush tonight. You guys rehearse it a couple of times. I'll do a review in the morning. I'm out of here. Yeah. And he'd leave. And I didn't know it until a couple of times I looked out at the huts and all the other instructors there until like nine o'clock at wow. night. Byron's getting two more, <laughs> two more hours at home because <laughs> Kirkwood can, Kirkwood can do the class. Yeah. You know, so Was he a good instructor? He was a really good instructor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, he, he did this thing with a, a video camera and army guys on the floor of his house showing how ambushes went. It was mm. like still frame photography. That
2: that's a, that's, that's the, the one step extra. Exactly. I love when instructors do that, and we we've yeah. seen that in in, in sniper school. The guys go the extra mile to try yeah. and get the point across. I, I love that, and then it really is cadre roulette when you go through those yeah. courses. You can get good, or you can get shit bags, man. Yeah, because I had know?
3: a Q, I had a Robin Sage cadre that was worthless.
2: See, I was the opposite. My yeah. sut cadre was worthless. My Robin Sage cadre
3: was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just and it's unfortunate, man. Because I, I'll tell you, the instructor is the most important. Yeah. position you can have in any organization especially mm-hmm. a, a special operations organization because mm-hmm. you're reproducing yeah you know yeah. you're you're building people it's like being a team sergeant you're you're building or you're helping guide the, the next generation that's going to come into, the, into that organization yeah. yeah you can make it or break it and i, I just hate that mentality of i'm not gonna i am not going i do not want to be here i want to be on a team so i'm not going to be a good yeah. instructor. Oh, i'd be willing that. to bet that you weren't a good team guy yeah, if, you're, exactly. if you if you think yeah. like that, I mm-hmm. bet you weren't a good teammate.
2: Yeah. I remember a guy saying, I'm not going to say his name, he was like, oh, when I went through the Bravo course, that, that course was fucked up. I would have done it this way and this way. And I said, well, why don't you volunteer? I'll go over there, be the NCIC and change it. He's like, fuck that. I ain't going over no, there.
3: No, 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 I got mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And about- I
2: didn't want to go to sniper school as an instructor. I fought it and tried to get out of it. But when I got there, I was like, okay, I'm here. And it was actually a great experience. It really was. Really
3: great experience. Um, Mostly because of
2: me. (laughs) You had a good experience
3: because I was there.
2: (laughs) 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 We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, uh, So you did. What did
3: you think of the weapons course? I thought the weapons course was lacking at the time. I did
2: too. I I thought we learned to
3: take apart a lot and put together a lot of Mm -hmm. weapons really fast. Um, We didn't learn enough about, you know, how to conduct ranges, planning,
2: missions. So I I learned how to disassemble and assemble 200 different weapons to include the the Dishka 12.7 machine gun that the Russians use. I could pull that thing apart and put it together. My first range on the team, four locking blocks broken, the Beretta, the piece that breaks more than any other piece on any other weapon in the world, and I didn't know how to fix it. Nobody told me. I had no idea, but you could take apart a freaking Sten gun. (laughs) It is yeah, that, and I, I don't like the I don't like the mentality where we're gonna teach you what to think. Okay, here's a nineteen eleven, this is how you disassemble it, okay you're getting tested, you know, bang, that's gone. Next one. Yeah instead of teaching you how to think, yeah how, how weapons work and how to analyze you know, how it. how to really analyze and, and fix problems and troubleshoot, because that's what you're doing downrange. You can't possibly no. learn every weapon in the world. No. But you can learn the mechanisms. So I, I thought it was lacking too. I we had some good instructors, Tony Yost was there who ended yeah. up getting killed later on. Um, but I I did think that it it could have been done a whole lot
3: better. Could have been done way better, and mm-hmm. you know, look, and this is hindsight, you know, because that's a time you're a student, you just want to get through it. Yeah, y- you, you really, do. you do. A good some guys will, you know, put some AR comments down, but at the end of the day, you just want to be done. You with do, it. You know. and it, it was good. I learned I learned some good things, but I just thought there was a lot of opportunity wasted. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the weapons course looks like now. I've heard they do a lot more different things than they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'll tell you, to prepare a guy to go to an ODA – uh, my infantry background prepared me way better than an 18 Bravo. Course yeah, day.
2: yeah, and I I can't imagine like you. So you were Ranger qualified, and you were and the the, the Bravo is supposed to be like the tactics guy on mm-hmm. the team, right? And that always doesn't always happen. It depends yeah. on personalities. But if you don't have an infantry background and you you were uh, nothing against truck drivers, you were a truck driver and you're an 18 Bravo and you come to my team, I'm yeah. not letting you touch tactics. No, I'm going to this 18 Delta who's Ranger qualified. who came from the infantry and he's doing it right. Yeah. So it's talent management. It is, no yeah. What yeah, 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 um, yeah. I find I find the weapons scores lacking, but I hope it's better now. Yeah. and the way it was set up at back then, because you went to the same facility as me beside the wind tunnel, yeah, in the in the World War Two barracks with holes in the floor, you know, yeah, yeah. I was like, really special is, operations, we and got. we spent we spent two three hours a day pulling weapons out and putting them back in, and they yeah. built that new facility. It's much better. They just wheel them in and wheel them out, and they yeah. save a couple hours a day. Yeah, yeah, they you
3: know? do. It was, was kind of. I just thought it could have been better done. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I know Swick is constantly. Looking at things, and I hope they looked at the weapons course and adjusted that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So after weapons, probably Robin Sage. Robin Sage. After that, um, yeah, that went good. I thought that was just a fun exercise. I did too. I did too. I jumped in. um, You know, it it was it was really interesting. It was good that it's an incredible uh, network they have Mm -hmm. out there with that. Oh yeah, it really is. Yeah, that operation is just. Robin Sage is a great exercise. I'm. You know, you always get to people wondering how relevant is and how this is that, but. You know, at the end of the day, you talk to a lot of people that they went to places like Afghanistan mm-hmm. or even early on in Iraq, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Man, a lot of this is right out of Robin Sage."
2: And and you think that anybody could do it, but I've yeah. seen a lot of other services. Let me put it that way: try yeah. to do fade and try to build rapport and, and not really understand that piece. Yeah. That was that was hammered into us in Robin Sage: yeah. build rapport, build rapport, build rapport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it did. Well. And you got to have
3: the right mindset for that. If you're yeah. doing it because. You know, an organization to remain unnamed at this point that I work with in Iraq was like, we're doing FID because uh, there's really nothing else going on right now. We want yeah. For yeah. us, and we want to that do that same
2: organization. We want to be. May or may not that. be in the Navy. They, yeah. they told me that these uh, Iraqis only understand two things shut the fuck up and get the fuck over here. And yeah. I'm like, these Awful. guys are going to shoot you on target, man. Yeah. These guys have hundreds of combat ops. Exactly. These you know? guys have
3: got way more missions than you. Yeah, ever.
2: yeah, yeah. You know? And that that Arab culture, you can't treat them like shit. It's, no. it's very, it's very, uh, it doesn't work with them. You can't embarrass them. You, you, yeah, yeah you, you got especially you
3: gotta, if you're 24 years old. And yes. This is your first deployment. Yeah, exactly. And these guys yeah. live in this every day. Yeah. They go home on leave and they're in the middle of a combat zone. And yeah. Because you're here for three months, you think yeah. That, yeah. that's going to work out?
2: I, I think some of the some of the things. And I asked recently if they still do the thing where the G chiefs treat you like shit. When you yeah. went in, I, I think that, that's probably not relevant because I'd be like, "Hey, boys, wrap it up. We're leaving. Yeah. You can go fuck yourself because you need mu- us more than we need you." Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. But um, so I, I, I would hope that it's been modernized. But I
3: think even with that, a lot of that is just being a creative thinker because you got to learn to solve a problem. Yeah. You know, let's just say yep. that is a problem, and maybe mm-hmm. you know you don't have that authority or whatever, or you just don't want to. Making leadership think outside of what the normal is. Yeah, a lot of a lot of yeah. the, especially the officers and, mm-hmm. and NCOs. you know, yeah. they get trained that you know you're going to be the king of your world and everybody's going to listen to you because mm-hmm. you're the smartest guy in the room. And and sometimes you go places and they're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and you got to be you got to figure out a way around that.
2: Yeah, yeah. On on. I, I, I just I I would hope they've incorporated things like insider attacks and all that, which I'm, I'm sure they have. I'm, uh, I'm sure they have. I'd, they have. Have, to, yeah. I'd yeah.
3: have to ask out there, but I, I'm sure they have. They they the good that's a good thing about the cadre keep coming back into the Q mm-hmm. course, yeah, or the soldiers that come in there as cadre are yeah. coming right out of the force. Yes. And hopefully they're bringing those things. Mm-hmm. Into the, into that's the SWCC. it's it's a pain when you're a team guy and you have to go to SWIC, but it's a really cool
2: template. Like that, every year you bring in new guys who have con- yeah. relevant combat experience, and you have a. You have usually a, a cadre there that are civilians, like what you yeah, do now, yeah. that stay there and they're continuity, but then you've got Green Berets coming in every year going, hey, this is what I experienced downrange, and you keep that relevancy. I yeah. think it's a good template. you got
3: to always look mm-hmm. out. What
2: language did you learn?
3: Arabic. Oh, damn. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Modern, Modern Standard Modern Arabic. Modern Standard Arabic. Six Dude. months. And
3: I got a, a, a one plus one plus on the way out of school, and that's the highest language score I ever had. Really? But yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you try? I tried a little bit, but I, honestly, at the time, language is, not that it was right. Language mm-hmm. in my time in group wasn't a big priority. No, it wasn't. Even when I graduated, I graduated. I, see,
2: I did French in school, and French is a much easier language. Yeah. And uh, I got a 2 plus 2 plus, and I got paid for it. But I tried, because I wanted the money. I, I yeah. You know, I needed the money. So, uh, But learning Arabic, man, that would be tough. Yeah. yeah. And there,
3: there at- at the time in the fifth group, there was there wasn't very many like fluent. But mm-hmm. you you could understand words here and there, and I, I, it's maybe beat your way through. But. Sean
2: it's probably mostly the same now. I think seventh group yeah. can teach and run and do yeah. everything. But a lot of them are either Hispanic guys or they're married to Hispanic girls, and they yeah. they, they, they they they're very very good at language. And Spanish is a an easier language yeah, it to is. learn. It absolutely you know, is. It's, yeah. And, mm-hmm.
3: uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, though, I it wasn't it wasn't really forced upon us to learn it. Because, you know, we went over to Iraq. We had interpreters assigned yeah, to us. Yeah. And and I'm I not think saying that's the right answer. Because, honestly, I believe that language should be a priority. Because yeah. that's one of the ways that SF mm-hmm. differentiates itself from... Any
2: other force. And I think the standard back then it was the same. When I went through it was zero plus, zero yeah. plus on the bus, right?
3: right. Yep. Show uh, up, yeah,
2: take the test yeah. and you're gone. Yeah. It was more of a finger drill. It really was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there was a big push to reemphasize it a couple of years ago for that reason, right? Because yeah. that's what that's what we 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 advertise that capability. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. that and we
3: sh- and, and SF should. That yeah. I mean that's maturity, language capability, mm-hmm. you know, understanding culture is is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's to me, that's where kind of CA gained a lot of prevalence in the community now. Yeah, yeah. Civil affairs is because they, they're they pushing a lot harder in that direction. Not yeah. that they can do what a SF team could do, but mm-hmm. the language part of it is is really important to them, yeah, and they yeah. push that. So they, yeah. they ended up getting mm-hmm. a big seat at the table because of that, mm. I think. So you didn't pick fifth group? <laughs> no, didn't pick fifth group. So I, I finished up doing whatever, and I, I get a uh, – you know, I, I can't
2: remember. Was it you got to pick – like your your dream sheet was all five groups. No, it was three. It was just three. Yeah, okay, yeah.
3: So I picked seventh, third because I wanted to stay on brag mm-hmm. was a big reason, mm-hmm. and then tenth group because I'd never been to Colorado. So I
2: picked tenth group because I thought, well, I'm European, right? I grew up in Ireland, so that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I guess not, right? Guess not. And then I picked. First group, I think, and then I picked like seventh group. And you know I didn't get tenth group? You don't wear skinny jeans. I know. Yeah, so you wore I skinny know. jeans. You wear <laughs> that <got> tenth
4: group.
2: <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny? Like every SF group has yeah. its own personality. They do. Uh, it absolutely is
3: true. Yeah. 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 The, the two closest to me, honestly, are t- are fifth and third. Yeah. It's yeah. like we're cousins because we don't fit in anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're we're blue collar like factory workers. You yeah. Or like cousins or whatever. And, you know, it, it's it's yeah, just funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I did, I ended up getting assigned to fifth. What did your wife think Go she back to was, Campbell? She was not happy. No. Not happy. Yeah. Because I had one of my selling points going SF to her. Because before the war, the only people going anywhere for long periods of time were SF. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. she wasn't really happy with me going in the first place. And then when I, I, I got Fort Campbell, mm-hmm. I, one of my selling points was, don't worry, SF's different. They're going to. They really care about what you want to do. They don't just assign you stuff,
2: <laughs> She's like, sucker. They said
3: it's the fifth
2: group.
3: <laughs> oh, she was not happy. But she didn't. She didn't
2: like the fact that you can homestead in SF for much longer yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. She
3: just wanted to homestead. Yeah, bride. yeah. You know. Yeah. So, but at the time, who knows why? I tried to go. I went over and interviewed. I went over to just cold, knock you know, knocked on a sergeant major's door at uh, first battalion, third group, and uh, a break there. I went over there and knocked on his door, and I forget the guy's name, but I walked in there. And I had spit shine, you know, back in when we spit shine mm-hmm. boots, a pressed uniform, a brand-new beret on my head. <clears throat> I said, hey, ASR Major, I want to. Um, I got orders the fifth group. I, I went to Arabic. I got Arabic. I know you guys have Arabic speakers here in 1st Battalion. I made a very, a very good case for why he should keep me in 1st mm-hmm. Battalion, and basically he was like, that ain't my call, my man. That's, a, <laughs> that's way higher than me. And I don't know you from anybody, so yeah. I'm not really gonna. He could have done it. He could have, yeah. but I don't, I also understand his point yeah. of I don't know who you are. Yeah. you're in the Q course right now. You're not even out yet. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm gonna get a crew of guys that come right out of the Q course. I don't know who. I'm, I'm not gonna call somebody and mm-hmm. get you assigned here for who knows. You yeah, know. So yeah. I understood his point of view. He yeah. wasn't. He wasn't being an asshole about mm-hmm. it. You know? He was, um, just kind of giving me the ground truth like look man i'm not willing to make that phone call for yeah, you because i don't yeah. know who you are get out of my office you know so thanks for coming <laughs> nice boots get out of here <laughs> <laughs> or to shot or to shot yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh ended up going to fifth group uh got assigned to first battalion fifth group mm-hmm. and got there in like mid 99 mm-hmm. when i when i landed there okay so pre-9-11 oh yeah how was sf pre-9-11 <laughs> First team I went to, it was it was good. Again, we were doing. You didn't, know, didn't you tell me
2: you once had a team Sarn, who ended up being a, he was a shit team Sarn, who ended up being a shit Sarn major who had everything, all the, all the equipment laid out and none on the weapons. And oh this, yeah, all that. that was my first team. Yeah, Was yeah. it? Yeah.
3: yeah, I rolled into my first team and uh, all the like we had at the time we had um, not EOTechs, uh M sixty eight red dots. Oh yeah, 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 and ACOGs and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Went down to the arms room because I'm the new Bravo. You
2: basically before nine eleven. Correct me if I'm wrong. You basically had army stuff, right?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we had, yeah, we had, mm. we had army stuff. Basically, nothing yeah. real super special. M twenty four sniper rifles, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. But I uh, went down there to look at the guns. There was no optics on them or nothing. Mm. And so I came up, said, "Hey, where are all our optics?" And they're like, "Oh, wait, they're they're in this cabinet." We opened yeah. the cabinet, and they're all in the box with the serial number on the outside of them, so they could be inventory. That's
2: the, that's what we we. Uh, commonly referred to as the september 10th mentality exactly yeah, that was a, yeah. it was
3: very september 10th mentality yeah my team sergeant and team leadership was very into um the secret squirrel type oh stuff yeah you know yeah, uh yeah. they wanted to do you know covert surveillance and all the really james bond stuff you the know mustache, mustache kits. kits and all that <laughs> <laughs> um, they were really into that and yeah. honestly at fifth group at the time the biggest appointment you were getting was go over to kuwait for what they call it desert spring which is basically our presence in kuwait after mm-hmm. you know helping working with the kuwaitis mm-hmm. and i uh, would go over there and it was just a j set again yep. you know working with the kuwaiti military mm. when they decided to show up Yep, um that was the biggest thing and then you just do normal little mm-hmm. j sets to jordan or wherever else mm. but it was good. I mean, it was my first team wasn't exactly what I would have wanted it to be right off the mm-hmm. bat. Um, a lot of good guys on there. Mm-hmm. Um, leadership, not bad leaders, but just kind of I, I didn't think they really got it. And I'm yeah. glad I didn't have to go to combat with that team right off mm-hmm. the bat. Well, I did go to combat with that team, but just with other leadership. It's funny now because uh, I talked to a captain
2: recently that I worked in Force Mod with, and he's like, the kids who are coming in now. Are expecting to do the stuff that we did in Iraq? Like I'm here. Where's my MP5? Where's the bad guys so I can go kill them? And they're not doing any of that anymore, right? So it's like the opposite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, But I I wonder if it helps to come in pre-9/11,
3: get a couple of years in SF before the whole thing kicks off because it kicked off hard, especially for fifth group. Yeah, I think it did. I, I think for me, it was a good foundational thing to see how how. ODAs are supposed to operate and Mm -hmm. what they're what they're doing generally, and then Mm. you know 9/11 just changed everything. And a lot of people don't remember, but or maybe weren't in a position to see it. Where where were you when 9/11 happened? I was I was at fifth group. We we had just got back from Uzbekistan. Um, Oh wow! I was Mm. in the team room. We we did a J set in Uzbekistan. Came back Mm -hmm. and uh, sitting in the team room, and people started hollering down the hallway about about that. We started talking about it. Mm. My whole company was in Kuwait actually Mm in the Desert Spring. So everybody but my team was in Kuwait Mm -hmm. at the time. So, again, football gets pulled out from under me. What happens to my ODA 522 (laughs) at the time? Instead (laughs) of, like, ramping up to go to Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. where do we go? Hey, we need to get you over there into Kuwait with your company. Mm -hmm. So we loaded up, went over to Kuwait. To to do what? What are you afraid? Well, originally they said they... Again, everything was kind of mass, not mass chaos, but there was a yeah. lot of confusion. Nobody, nobody really knew, nobody what, was going knew going what was going on. Yeah. Nobody knew how the missions were going to work. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what we were going to do. Combat wasn't a normal routine no. thing. No, and like we it weren't, we,
2: honestly, if we're being honest, we weren't good at it. We made a lot of mistakes early <laughs> we on. We would a very, uh, you know, Clinton had had gutted the military for, yeah. for eight years, and, and we really hadn't recovered, and uh, there was a lot of big mistakes made early on yeah they're like were. We're, we're a different army today than we were back then. oh yeah a lot of
3: hard lessons were learning but there was you know teams were just, you know getting ready to infill and they were doing what they thought was right it made sense they maybe will we'll punch people from kuwait over because they mm. didn't know how big this was going to go yeah so the first teams that ended up getting pulled in isolation to get kicked over you know came they, they took like teams from every battalion it wasn't like mm. they were onesie and twosie in teams because there wasn't as many but missions. what
2: kind of team were you on
3: it, it was just a standard ruck team. Ruck team. Okay. There was no yeah. real specialty to yeah, it. Yeah, because um, there's
2: there's different teams in SF. There's free-fall teams or dive teams. Yeah, but it, then, it wasn't any of that. Okay. It
3: was just mm-hmm. your basic, basic team. So the invasion of Afghanistan, I was in fifth group, not even involved in it. Went mm-hmm. over to Kuwait, sat there in Kuwait, and then came back from Kuwait right about the time that first rotation from Afghanistan was coming back. Mm-hmm. And by the time the first— and I don't remember exactly the time, so guys that were in fifth group with me at the time that know better, and I, I may be just misremembering, but I think it was only like six months to a year that fifth group was really taking point hmm. in Afghanistan. Yeah. And then we literally came out of Afghanistan, everybody else kind of took over a third group and yeah. places like that, mm-hmm. and then we started planning for Iraq.
2: Oh, right? yeah, the, yeah. From
3: 2002 on, it was all, get ready for Iraq. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I remember us ramping up for Iraq, and I wasn't in this at the time, but I remember,
3: I was in the infantry, and I remember, there was a lot of talk about Iraq for a long time, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so we came back, you know, we got back from that, um, a lot of good lessons learned started coming, we started implementing a lot of things that were coming along, but, mm-hmm. and then pretty soon after that, we started hearing about, you know, Iraq was going to go down, mm-hmm. and we started... You know, just training up really hard for that. Did you get a? Did, did
2: equipment started coming in? That oh you yeah, need? yeah, probably well, floodgates. Right? I went
3: from yeah, floodgates open. That mm-hmm. you know, the the G watt faucet got mm-hmm. turned on. And the the, the big thing about it's like my company was a uh, was a dismounted company. We didn't have any vehicles. We mm-hmm. didn't have any anything like that. And they said, hey, you need to be a mounted company. Mm-hmm. So we had Charlie Company above us uh, that was a mounted company. Had they told you that you were
2: gonna go? Like, for instance, to Jordan and come across the desert? They didn't really know. Not not that specific yet. Unless you're jumping in, you're basically driving across the desert, right? I mean, everybody was. It
3: really came down to what platform. We were either going to infill an aircraft Mm -hmm. and then drive, or Mm -hmm. we were going to um, just drive in the whole way. And and we planned, we just made our our dismounted company. One of the best things I was ever involved with was Bravo Company, 1st Battalion. Yeah, we ramped up. You know, Bravo Company did with vehicles, training, tactics. You know, we worked uh, a lot with Charlie Company because they they were the mobility company. I was going to say,
2: where did you learn the TTPs and all that? Charlie or? Company, yeah. we we
3: we you know got with them. Had re- been
2: had they been training for this scenario, not this
3: particular one, but a scenario where you desert mobility. Scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. were the mobility company. Okay, and that's yeah. the way it was kind of broken down because a company and First Battalion is the is the commanders or. Uh, Crisis response force mm-hmm. at the time, B Company was like a UW, you know, kind of random but dismounted company, and then Charlie Company at the time was the vehicle mounted mobility company. Okay, yeah, that's the way it was organized. And for mm-hmm. I don't know how the other battalions were, but that's how ours was. Mm-hmm. And um, so they they quickly decided that hey man, bottom line, you know, the CRIF Company is not going to become mounted yeah. so what's bro-
2: just to explain what the crypt is that the sif it was back yeah the
3: commanders you know interve- uh in extremist force in extremist yeah. force mm-hmm. and uh they were they were basically a direct action company mm-hmm. that you know went and did special operations yeah like hostage rescue and, and hostage rescue and direct rescue action and, direct and action. there's
2: one in each of the five active duty groups yes yeah and
3: mm-hmm. a1 a A company, first battalion, fifth group was the one in my in my group, Mm -hmm. and they were in my battalion. I was in Bravo company at the time, and later I went down there. But I was in Bravo company during this, Mm -hmm. and um, so we ramped up really quick. You know, we literally at that time the way the money started going, it was just like if we wanted it, we got it. Mm -hmm. We took. You ever seen the FMTV trucks? They're they're big.
2: Yeah, the big war pigs or whatever war they call them yeah, yeah. We, were,
3: we were like we were taking them literally driving them downtown clarksville yeah. tennessee yeah to this body shop and they yeah. were like sawing them in half and like making weapons racks and we're paying with a credit card that's and awesome it was really really yeah. hokey man i mean it was all legal they were just like hey do this get this knocked out yeah. all the vehicles were getting modified you know this companies in nashville are making us machine gun mounts and yeah and yeah at the time everybody in the country was still just like support support yeah. support we got to mm-hmm. you know, keep this going and mm-hmm. So they, we basically retrofit the entire company, man, yeah. and, uh, you know, and then started training, mm. did local stuff. And then pretty soon after that, um, I don't remember what month it was or anything, but we ended up punching over to Jordan. Mm. Um, we did one big training exercise in Jordan, came back. And then we were back up maybe a couple months, and then we went over and did another training exercise, which basically was the build up before mm-hmm. the invasion. The training was it mostly desert mobility,
2: movement, and stuff like that. Yeah, it was, was, a, lot was it a, lot weapons, a lot of lot of weapons, yeah. a lot of desert mobility,
3: mm-hmm. a little bit of you know urban type stuff, um, but go most to, mostly desert mobility. Did you go to Kesotic? The Kesotic wasn't really it what wasn't it a is thing now there? at the okay. time. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. Yeah, then. We went. Um, we were basically just out in the middle of the Jordanian desert, mm-hmm. and. Uh, So we started just training, and I'll tell you honestly, I was probably better trained for the initial invasion of Iraq as a team and as a company Mm -hmm. than I ever remember being because we were literally in Jordan with unlimited resources, nobody messing with us. All we had to do was train all day. Yeah. How long were you there? We spent like six months there. Really? Training, Mm -hmm. and then right up, and then we spent like six months there, went home, uh, they let everybody do a rotating leave home and mm-hmm. for Christmas, and then we all came back and just basically waited another month till the invasion kicked off. Okay. And, all right. Uh, and you know, February, mm-hmm. March. I guess it was March. Okay. Of, what rank are
2: you at this point? Uh, E7. 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 Sergeant yeah, senior senior guy guy weapon sergeant on a team. Senior weapon sergeant. Yeah. On a, on, a, on ODA 522. Did there uh, did any we- It was a while before weapons started a pre-ring, right? You still had army weapons probably, right? Had what? Army weapon systems. Yeah, and-
3: we, we didn't have anything. Uh, mostly it was all army-type mm-hmm. weapons. I mean, we had... uh Yeah. Yeah, well, basically, we weren't yeah. in, a, in a specialized team or anything, mm-hmm. so we just had the basic load of weapons. Um, okay, um, you, we have a Mark Nineteens back then. I can't yeah, remember. We, we had did, Mark Nineteens. Yeah. We had uh, forty you know, millimeter grenade launchers.
2: Yeah, fifties. Yeah. yeah, we had one um, Mark
3: Nineteen on one truck, and uh, the rest of them were fifty cals. Mm-hmm. And uh, every truck had a two forty, like on the TC side, mounted on yeah. a swing mount. Did the uh,
2: did the uh, the big uh, FMTV War Pig was that a B Company asset, bro? Or uh. Yeah, B team asset. Yeah, it was a B team yeah. asset
3: and the so, idea was it's kind of a hub and spoke kind of plan where the the B team the B teams ended up infilling with us. Mm-hmm. And uh a lot of people went back and forth on that. I kind of not really sure why that all happened, but
2: Well, if I was just star major, I'd be in I'd, I'd be infilling in too. too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know,
3: but they went over. The idea was that they were going to sit in a central spot, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the teams would go out to their targets, come back, and they could refit and resupply, and then go back out because fuel is a big thing. Yeah, because you, know, you got to mm-hmm. get fuel, mm-hmm. and uh, so they would carry all kinds of fuel. And then any resupply drops or bundles or whatever would go to the B team. They would they would handle it, and then we'd come back. You know, the only problem with that is the B team needed resources. They needed. A, a, a team yeah. to be pulled off the battlefield Security, to secure the B yeah. team. Mm-hmm. And then whenever there was an airdrop, they needed two more teams to come uh, help them yeah. with the airdrop. Yeah. So the whole company had to be involved in any of that. Yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, I understood the concept, but, mm. you know, I, you know B I, team I, to me, doctrinally, is supposed to be one country away. And, yeah. I, and I think it would have been better if that would have been the way we did yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But uh,
2: I um, – yeah, we were still learning, right? We we're still yeah. learning how to how to invade a country. The uh, w- did you guys do some train ups for for close air support for oh, controlling? Yeah, because yeah, that's a huge part of that. Yeah, you know? it's huge. And javelins too, right? Yeah, javelins yeah. are a preferred weapon. We did. Yeah, the yeah. javelin. You want to explain what the javelin is?
3: It, it's an anti tank missile that you, you you fire from the shoulder. It's got a something called a clue, uh, which is a big sight that you can that you can. Um, when you launch the missile, it basically the missile head takes a picture of the target and it flies through the air and it can go top attack mm-hmm. a, until it matches that picture that it took and it, and it drives itself right into the target. It's and a no. fire and forget missile. No. And it punches through like the
2: soft armor on the top of the tank. Yeah. And, and you, you can do very, direct attack, very, attack too. Yeah. Very devastating. Yeah. If, if the tank is backed up into like a bunker or something, yeah. you can't do direct top attack. You can do it direct. Yeah. But uh, very devastating oh, yeah. to a I got tank. to
3: fire three of those in the, in the evasion. Uh, on at, tanks? On Iraqi targets. tanks? Yeah well no there were two vehicles and one bunker barricaded position man and I, mean, I, got I never got three. to do any
2: cool shit like that I know well, I did a little bit but yeah, not, it, not that yeah
3: That was I'll tell you that was a fun weapon system that was a mm-hmm. it was a game changer for the for the guys on around I know 10th group teams that were in a Northern Iraq. Mm-hmm. Had a, they got in a big fight with third a bunch group of tanks.
2: Th- third group teams, too. Two? Oh, I yeah, did third group the, uh,
3: Yeah, yeah. The, uh, they, they sat up on a hill and they smoked a bunch yeah. of tanks. Yeah, It was a great weapon system. Yeah. And like I said, I got to fire three, and another guy on my team fired one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only hit a water tank, though. He still swears that it was a bunker, <laughs> but it was a water tank. <laughs> he swears it was a bunker.
2: But... Uh, um. The, uh, did you do training on that before you went out like the simulator or no, no, literally
3: what happened is we got two weapon systems, like within 48 hours of us leaving. And mm-hmm. one of them was the, or, like, going you're, over the you're reading
2: the manual in the desert. Yes. That, one of
3: them was a javelin. Yeah. And the only thing with the javelin is we did a, a impromptu live fire range mm-hmm. and I got to fire one live one on the range. There was no simulators mm-hmm. or nothing came with it. And then we just, we all, every vehicle had four javelins on mm-hmm. in the infield and, uh, and there then we got like literally like we're twelve hours from going across the across the border, mm-hmm. and uh we got uh Stinger missiles issued to us. Really, we was there an sign. air threat? No, but uh, well, I guess there could have been, but yeah. they, somebody deemed it necessary that every ODA has a Stinger. So literally, mm-hmm. I was on my little tough book looking yep. up how the hell the Stinger will work. You know, <laughs> t- ten hours so before a we're going an the border. Stinger is an
2: anti-aircraft, board. you know, uh <laughs> yeah, missile missile, yeah. missile mm-hmm. and aircraft uh, missile, and
3: I fairly complicated system if you're mm-hmm. not used to using it i i highly doubt that if an aircraft would have been attacking my oda yeah. in the invasion that i would have utilized that thing very yeah. well I, yeah. I don't even know if i could have got it firing i i uh i've never
2: fired one a live one but i i trained on the q course uh with the simulator yeah yeah, yeah so you got a really.
3: hype you gotta hyper elevator or whatever and yeah yeah, yeah. I and probably, that's the last time i saw it too yeah. was in the q course yeah and it had yeah. been a while ago it's funny right yeah, yeah.
2: so I'm reading the manual
3: yeah, so we infilled, and uh, we did a lot of close air support practice, and we needed it. I mean, mm-hmm. out, out in the, you know, sporadic, out in the west. We went in, in the western desert. Mm-hmm. And you know so JTAC's I'll, with you? Yeah, we had an assigned yeah. JTAC. Yeah. Uh,
2: JTAC is Joint Terminal Attack Controller, the, the yeah. Air Force guy, that who his sole job
3: Is to control aircraft and drop bombs, and they're very good at what they do. Yeah, they're really good, and and they were uh, our guy was worth his weight in gold during the invasion
2: because some of the commanders can do CAS, but they're doing so many other things that it's just nice to have a a guy over your shoulder and go, "Hey, drop a bomb on that hill right there now!" Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
3: And like we weren't we weren't in because we invaded. uh, We went in on the nineteenth of March, which was a couple days before the official Mm -hmm. ground war started. And we got to drop a lot of bombs right off the bat because nobody out there, that whole western side of Iraq was um, a lot of anti-aircraft types things, a lot of anti-aircraft units. Mm -hmm. And they were all out scattered throughout the western desert. So when we went in, nobody even really knew we were there because we drove across the border. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Our company set up a breach point across these two big berms. You know, uh, actually the Florida National Guard, the berms were so high, they were like 30 feet high. Mm -hmm. And they were like... Like uh shaped like a pyramid almost. There's was just big earth berms, and mm-hmm. there's two of them about hundred meters apart along the border section. So we went through a lot of planning of how we were gonna get across this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we ended up doing was just the digging down the top of the berm so we could drive the trucks over both of the berms. And so what was cool about it is there was a unit there from the Florida National Guard at our base camp in Syria. Or mm-hmm. er, in Syria, in uh in Jordan. Iraq, oh. in Jordan. And uh so they were like pulling guard on our camp that we were training on in Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I forget who had the idea, but basically somebody was like, hey, let's ask these guys if they want to dig down to berm. Because we were worried about a team having to do it, not being in combat effective after. And, we're, and then we got to do all those digging and then still go in. And digging's hard. So we asked them. <laughs> it is hard. And, you know, we didn't want to get our hands dirty. So and we, so we asked them, though, and these guys were like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah and they were like we will do that just all made day long their day yeah. they, it was and they did i'll tell you these guys were professional they mm-hmm. did awesome the engineers or were to just i i know they were like an infantry unit really uh, and oh. but you know so we did a whole we did practice with them or rehearsals this is where soft working with other mm-hmm. elements like that and yeah. this was just us talking to them they were like yeah so we did this whole plan and we went up to the berm and I like to say I was the first guy in Iraq because mm-hmm. I was on the, the, the dismounted security element that walked across. Me and a few other guys went across, pulled far-side security on the berms, dismounted. Florida National Guard guys went up, dug down the top of the berm, started driving the trucks across, and mm-hmm. us and a couple other elements in flew, uh, infilled through the same breach point. Was there a, Were you guys pretty,
2: pretty uh, confident there was no landmines?
3: We were uh, uh, whatever analysis we did. Uh, they, they, we weren't worried about landmines at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we picked a spot. Uh, there wasn't any guard posts that could see us. There was one down down a little bit of ways, but uh, it was it was empty. We had sent a small another element sent a, a force down there to make sure it was empty mm-hmm. or deal with it, and it, it was all empty. So we just ended up no contact at all. We just rolled in, mm. and uh, but uh, yeah, the Florida National Guard did. I got a there's a good video of it where the, the wind was blowing really hard, and there's a they stuck an American flag in a Florida state yeah. flag in the yeah. berm at the top of it after all the vehicles went across, and they're like, wind's blowing <laughs> on them. It's <laughs> pretty awesome.
2: cool. That's awesome, yeah. But, How uh, long were you in the desert? How long did the invasion take? We we were there from
3: – we left in June. I think mm-hmm. we were there three months, three and a half months. The any first any month. significant contact going across yeah. the desert? We, we yeah. had lots of good t- contact at yeah. the beginning. Because, uh, again, they didn't know we were there. Mm-hmm. And really, this is one of the only times that we were super trained and – really rehearsed, and one of the only times that our our uh, rules of engagement were basically just go out there and stir mm-hmm. things up. There yeah. wasn't really... The, the biggest thing we were doing is looking for SCUD missiles. Right. You know, desert yeah. in the first desert storm, mm-hmm. that's what the National Force did, and they handed yeah. that up. shooting them
2: into Israel and trying to pull Israel into the war. Exactly. Yeah. That was yeah. the
3: main thing. So we had certain, you know, named areas of interest that we were going to. You need to go... Your team's... You got to check out these six sites and make mm-hmm. sure there's nothing there. So we were going to these sites and confirming that there was nothing there. And there, so wasn't. You,
2: there was So you weren't driving headlong to Baghdad. You were, no, you were checking we out were, areas. We yeah. were making yeah. sure. That's
3: why we went in two days early. Yeah. Uh, because we were supposed to be checking these so they wouldn't be launching these missiles. And we got to all our sites, um, you know, didn't see anything. But in, in, the, in the middle of all that, we were running into elements. Yeah. You know? So yeah. we were able to, we got in a few contacts, um, dropped a lot of bombs on different units, mm-hmm. you know, uh, once we started hitting populations, we we really started seeing more mm. going on, and we ended up pushing all the way up to a town named uh, Rupa, which is in the western desert out there. Pushed to that town, and that was kind of a hub. It's the first big town in there, or big ish town, and it was right along Highway Ten that mm. split the country. So mm-hmm. we we stayed there. My company kind of that was where we ended up home mm. until uh, you know we ended up ex-filling. Nice. But it was it was i tell you, that was one of the trips where it was just like the old movie Rat Patrol where you're just r- rolling around into the desert with your mm-hmm. gun trucks and... Break shit. Running into things and breaking <laughs> stuff and... <laughs> You know, nowadays you got to have a 48 page con op yeah, get out of the wire. Yeah, yeah. And then it was just like five W's.
2: Yeah. You see, that's, I yeah. never got to invade anywhere and yeah. I really wish I had. You oh, know? yeah. And it was, it, yeah.
3: you know, they were, they gave us a mission and we went and did it. And, uh, you know, it was, we did, it was good. It was that's
2: fun. when SF guys work, work best, man. Give mm-hmm. us, give us the left and right limits and, and unleash us. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. And we did um, a lot
3: of, the good thing about it too is because it was so decentralized, we did a lot of, Inter team coordination throughout that company, that mm-hmm. where hey, this is going on here, let's link up and do this. And we, we would link up teams mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, link up with other companies. And
2: How did Fifth Group in particular harness all those lessons learned for future stuff? I always worry that all the stuff we learned over the last 10, 15 years what percentage of it has been lost by guys like me and you getting out and yeah. not passing it down to the next generation, right? We're bad at lessons learned. We are. And we
3: are bad. I'm sure uh, there's a vault somewhere that, you know, there's a bunch that of That nobody or, reads. That nobody yeah. reads. I think, I
2: think the only way it really gets pushed on is guys go back to the Q course and training or go, yeah. guys going to specialty schools that goes, hey, when I invaded Iraq, this is what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and I that, think because yeah.
3: the battlefield changes so much. Like, you yeah. know, a guy going to the, the last – an SF guy going over to Syria nowadays – I don't know how much relevance it really has because mm-hmm. the battlefield is a lot different. Yeah, there's some key lessons learned, obviously, that and, and you just can take. The basic mobility stuff. Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, that doesn't change, right? The, yeah, the, the so I don't know.
3: Uh, you know, there's obviously every group has their their background and all that and their lessons learned. But I, I think as a whole, in the army, it's it's kind of institutional knowledge that generally goes away sometimes. And and I think
2: so. I think it's it. just the nature of is a big machine. You yeah, know? and it's
3: constantly moving and evolving. You're doing so much and moving mm-hmm. so fast that. Yeah. By the time you set something in stone, yeah, you know the battlefield yeah. changes on you. Because mm-hmm. even every trip to Iraq was different. The invasion yeah. was different than the next trip I took. Yeah, and the next yeah. trip I took,
2: and the next trip I took. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so you 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 end up in that town, you secure it, and then they pull you out and bring you home. Yeah, they just ended up uh, Re- pulling in, place. in a bigger
3: force. You know, they we started establishing a foothold. The battle for Baghdad had happened. You know, mm-hmm. had been going on, and we started getting a foothold in the country, and then we rolled out um another battalion basically came in and took over our sector Mm -hmm. sf battalion we rolled out somebody else came in and then um we came back and started prepping for the next one that's when they started splitting the country up and decided who was going to go where Mm -hmm. you know and and developing the war plan a little bit Mm -hmm. better okay for what soft was going to be doing
2: yeah and even then it was so early we didn't we had no idea what was coming yeah. I mean, we really didn't. like. No. I I know earlier on in the war in, in Iraq. Iraq was different in 2005 than it was in 2006 when I was there, and it was very different even in 2007 when we were both there. Yeah. Um, well, in
3: 2003, we were riding around in yeah. no armor on the trucks. Mm-hmm. We weren't really wearing body armor. Here and there, we were. Mm. No, no doors, no windshields on the trucks. They were mm. stripped down. No chicken plates on, no the, on chicken the gun. Plates. No which
2: nothing. Just which is insane to think about now, just isn't it? Naked and afraid up there with a fifty cal.
3: You know, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, but at the time, IEDs weren't a thing. Yeah, we weren't. Yeah. I remember driving through town. I was just mm-hmm. like worrying about the biggest worry we had was getting in a gunfight. And really, mm-hmm. I wasn't even worried about it because I knew we would. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that we'd do good in it. You know, yeah. so I, maybe it's just. Optimism, but I wasn't worried as much. But when the IEDs came in, mm-hmm. everything changed.
2: Game changer, yeah, yeah. Everything changed. Yeah. Um. So you rotated back home after the invasion, and then you went back out the next year, or yeah,
3: we came back, and my timeline may be a little off, mm-hmm. uh, memory, but um, we came back, and then basically every year after that we went mm-hmm. at least once. Uh, so 04 was our next trip, but and between 03 and 04, I came back from the invasion. Um. And the the Crisis Response Force Company, Alpha Company, was asking for people to come out there. Mm-hmm. And I had been, I was already sniper qualified. That was like one of the first schools I went to in SF. Mm-hmm. Um, and they needed, they wanted guys for the snipers. So mm-hmm. I went down there and talked to the Sergeant Major in between deployments and mm-hmm. um, said, hey, I'd like to come down. And What year was this? This was 2003. Were they doing stuff that early? The SIF the, the, the companies? The SIF company, A15 had been to... Uh, Afghanistan and came back and they hadn't been used in Iraq right. pretty much at all.
2: Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah.
3: So I came back and then, uh, they were starting to come up with the concept of the ICTF and all mm. the different things that the SIF was going to so do. So what
2: drew you to the, the SIF?
3: Once I got to fifth group, I kind of decided that I wanted to kind of move that direction. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to sniper school and then I came out of that and I, it's, it was one of my goals to go to Sephardic, you know, mm-hmm. which is the the CQB course. Yeah. Um, so I want. I just wanted to do it, you know. Once the, once the team got back, our team, you know, a lot of times when teams are together for a while, they start scattering and yeah. breaking up. Like the team that I, I I did the invasion with, I'd been on since you know, for mm-hmm. three four years almost, and um, they started scattering. You know, people yeah, you going here, there, guys yeah. are leaving, guys are coming, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, this makes sense, you know, in the transition. I'll, I I want to go to A one five, and mm-hmm. this is a good time, mm-hmm. you know. And at the time, the good thing about it was everybody was the point. I mean, there was yeah. two wars going on. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays people, when there's not nothing going on, people a lot of times try to jockey for a position to get where yeah, they're yeah. going to go do something. Mm-hmm. any team you went to in group, you were going to yeah go do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so went down there, talked to the Sergeant Major, did an interview. You know, it was, at the time it was you had to be a guy that had some team time already, you had to mm-hmm. have a good reputation, and, you know, and mm. I was already sniper qualified, so I hadn't been to Sephardic yet. So I went down there, and then that summer, I guess it was July of – that year, I went to Sephardic. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, so Sephardic CQB is course. like CQB. It's a nine-week school. CQB, breaching, hostage rescue. Yep. It's
3: it's it's where all the, the direct action elements yeah. learn to do direct action. Basically. Yeah, it's one of the
2: most fun schools yeah, in it's the great. Army. It's, it's a great, it's great.
3: <laughs> Really great. Shooting all day, blowing stuff it's up. It's nine
2: now. They extended it. It's nine now. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah. Both Sodic and uh, Sniper School and Sephardic are nine weeks now. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 I hadn't heard. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was eight weeks when we worked there. Yeah. yeah yeah um
3: so you go to a15 yep and you guys deploy yeah well first thing they do is we get the i get the a15 and they put me on the one of the sniper teams mm-hmm. so they're set up in a troop format where there's two assault teams so there's 24 guys two odas mm-hmm. and then one detachment is a sniper detachment so a whole troop is basically 36 people three mm-hmm. odas together um i went to the sniper end of that so we get uh, i get done with that and uh Get sent down there, and then um, the deployment comes up, and they're like, "All right, hey, you know, A A-15 is going to deploy." That's the good news. Bad news is uh, we don't have enough ODAs, so we're breaking y'all into ODAs and sending you out to a different station. So you're not going to deploy as a CRIF. You're going to deploy as an ODA. Really? Oh, and there was there was people mm. down there with their hair on fire. Well, you you always get this element in the CRIF
2: that they think, "Oh, I'm so special." Yeah, you know, exactly. You always get that. And, yeah. and I
3: just remember laughing because yeah. I was like, "Cool, we're going on a deployment." You're getting and to the toy, like, "Yeah, you know." So we ended up getting assigned to go to a place uh, in Karbala. Mm. In, in Did the
2: Crifts have a... Uh, I'm sure it got better later, but... They they have JSOC money, so they get a lot of extra weapons and training. Yeah. And did st- you have all that? Oh yeah, we had. You know, had all. We had that more stuff. rifles, and I every know. guy
3: had like eight rifles and <laughs> five pistols. And <laughs> we know you, we know that from being in the G Eight world. That everybody know. has it's more ridiculous. guns than they'll ever shoot in their I life. Know. Yeah, yeah. We had you know a whole tool chest full of stuff, all kinds of cool kit and vehicles. Yeah. And I couldn't that. turn around in my team and knocking shit over. Probably nineteen that. holsters each guy, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, yeah, and nobody could agree on one. You had all your regular
2: army stuff. Yeah. And then you had all your regular SF stuff, and yeah. then you had all your CRIF JSOC stuff on top of that. Yeah. So you, you had,
3: yeah. Me yeah. and you had this conversation many times about yeah. how spoiled we can get. Oh, no, yeah, and yeah. It's yeah. like, this yeah. beer is too cold. And what? <laughs> it's free? That's crap. <laughs> you know, and it's just, you can see it sometimes and yeah. some guys, you're just like, what are you complaining yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, But being from a regular ODA, that kind of helped me, because when mm-hmm. I came from a regular ODA, you got yeah. enough, yep. you know, yep. you got no basic stuff, yeah. and then all this equipment got thrown at me, and... You know, I'm a, I'm kind of a foundation type guy, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so it was it was really interesting that that first deployment where we weren't a CRIF and we just basically went mm. to be a. It's actually interesting you know, yeah.
2: being a weapons sergeant on a CRIF because yeah. inventories, man, hours turn into days. Yeah, nightmares. Yeah, nightmares, right. yeah, yeah. But uh, um, yeah. So you guys deployed?
3: Yeah. So we deployed as a, as a company, and this was again early on. Iraq wasn't. Iraq was still kind of sketchy, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like we didn't have all these big bases, and they were setting well, they were setting them up, you know. Mm-hmm. They're in the process of. We
2: we were doing a lot of low-vis stuff yeah. in Iraq at that time too, yep. like in civilian clothes and all that. All went away later on, man. It yeah. just got too crazy. It's you too know? dangerous. To be yeah, right? we did a
3: little bit of it, which I hated. Yeah, yeah, I hated yeah. It. yeah. I wanted to be loud and proud in uniform. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be sneaking around. You know, a mustache. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't grow a good one. Now, <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, we deployed to Karbala. My team, I was on uh, ODA 514 at the time. Had a really good, strong senior team. Uh, you know, everybody in the CRIF at that time was, you know, that went to one five was a senior guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys came from other battalions. All had combat experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up deploying to Karbala. Um, good trip. Mm-hmm. You know, not, as, not my most, probably my least eventful trip. We got in a few minor little skirmishes, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. Nothing major, though. You know, no... Didn't take any wounded. Nothing major, really. Were you targeting
2: at that point, or were you? Were you doing traditional uh, SF role type stuff,
3: or were you training an Indige force, or were you? We got an Indige force out of uh, like we created like a little ranger platoon out of some one of the local.
2: That was a big push. I know to get the Iraqi army back up and running, yeah. and oh, in the next twelve months
3: we'll be out of here. Once we yeah. train the Iraqi army, and yeah. yeah, and that's what we spent most of our time doing. The biggest eventful thing—I take what I just said back. It wasn't very eventful. I was thinking this was the next trip, but this was this trip. Is uh, well, then uh, the uh, Sadr, you know, uh, El sadr decided yeah. to take over the mosque and mm-hmm. um, the Jaff. Yeah. And Najaf turned it in 2004. You know, if you Google it, you can read all about it. But it was a Mm -hmm. big Stalingrad-type battle in the city Mm -hmm. of Najaf. Well, we were in Karbala doing basic SS stuff, doing good SS stuff. We were doing some targets, hitting some people, you know, and um, doing a lot of foreign internal defense, working with the – the Polish special operations was out there, and we were just working with everybody out there. But so when all this happened, they – you know, the big army just, like, laid siege to – the mm-hmm. and and it was the you know uh, solder's army going against us and so they put out an all call because sniping was a big thing mm. and they said hey a15 anybody in a15 all the snipers you need to pack up your stuff leave two guys back at your base to man the radios and you guys are all going to go to uh najaf and do snipe ops." Mm. and uh so we all packed our stuff and went to najaf and uh we spent about a month and a half in the uh Doing just pure sniper ops, trying to support, you know, the missions that were going on in the Jaff. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a lot of time, and there's a big cemetery outside of the city in the Jaff. I mean, you got to think at the time there was like five thousand um, hardcore fighters, you know, Shia fighters in the Jaff
2: mm-hmm. that were the Monty militia, the yeah. Monty mm-hmm. militia that
3: was saying, "Hey, this is this is our turf, and we're not giving it up." Mm-hmm. You know, the first Cavalry Division was there; the Marines were there. There was a lot, a lot of units had. Come in on this and it ended up being a negotiated kind of okay, we're gonna go away. And, you know, but we we were really we ramped up and and I think B23 was with the ICTF at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh we ramped up to do a full-fledged assault on that mosque. Mm-hmm. And we had set it up to everybody was involved, we we're gonna do a thunder run right down the middle of the city and invade, you know, just take mm-hmm. down that mosque and kill everybody, and it would have been a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was mad at the time that it didn't happen, <laughs> but now I look back on it, and I'm, yeah. I might not be sitting there if it happened. Because our yeah. plan was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they had streets lined with IEDs, and yeah. But so we spent a little bit of time there doing sniper ops, and that's kind of where I came back into doing sniping like full time, because mm-hmm. that's all we
2: did. Yeah. Well, that's that's the only thing that a lot of people understand that, like a sniper on an ODA, a regular ODA, is an additional skill. It's mm-hmm. not a job. In the in the SIF company or the CRIF company, yeah. it's your job. Your yeah. whole team are snipers. And like you do assaulting and breaching and language and all the other things too. But you are a, you are a sniper and you do a lot of it.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah we did, and uh, it, it was a good it was a good uh, good learning lesson because a mm-hmm. lot of things we assumed about sniper operations in the urban terrain turned out to be nonsense. Yeah, turned yeah. out to be things we didn't we we thought we knew. Yeah, and we didn't. There was a lot of that went on
2: early on in the war. Yeah. A lot of things that made sense on paper cost lives on the ground yeah 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 yeah
3: absolutely and but the good thing about that to me is it really drove what happened what we'll talk about later is Mm -hmm. when i came to swing Mm and why why i wanted to do what i did is because i literally went to combat after being a sniper special Mm -hmm. forces sniper and i i knew a lot less than i thought i knew yeah and i just got lucky that it didn't cost me my life and some of my friends their lives Mm -hmm. because we, we just it, we weren't prepared yeah it was uh,
2: a lot of september 10th tactics yeah yeah that, that that yeah um i is that is that the trip where you got the silver stars that no there? that's Unless that's okay. jaffa's
3: always been dangerous for me I mean, yeah okay, that that, yeah. that was uh that was you've
2: never told me that story
3: what uh, but the silver star silver star yeah oh, you never okay. told me
2: that story but you're gonna tell me now i will <laughs> yeah i'll tell you i'll tell
3: you um but uh, so we did that. We did that trip. To, you know, at the end of the day, there was a negotiated release. But, you know, Najaf was like a freaking. Wasn't the first time. Rat.
2: Wasn't the first time we fought the Mahdi militia no. and, and Maktadar al-Sadr. Yeah. You know, we Iranian fought influence. Many, many times. Yeah. yeah. All that Sadr city trip. Yeah. Trips, you know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. That was a crazy place. Well, they were, we're to I'll tell
3: you I'd rather I'd rather fight Sunni. Than Shia, yeah, yeah in yeah. my experience the shia guys were all trained mm-hmm. by most or a lot of them were the iranian training mm-hmm. that uh, really. general
2: that general who yeah. died there recently yeah. he got hit with the with a freaking missile yeah he was a big influence in their yeah. training and ca- killed a lot of americans and people don't understand that like it,
3: we've been dealing with that guy for a long long yeah. time yeah there's such a big influence in southern iraq with, mm-hmm. the, with the shia yeah and iran that mm-hmm. they, they were big and all that and um so yeah, we uh, we did that. To, they negotiated to surrender. You know, he. So they know, let the Shia go. They let them all they go. Just they let, let them, them all go just put, to take fight another day. Yeah. Go away. To we're gonna make peace now. Oh God. And yeah. I, it was horrible. We were yeah. all kind of, you know, disappointed by the whole thing. There was mm-hmm. a lot of good guys that lost their lives on that whole thing. That that um. Mm-hmm. We should have just followed through, I think. It would have solved a lot of problems, I think, later.
2: Yeah, it, it ripped the band-aid off. It, Get it done. Yeah. yeah because uh
3: yeah. The, the the that same core group of people was the same mm-hmm. people that, you know, uh later on were yeah. influencing all yeah. over the place.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah.
3: So we uh we got done with that deployment. Um, ended up coming back from that and then, you know, at the time it was just go on one deployment, come back, yep, train mm-hmm. up, take a little bit of leave and go back on the next one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um It became very normal. It, did. it became very routine. I got yeah.
3: I tell you honestly, with the I me and you have talked about it before, with the sense of purpose mm-hmm. that you lose when you get out, is yeah, it, it it became very normal just to come back, and and that's what it's almost like I got trained mm-hmm. that I needed that. It's like an addiction almost. Yeah. You come back and you, mm-hmm. you deflate a little bit, you have some fun, you go on leave, you train up, you go, yep, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, just this constant rotation, and you get used to it, and you, you start do. craving it. You do,
2: and and you know, you do an up order where there's. 10, 15 suicide bombers on the target, you're like, all right, let's roll. No stress, no fear, nothing. Nope. Yeah, you come home thing. and you want to pay, you have to pay bills and go to the DMV. It's yeah. like, oh <laughs> my
4: God, this is terrible. This is horrible.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it it life's, is, yeah. Life's way more complicated in the combat, but in other ways, it's way simpler. It's very simple. Yeah. You Live, know, there's a lot Work that... out,
2: eat chow, go hit targets and and, yeah. and and shoot bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's very um, nice. Yeah, it really is. So I'm losing track of time here. What was that? Oh six? Is that oh that five?
3: That was that was oh four. Oh four. Damn, yeah.
2: dude. How many times did you go to Iraq? Let's say six. Really? Yeah. Damn. All right. So let's get to the next one. That's two. Yeah. So, third.
3: Third trip. 05, we went. I think I went twice in 05. I was there in 05, too. Yeah, so 05, we went. I'm trying to remember. In the 05, I went over there with, uh, that's the first trip I did with the ICTF.
2: Okay. Yeah, Um, so the Iraqi counter-terrorist force were uh, selected, moved. They were very, very uh, well-selected, moved to Jordan, Trained by A15 and B23, which yep. is the SIF companies or CRIF companies now they call them from fifth group and third group. Yep. They took them in, armed them with American weapons at the time, night vision goggles, the whole lot, and created. Now, you know, there, there's a lot of talk now about getting rid of the CRIFs, right? And it yep. drives me crazy because that's the, the the only people who stopped ISIS from invading, like taking Baghdad, yeah. were the ICTF, yeah. the ISOF uh, Brigade. Stood and fought and and crushed these guys. Yep. And uh, if it wasn't for that force that we helped train and operate with, the that it would have fell. Yeah, and it would have been much harder to take it back. So when 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 these higher ups talk about getting rid of the, the CRIFs, it drives me freaking crazy because that's that's what you need Cris for.
3: Yeah, that was that was that that whole that's a case study of I think what success can look like Absolutely. when working with a partner force and mm-hmm. enabling a partner force mm-hmm. that that's a, a good success story that yeah. is kind of yeah. going to be lost in history i guess but uh, yeah i guess they were they were a, a formative force especially in 05 in the early days they were my first trip over there we were still in charge of paying them and promoting yes. them and they were they worked mm-hmm. with us but we we were we were you know running the payroll and doing all that yeah and then Pretty pretty soon, the Iraqi military took over, and that's when yeah they cut, cut their pay the, and corruption. All the and, buffoonery started yeah, at that yeah. point.
2: Corruption's such a part of the culture up there yeah. that officers siphoning off money. Before anyway, a whole yeah. other story. But the ICTF were really good. They were really they horrible. were very aggressive on target. And uh, me and Mike have talked about this. You, you'd see them in a group with a bunch of Americans, and you couldn't tell them apart. Yeah. They had baseball
3: hats. Oh, and, yeah. You know. Hands in their pockets, dipping. You know, they look just like Americans. <laughs> they, and, uh, and they They spoke even, English, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Most of them. And even yeah. under kit, when they're on kit and you're under nods looking at yeah. them, you couldn't really tell them apart. No. You no. Know, uh, yeah. Just, they, yeah. They take on the mannerisms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good, brave war fighters, man. And I got died in about big numbers fighting
2: yeah. ISIS. Yeah. 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 I mean, mm-hmm.
3: these guys, like I said, me and you were in different units and we rotate in every four yeah. months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And these guys were doing hundreds of missions. They were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... They, they just, the amount of stuff that they dealt with, mm-hmm. you know, we got to come back here and they stayed there. If they yep. got leave, they went home, which was probably a war yep. zone somewhere. Yeah.
2: And they so. had to hide the fact that they were in the military and they yep. had, yeah, they, they had it rough, man. But they were, they were, uh, they were warriors, man. Yeah, they, they were. really were. And they, you don't know have an in Instagram page, like standard ice off. They post pictures on Instagram uh-huh. all the time. Yeah. I it's actually pretty that. cool. I followed it. I, yeah? I didn't look at that. Um,
3: yeah. 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 The, uh. Of course, me and Instagram haven't met yet. I so. know.
2: I know. Um, Welcome to
3: 2007. <laughs> hell must have froze over because the last two guys on the planet I thought would do a podcast are sitting in the same room I doing know, a podcast. right? I this know. has got to be one of the signs of the apocalypse. It's a plague, yeah. and me and Kevin Owens are doing a podcast. You know, I keep saying <laughs> I keep saying, people are
2: like, oh, I can't believe you're on social media. It's the guys who get out of the military and can't adapt to civilian yeah. life who have problems, right? Life's about so adapting. So I, I made a conscious, I had a conversation with myself and made a conscious decision, and I, I, I like what I do. Anyway, um, where are we at in So 05, we, 05. we
3: deploy. I worked with the ICF first time. I was working with the sniper yep. uh, troop mm-hmm. at the time. I don't remember if they were a troop. Was, yeah, we had mm. a troop of snipers. But me and – it was a great SF mission because me and a buddy of mine, we got assigned a troop, mm-hmm. and we worked with them. We trained them, took them out on missions. Build rapport. Build rapport. Build and rapport. we were with them on target, and they were like – the good thing about there is I had a – this was with A-15, and we were all – you know, one of the troops was there. So I we trained the snipers enough to where, you know, when the assaulters needed more assaulters, we would assault. And when mm-hmm. they didn't, we would do sniper yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then later on – during that trip, we, you know, we started going into Solder City really hard about N 05. We going in there a lot. And I, Solder it, City was like, I don't know, what was it about? I don't know how big it was, but it was you just... You can
2: look at it on, on, on a map today on imagery and Google Earth and stuff, yeah. but... A lot of people died in Sutter City yeah. on both sides, right? We would fight our uh, way in, yeah. and fight our way out. Yep. Every uh, night. And sometimes they'd let you get in, and yeah. then you'd fight your way out. And did did, did put every exit. Did ID every exit. <laughs> yeah. ma- I don't know if I was ever in Sutter City that it didn't turn into a massive gunfight. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was like guaranteed. Yeah. yeah you were going to get in something. Yeah.
3: And that's the thing—the misnomer. People think a lot of CQB fights happen in the house, and mm-hmm. some of them do, but most of them are happening on the way in and the way out. Yeah. A lot of times, yeah. especially in a place like Sutter City. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, the trucks on the street that would drop us off. Generally, they were getting, they yeah. were taking fire yeah. within five yeah. minutes.
2: Yeah, we 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 had strikers go dry almost, miniguns guns go yeah. dry in our City. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was. But it was at that time, or probably like the, over the next couple of years, it was the most dangerous block in a war in the world for yeah. Americans. And yeah. I there was a time I don't know if back then because I was in Mosul in '05, but. I don't know if I know in 06 and '07. I think we were the only ones that were going into Sutter's. I don't think anybody else yeah. was going in. They
3: there. had a 82nd Brigade one of the years. That was I don't remember which year it was, but their their job was just basically to contain it. They put t wall barriers yep. around it. Yep. And they weren't going in and doing anything in there. Yeah, yeah. And but we would go in and mm-hmm. drive in there, a yep. bunch of damage, bunch of damage, mm-hmm. and drive back out. Yeah. And we were the only ones doing targets in there. Yeah, yeah. For a long time. For a long time, yeah. But there was a, that's where the bad guys were going to hide, and that's where we were finding them. Mm-hmm. We learned a lot of good TTPs. Yeah. Out of Sodder City, about how to find people and fix them. Yeah. And and yep. and uh. Mm-hmm. In that urban, dense urban environment, not I, an easy and task. We, and we became very good at it. Oh yeah, very good at it. Yeah, yeah down to knowing exactly where they were, mm-hmm. what room they were in. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a very dynamic environment. Very good to work with the with the snipers. Um, we went out to uh, Ramadi. Um, for, on that trip, me and uh, me and my buddy um, Tim, we went out there with a sniper troop, and we were rotating them in, and we were doing sniper missions in Ramadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like two months of that trip. Mm. We just, uh, they they were having a big IED problem out there, like burying IEDs. Mm -hmm. So we took the Iraqi snipers out there and we would infill. Mm Mm-hmm. Send in a position and try to kill IED makers. Yeah.
2: Were you in occupied or unoccupied houses? Both. Both. That's it's exactly. so much better to be in an occupied house yeah. when you have Iraqis with you yeah. who speak the language and you know the culture and can talk yeah. to the people and all that. Yeah. I
3: yeah. never did an occupied hide that was, like, bad. Mm. The people were sometimes not happy about it. Well, but they're afraid of retaliation. Th- exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was. And, mm-hmm. You know, we, we would tell them all the time, hey, you just tell whoever
2: talks to you that we can yeah. you. I, I've actually been on targets where they asked us to give them flex cuffs yeah. and cut them so it looks like we flex cuffed yeah. them and so they could say they, they tied us up yeah. you know and the, it, and the it, best
3: and the guys that are good at that are the guys that understood that and yeah they didn't just they treated yeah. them yeah like human beings and mm-hmm. said hey man you know we understand this is difficult on you yeah and whatever but we yeah. tried unoccupied as much as we could but pretty at some point the on it, it targets itself they know where the snipers are if you take yeah. a shot and, yeah. and you're always in an unoccupied mm-hmm. structure at the time, they were baiting us. They knew mm-hmm. we were in we were and they were putting pressure plates on the doorway, so we would never enter the way we – they would let you get in, mm-hmm. and sometimes on your way up, they, they'd come and booby trap, mm-hmm. put a pressure plate outside while you were in your hide site, if it's yeah. a two-story building or three-story mm-hmm. building. So if you went out the same way you came in, you could get blown up. Yeah, it's a very dangerous
2: mission. Oh, it yeah, really very dangerous. Because thing. you're so, you can only carry so much crap. You can only yep. carry so much guns and bullets. Yep. And you're a very small element because big yep. elements get, get compromised. So it's a balance between I take enough guys in that I can fight my way <laughs> yeah. out. But the more I have, the more of a signature I have. Well,
3: that's really where the gas gun came into play. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, being in a running gunfight running down a row with a five-round internal box magazine <laughs> trying to get away from bad guys is not where you want to be. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. having a gas gun is something mm-hmm. you could fight with, or you know, backpacking your sniper gun in, yeah, and yeah. And again, mm-hmm. urban shots were a lot closer, so mm-hmm. a lot of the old knowledge of sniping, of, you know, you got to be able to take a thousand yard shot. Well, mm-hmm. Here, I don't, not in the city, not in no, the city. No, you could actually I need to be able to a- rapidly engage a bunch of targets, yeah, That's what I need to be able to yeah.
2: Do. And that's where you learned that RPGs are, um camouflage
3: nets don't stop rpgs camouflage nets do not stop rpgs <laughs> yep they don't at all and you're, you're not a ninja you don't want to be in the same room as an rpg yeah, round going off, yeah, yeah. or a pkm like melting the <laughs> ceiling over your head yeah yeah we were in mm-hmm. one height site and uh <clears throat> we had thought we were busted but it was like uh, this is where are we busted or are mm-hmm. we not you know and the that's always the, a, a tough decision because yeah. if you break if you bust out then you are busted yeah, yeah. and it's in the middle of the daylight and mm-hmm. that's the last thing we wanted to do because mm-hmm. the patrols weren't even going out in the day yeah. unless you were act, at the time in ramadi unless you were actively about to like lose it they would the qrf wouldn't come get you because the ied threat was so high yeah we were we were walking into the city not even driving in mm-hmm. so we would walk in and they thought we were this infantry battalion that we were with thought we were freaking certifiable nut cases for walking into the city <laughs> But I'm like, I'm not going to get blown up by an IED walking in in the middle of the night. But if you drive me in, I'm probably going to get blown up.
2: Yeah. yeah. And we never
3: got hit going in. But we were in a hide site one time, and we couldn't see directly now on the second floor. But we were in the same room, like right on the street. We're in the, in the main room. And all of a sudden, man, I just remember, I didn't hear the sound yet, but I just remember it looked like flecks of paint were coming off the ceiling. I looked up, and then the sound hit me. And it was a guy in the street shooting a PKM. Up through the window, but his angle was high enough where it was hitting the ceiling over my head, and like the ceiling was coming apart. (laughs) Like holy crap! You know they know we're here. It's time to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But uh, cool. But uh, it's it's such a great experience. But with the onset of. Drones and all that. Now we we do it less and less because yeah. you're, you're putting guys out in harm's way with yep. with no way to get them out if something Absolutely. happens. It, 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 it's uh, it's still done, but it's done very selectively. But we, I think mm.
3: it's I think it's going to be a thing in the past with with drone technology and the way mm-hmm. it's going. You, you the primary job of a sniper is is observation. Yep, mm-hmm. and, and if you don't have to put a man there,
2: yeah. to do it. Yeah, why do it? And and, and you know? working in Force Mod, we, we both worked in yeah. Force Mod later on. I, I see some of the capabilities of drones and all kinds of just scary where it's going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: I think that's a smart way to go. But yeah. That was a great experience. We got our we got the Iraqis actually doing uh, unilateral hide sites on their own, doing mm-hmm. unilateral sniper missions. We do supporting positions where me and... My partner, the other American, will be in one and we'd mm-hmm. be in radio contact with Iraqis in another. See, people don't understand that too. Your job <laughs> is to work yourself out of a job. Yeah. Right? It's
2: to train them to a level where you don't have to put Americans yeah. in there. Some people just didn't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, your job is 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 to go home. Yeah, your job let is to It's with their country.
3: Yeah. I would advise and assist and accompany mm-hmm. if you can. But, yeah. uh, you know, so it was pretty successful. We had a good, a good group of snipers. They were, they were the main shooters on most, on most of the targets, and, mm-hmm. and they, uh, they knew what they were doing. They were mm-hmm. trained well, and it was just a good trip. And it, what, what else I like about it, is looking back on it, is this was somebody's idea, and two Special Forces E7s freaking figured it out, yep. got Iraqis involved, went into a battle space and made an influence in an mm-hmm. infantry battalion's battle space. That mm-hmm. battalion in their, in their trip had 150 casualties, and I think it was 35 killed. And Ramadi at that time, wow. and that's that, and most of them were IEDs. That's one battalion.
2: When you went to uh, liaise with those units, because yeah. like as a sniper team in a anywhere, the most dangerous thing to you yeah. is the Apache gunship that doesn't yeah. know you're there. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. So when
3: you liaise with the with the infantry units at that time, how did they treat you? They treated us good because me and my partner were both had the mindset of we had haircuts, we had shades, Gee, that's, that's- we had we had a good uniform on. We didn't go out there being the cool guys, and we didn't we didn't break their rules. Yeah, they were letting. I don't know if
2: we've ever talked about this, but that's key, right? You go in and you call them sir, and you look like a soldier, and you you say, "How can we help?" Yeah, sir, sergeant, major, whoever. Anything for you, right? But at the end of the day, they
3: want the same thing. they want to get in their battle space. They want to keep their guys alive. they want to accomplish their mission. They want to kill the enemy, and we want it too. And so we're not going to come out there and and be whiny and want everything and not follow your rules Mm -hmm. you say you know hey you know you can't do this and Mm -hmm. don't do that we're not going to do it
2: or you don't go in there with your long hair and your hands in your pockets and hey i'm john or i'm sean or i'm kevin you know what i mean i'm sergeant first class kirkwood how can i help you know and And i I think that that went
3: a long way for us Mm -hmm. because when we did that that's exactly what we did Mm -hmm. um and we explained to them what we were doing and they were happy to have us there Mm. and 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 I've said it before, man. I used to tell my guys on the team a lot of times is, you know, there's PFC saw gunners with hundreds of kills, Mm -hmm. you know, that are out there every day, eight hours a day, nine hours a day, 10 hours a day patrolling. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just reacting to everything. And so don't Mm -hmm. get on your high horse about, Mm -hmm. you know, you're cooler than everybody else. These kids are. They got it tough and they're yeah. they're fighting a hard war right now. Yeah, man. Me and
2: me and Mike talked about that on one podcast. Like in in Iraq in 07, we went out at night. We stacked <laughs> the deck. Yeah. We went out Apache gunships, inspector gunships, and everything. These kids were going out on 12-hour patrols with yeah. strikers, driving around finding IEDs with the wheels of the striker yeah. all day, every day for yeah. 18 months in some cases during yeah. the surge. So hats off, man. Yeah, that yeah. was that was and,
3: much harder than what we did. Yeah, we had it good. Yeah, I mean, and, we, we you know, it's good that we did, but you can't, you got to have it in perspective. Yeah. So we went there when we liaised with them and we did a lot of good coordinations with them and made sure they understood, you know, we, we just, we, we fell into their planning cycle. We, mm-hmm. I went to like, even when we weren't going on a missions, every, every briefing that like they would have a nightly briefing that a commander, I would go to that briefing every mm-hmm. night. I got voted to be the the Officer of the group was just me and Tim. And he said, Nope, I'm staying back with the guys. You got to yeah. go to the meetings. I'm yeah. like, all right, we you flipped the co- We role. literally flipped the coin. <laughs> and I, I lost. So yeah. thanks, Tim. Yeah. But I went to the meetings and I and I ended up at started out. was funny. I knew I gained rapport with them when at first I started out being the guy in the back of the room and they would barely mention. And mm-hmm. then within a week or two, I was up at, at the front table mm-hmm. and I had a speaking part. Yeah. All right, SF, what are you guys doing in the next 48 hours? Yeah. And I would have to say, here's what we're doing, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'd give my brief back and you know, and it turned into a really good, the way you should engage with a part, with a uh, a conventional. But group. nobody taught you
2: that in the Q course, right? No. We no. no. were all going to f- be dealing yeah. With, yeah, yeah. with the Gs. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah. And I'll tell you, Gs are easier than, uh, they are. than conventional forces. They absolutely are. You got to do yeah. them. We used to call it American FID. You got to do American FID do, for yeah. internal defense. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to talk to the other units and mm-hmm. understand that, you know, yeah, if I show up with a full beard and not shaving and hands in my pockets and mm-hmm. my... You know, Harley Davidson motorcycle shirt on in my, in my cry pants. <laughs> that Sergeant Major's probably not going to look at me too fondly. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's what I mean? just,
2: it's, it's not their comfort zone. It's know your environment, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. What's next?
3: Well, we went the, the next trip after that. We came back and uh, this would have been 06. And this time I would, so 05, I was still in E7, mm-hmm. made E8, and then got an assault team.
2: So you were a master sergeant in charge of an ODA? I was in
3: charge of an ODA, but I was also the troop sergeant major. So on that deployment, oh, okay. there's three teams there, mm-hmm. and I was in charge of... Yeah, there has to be one guy in charge. Even though there's other yeah. master sergeants on the other
2: teams, there has to be one guy overall, one officer and one non-commissioned officer overall in charge. Yeah, and yeah. it's
3: mostly just task organization for mm-hmm. combat operational yeah. purposes. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, I didn't write everybody's in C O E R It's just they mm-hmm. still had a team sergeant. But when we were task organized to do that mission, mm-hmm. I was... The senior non-commissioned officer for that element. Right. So we went over was, there on this trip. Time. Was
2: Trip with you that time? Trip was with me that time. He yeah. was. Tripping. Uh, yeah. Trip your was. your biggest accomplishment your whole career is staying out of jail. Yeah. Wo- working with Trip. Yeah. That, that's a tough. That's a <laughs> I tough. I hope thing Trip's to listening. Do. We're not going to yeah. say his name, yeah. but you know who you are. Yeah. He knows exactly who he is. <laughs>
3: but, yeah. Trip. Trip. Was you listening.
2: two are like opposites.
3: We are. Yeah. But you see, Trip was the other team's team leader. Yeah. And uh, I had another guy named Trey that was my team leader mm-hmm. and. But yeah, we were we were definitely opposites. But uh, you worked well together, but We right? did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. He was a really smart guy. You know, we everybody has different ways, and that's another thing in a leadership position that uh, you got to be able to work with people do. and understand. And that nobody, nobody,
2: nobody, nobody uh, teaches that. No, and nobody teaches officers that. I don't think, but. Uh, I talked to somebody recently, and he was like, when he was in West Point for four years, it was like, oh, when you get to your 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 infantry unit, your team's, your 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 platoon sergeant will, will do that, and he'll teach yeah. you that. And listen to your platoon sergeant. Well, that's all good and well, as long as your platoon sergeant's not a shit bag, yeah, right? as long as he's doing what so he's supposed to. I, I, I have a little bit of chip on my shoulder for officers, but I've always gotten along with my team leaders and my yeah. platoon leaders in, in the infantry because you, you each have your own roles, and as long as you respect that... You can work together because yeah. we all bring something to the
3: table. Yeah, you know? I got kind of lucky too because my company commander at the time, I got to interview Trip
2: really? for his job because he wow. was coming.
3: My troop needed two officers, mm-hmm. and uh, one was going to the snipers, and one was coming. One was coming to the assault. Yeah, and I was a troop sergeant major, and uh, Joey Ganella, the company commander, really down to earth, mm-hmm. you know, New Jersey or New York type guy. Awesome commander. Mm-hmm. He basically all three of them showed up, and he said, "Hey, go down to the." end of the hall on the right there's a door knock on it the guy in there is going to interview you and decide who he wants and, <laughs> That's just, and, for, and, for an NCO to be interviewing yeah. officers for so a job were, yeah. I had three captains up there and I got to talk to all of them what did you like about Trip I like Trip I, I I asked him what he wanted, what his background was and what he wanted to do and he's like I want to be on an assault troop mm-hmm. and he just had a demeanor about him that he mm-hmm. just looked like a guy that wanted to get into a fight and, yeah and I was in had,
2: Sephardic with Trip
3: yeah and he looked <laughs> smart and he looked motivated and capable and uh and he, didn't, he just didn't come off as he had any kind of agenda. Mm-hmm. Actually, he reminded me of an NCO-type mentality. You know? yeah. I was like, that's good. Mm-hmm. And he didn't make any moans about it. I want to come to an assault trip. That's so mm-hmm. why I'm here. Came out of the Ranger Regiment. Yep. Was, a, was a fire support officer there, mm-hmm. which I thought was a good addition mm-hmm. for an officer to be had that knowledge.
2: Yeah, based on your background, yeah. probably, and, and the invasion and all yeah, that. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. that might come in handy. So yeah.
3: he's going to know all that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he just was really upfront, and,
2: and it worked out well. Some of these people... Uh, I've run into people that don't like Trip. I've always
3: liked Trip, man. I, well, he's I, one of the you know. personalities though. He That's, is. You know, yeah. Believe it or not, there's people who don't like me. Either. <laughs> I know it's hard. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a lot of it is, you know, some people are just, you know, they they get you or they don't. Yeah. And uh and I uh, some people just don't get Trip. Mm-hmm. You know some do. So 06 was your first trip with Trip? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. ICTF? Yeah. yeah, we did the ICTF. Um that was the big experiment where the the uh Seals and us um, mm-hmm. did. Uh, wait, no, oh six. Hold on, it was 06, because in oh
2: seven you replaced me with unilateral ops on you're the right. other side. Yeah, so it was oh right. six. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so I was there in oh six yeah, too.
3: Yeah, and that's when the seals were yes in the mix. So yes, we, they did this weird purple experiment where yeah. like I had a navy.
2: Well, they, um, they came in with a lot of assets and they said, Hey, yeah. we want to help you with intel and stuff like yeah. that. And then they started, uh, Yeah. And it, it's so funny how two American units
3: and special operations can be so different. But we were, we were very yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were. I just, I thought, you know, and there was a lot of good SEALs on that mm-hmm. trip. And there was, you know, there was a couple bad ones, you know, mm-hmm. but there was, there was a lot of it's it, And again, I'm, I'm not, sure they' not the same seals. about us. I'm not yeah. bashing SEALs. Mm-hmm. Any organization, like I said earlier, yep. it's an organization. Mm-hmm. There's good and there's bad. And, um I just thought the whole recipe that they wanted on that were like i'm i'm the senior i'm the senior enlisted guy, my officer that mm-hmm. in charge of my element is a seal, yeah, and my team leader was with another seal yeah. NCO, on another yeah. and another company yeah. when lives are on the line yeah. i don't know if those experiments I are i did, i didn't like yeah. it i didn't i know they wanted to give them a piece of the pie, and that's whoever mm-hmm. came up with that idea i just didn't think it was a good idea, yeah, and uh but that's actually the trip that i um I got my silver star on on that trip. Oh, okay. On that trip, so tell me, tell me that story. We were, we were with the ICTF and you know did a lot of missions. But so we go, uh, there was going to be a big funeral down in the job. I remember, like this. summer yeah. rainy. And, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, jackass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, it was having a funeral and mm-hmm. everybody was supposed to be there. All the who's who and I hate America was going to mm-hmm. be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they they ramped up the ICTF. What's funny is we were out on a mission that night. We came rolling in the gate at like two in the morning. Or whatever, three in the morning. You know, how I was one of them all nighters. Mm-hmm. You know, we're out. We come back in, and they say, "Hey, you need to refit, get all your stuff together. You guys got to drive down to the Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we've been up all night. We're, you know, jacked up, and so and we're doing a daylight move down to job Rippets. R- oh yeah, that's rip-its. what we did. We just pounded caffeine, <laughs> and so we count We got everybody reloaded, refitted, mm-hmm. and, and uh we drove to Najaf And ended the end of the day, what was going on is there was there was supposed to be. A uh, big funeral, and all these heavy hitters were going to be there. Like even guys coming out of Iran, people that are mm-hmm. on our target list. And so they said, "You guys are going to go to one of the camps that was near there, stage, and we're going to wait on things to pop. And then when we get the intel, we're going to push you that direction using you know all the, the usual assets that we have." Mm-hmm. So we did. We went down there, drove down there, sat there for you know through the funeral for about 24, 36 hours, whatever it was, just waiting. Nothing ever came of it. So we're getting there, getting ready to leave, and um, getting ready to – you know, we're wrapping up. We're talking to the team that – there was a team at that camp that was from another battalion that was running that camp. We were talking to them, and they are like, hey, we're going to go help one of our units out because they just gotten they went to arrest somebody over in this area out in the desert there, and uh, they got – the, it seems like they're in a gunfight right now. We're going to go out there and help them out. You guys want to just provide backup for us, you know, just ride out that way with us. We think it will be over fairly quick, but – Mm -hmm. Once, once you get out there, just, you know, we'll let you know if we need you or not. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So we get in our vehicles, we start rolling out fully expecting just to be, you know, backing them up a little bit. And, you know, we had our, I had, you know, like, uh, in my company, there was, I had probably 12 Americans and I don't know, 50 assaulters with me or whatever. Um, and trip was actually with the other company in back of us. So we roll out there, um, Pretty soon, we start hearing a lot of radio chatter going off. And the way we were driving up, if you can visualize it, on one side of it, there was a little village, pretty open ground behind that. on the other side was a canal. And in front of it, there's one road coming in. So you really couldn't go left or right. And in Mm -hmm. front of it was just this big open area, um, sporadic trees and and all that. Well, we start hearing all kinds of sporadic. We're about five minutes behind the ODA that we were there to support. And they start hollering on the radio that they need some help up there. So we come rolling up to the front and – they're a couple of their vehicles are smoking. Um, you know, the other two vehicles, there's a big gunfight going on. We're taking fire from like three directions and they're, it's basically just that ODA and they, they're they outgunned. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of people shooting at them right now. I think they had one or two wounded, maybe they have up armored hum- Humvees. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we all had up armored Humvees at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, but we had I had a minigun on my lead truck, mm-hmm. you know, and we had all the assaulters and you know all, all the with us. And so we come rolling up. I see their status. I'm hearing what's going on on the radio. So immediately we basically drive through that position. I start putting the vehicles in front of their vehicles because they're all breaking down and, and starting to try to gain fire superiority. We get the minigun going. Um, guy named Mike Bowman was on the minigun. I know Mike. Um, yeah, yeah. Mike. I know Mike. And uh, the rounds are just like literally we're taking, we're losing this gunfight right now. I mean, it's, it's a high volume of fire. Vehicles are getting hit. You know, lots of noise, lots of machine gun fire going off. We start. Helping these guys out. And they had been in a pretty good gunfight before um, on their way in. Turns out the Iraqi platoon that went out there to arrest this guy walked into this little village that was out there, and it turned out to be this uh, splinter group of the Mahdi militia that was like even more mm-hmm. um, crazy than the Mahdi militia. Was. The Mahdi
2: militia were too. Yeah, calm and reserved. Yeah, they yeah. wanted they wanted mm-hmm. like
3: the world to end and yeah. the, the Imam yeah. was going to come down. And so they were just nut you know, nut bar. Right. Mm-hmm. So they had this little compound out there with, you know, like families and everything. they had a compound and they had dish dug in on every corner. They had primary alternate supplementary trench lines. Mm-hmm. They had fighting positions. They all had the same web gear on. Mm-hmm. You know, trained. Mm-hmm. So when that team, when the guys rolled up in there to do that, they got mowed down. Yeah, killed like a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they all ended up dead. So they they were trying to help that scout platoon, and then they got pulled into that fight. I always
2: think when that happens, they had intel. You know, like somebody in the Iraqi army is yeah. called making calls because it was yeah. a, it
3: wasn't a small. It it was like a an American fob. You know, it was yeah, big. It was it yeah. was like a yeah probably a couple acres or kilometers mm-hmm. big. So they're they're in this fight. I push the vehicles, get our vehicles surrounding their vehicles, and we start trying to gain fire superiority. You have any CAS? Not yet. Mm-hmm. At this point, yep. by the end of the day, we had all the CAS we needed. Yeah, yeah.
2: CAS is close air support, aircraft. Yep, yep.
3: We didn't have any aircraft at the time, but we started getting on the radio immediately to get aircraft. But meanwhile, we had to get some fire superiority. Yeah. So we get set up. I get out of the truck. I start looking around. You know, try to assess in the situation and. Um, Immediately I get shot right through the forearm, you know going up there I'm looking at it, I get shot through the forearm you know it was I heard a bunch of snapping around mm-hmm. me and then I feel my my forearm get hit and I just throw myself back because it was like a machine gun burst like it was all over me. Was it
2: like getting hit with a hammer? It was almost? like getting hit with a hammer. Was a it, it it really painful? I don't pull?
3: even have a cool scar. It's, bad, <laughs> it's a bad war wound because I can't even brag about it because yeah. my, my scar, but it, it, it's just tore, like, tore, you should have tore at it a little bit. I know. Day, it just know? like opened my forearm up like a canoe kind of like. So it, it went just, through and through? It just went right through the meat of my forearm and what it was is I had my rifle up shooting yeah. and the round went right right mm-hmm. through here and what it was when it went through my arm, I felt like a punch in my ribs. It felt mm-hmm. like somebody hit me in the ribs, and I thought I got shot under the armpit.
4: Oh, and you know if you're, that's you dead. That's dead. Yeah, I mean, you're mm-hmm. dead.
3: So when I threw myself back on the ground, I immediately jammed my hand in there because I was, I thought I was hit there, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't have any blood, and I so I'm, what I'm did laying. it
2: do? Did it hit your plate or did it? No, just... it,
3: hit, it hit my forearm, and then it, it another not that round, but a different round shot my radio off. Oh, so okay. I have a radio on my on my kit, and it, yeah. it went in between my kit and the radio and shot my radio okay. off. Okay. Um, so that's really what the punch was. Yeah. The radio. Yeah. Um, so I throw myself on the ground. I'm feeling, I'm still breathing. I said, all right. right." So I jump back up and start moving and, uh, um, start trying to gain fire security. And then there's a trench line, like 150 yards ahead of us. Um, and there's, there's all kinds of dudes in there. It's just Mm -hmm. like, it's like ants out there, tons of dudes. So we get everybody dispersed and we basically do a old school infantry seven, dash eight, man. seven yep. dash eight and get in that trench line because mm-hmm. we, that's where a lot of the fire was coming from a lot of them had scattered by the time we got there we killed a few of them um we get up there get that established and then we start taking more fire from all over and this this is over a long period of time mm-hmm. i'm not super at telling this whole long story but mm-hmm. you know this firefight went on for like 18 hours oh wow like we were mm-hmm. in constant engagement all that day. getting resupplied with ammo getting re you know we were we were the minigun went, ran out of ammo. The minigun's great, yeah. but it runs, through, it runs ammo through ammo very quickly. We were, yeah. de- one of the miniguns jammed that we were D-linking ammo. Yeah. Or, uh, breaking the, li- breaking the bands, or the band yeah. and handing them out. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. um, so, long story short, we get up, we get up on the trench line, we start getting fire superiority, and then I, I'm getting up the move one time, and all of a sudden I see two puffs of smoke off this next little hill in front of me, and the, uh, Basically two RPG rounds are coming my way. Mm. And I just I I thought I was dead. I just kinda Mm -hmm. huddled up like that and turned out I was on a a raised part of the road and it was like muddy in the little trench line. Not in the trench, but in the where the water settled on the Mm -hmm. side of the road. And both RPG rounds, one of them hit like like ten foot in front of me and blew up Mm -hmm. and like threw hot mud all over me. And the other one hit about fifteen feet to my left and i thought i was hit with a bunch of frag because it was hot mud but mm-hmm. it wasn't but i just i got super lucky on that one that didn't kill me so i ended up running off of that and then i again i felt the punch in my back and i had more holes in my uh in my kit and my back my pouches on my back mm-hmm. i had three holes in the kit and the pouches in the back of my kit too. yeah yeah <laughs> so there was a lot of fire That's going close. on that yeah day. yeah so long story short we're, we we ended up you know there was a all the Iraqi soldiers that were still living from the initial assault were trying to come back through our lines. Mm-hmm. So we pushed up to their location, started getting them, searching them, bringing them through. Had to drop a lot of bombs. We started getting airplanes on on site yeah. at that point. Yeah,
2: did they break con- the enemy break contact when the no. aircraft came? No, they were like so that's discipline. These guys that's were trained. Discipline, like I said, man, we yeah. were going.
3: We would roll up on these uh, positions, and there was uh, they had sectors of fire. They mm-hmm. had aiming stakes. Mm-hmm. They had the same kid on they like,
2: probably had the Kudz force in there from yeah. the Iran they were trained tra- yeah, yeah these guys
3: were. Mm-hmm. these guys were on their guns looking at us shooting, aiming, sights. aiming. they weren't yeah. and they were maneuvering there was literally that uh, when we got up to the berm the first time and got into the trench line um, there were there was probably 40 targets out there to shoot at mm. between 25 and 100 meters yeah. there was tons of people running everywhere mm-hmm. out there and uh so lots of shooting going on it it got to the point where i had to tell myself to stop shooting and go back to
2: maneuvering maneuvering yeah yeah that old fire team leader you get in your yeah. sights because there's yeah. so many
3: targets and i had to get out of my sights because the guys were doing it but i was, and then mm-hmm. i had to start yeah kind of maneuvering at the mm-hmm. time and uh so we're doing that and then the the uh the iraqis start coming back through what's left of the the initial assault force yeah. starts coming through our location mm-hmm. and uh so we're searching them and getting them out of, out of harm's way, and we start taking fire from a mosque that was out there. We ended up dropping a bomb in that mosque and blowing it up mm-hmm. uh, because it was within that little village. Mm-hmm. So then we're, we got some Apache gunfire going on. You know, we got Apache supporting us. One of the Apaches gets shot down. Ooh! Literally, the Apache goes right into the middle of this enemy base camp. You know, mm-hmm. whatever this little mm-hmm. bermed up area is with the t- little village in the middle of it. Apache goes down. This is where me and Trip are talking about what we're gonna do, how we you know, what we got going on, whether we're gonna stay or go. And once we got our initial plan was once we got the Iraqis out, mm-hmm. we were gonna break contact because we didn't know what we ran into. Drop we didn't bombs, know what yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. So then the Apache goes down, and so Trip's on the radio with them saying, "Hey, look, we don't know. All we see is smoke, mm-hmm. probably a couple clicks away, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe a click away, a kilometer away." So Trip calls the aircraft and says, "Hey, drop flares over top of." where your guy is because the other guy's still doing runs. He's yeah. still
2: supporting them mm-hmm. on the ground. What did they use to shoot on Apache? Was it like they a had dish- on the yeah. Dishka mm-hmm. guns? It's uh, not easy. Guns. It's not that easy to shoot at Apache. Yeah. They mean? got yeah. him down. They,
3: they, yeah. he, he went down and uh so basically at the end of the day we talked to the company commander, uh Joey Gonella was there and he's was like, hey we gotta go get this we got to go to this crash site. Mm-hmm. So we mount everybody up, you know, we had got the Iraqis extracted at this point, get everybody um Actually, wait a minute. Let me go back on that. I jumped ahead a little bit. So we get the Iraqis out, okay? We pull back a little bit. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. We had a bunch of wounded guys, a bunch of things that we needed to take care of. So um, we ended up pulling back, going back and taking the wounded guys back to uh, the base where the uh, SF guys were. Mm -hmm. On the way, once we dropped them off, we were coming back, and we heard A and Apache got shot down. We need to, we need to come in and because at this point there was another did, team. Did you have a flash of Black Hawk down, man? Yeah, 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 yeah I bet. So we're we're all we get back there, drop them off. We get that on the radio. Everybody's hey, grab more ammo, lock load everything mm-hmm. up again. Grab some more water. Get back on the trucks and poof, and we're gone. So mm-hmm. we get back to the target site. It's it's not a very far drive. We weren't we weren't basically not even barely out of sight of it. We get there, and uh, that's when Trip calls on the radio and says, hey. Drop flares over where the sky is because we could just see smoke. Mm-hmm. So we found the first road that looked like it led to it and we just drove down it. So as we're driving down it, on the right hand side of us, <clears throat> there's a, uh, a berm that's about 20 feet high above the right on the edge of the road. So as we're driving down this road, guys are coming up over this berm and just like mm-hmm. yeah, if these are trained guys, which they are, yeah. they know you're
2: coming to get those pilots. Yeah. yeah. And they mm-hmm.
3: were they were taking advantage of it. They were shooting RPGs at us. They were yeah. freaking firing down on the position mm-hmm. on on all our trucks. You know, the the window of my truck got hit multiple times. The gunner shield, mm-hmm. Mike's uh mini gun had a bunch of plate strikes on mm-hmm. it, you know, um
2: yeah, you yeah, I think you told me about that with Mike. He he
3: he had a malfunction or something, and he, he pulled his pistol. And no, was, that, that was a guy in my truck. This guy named was Anthony yeah. Dierdorf. He was my medic, and yeah. he was my gunner. He had a twin 240s. Yeah. So he's raking. He's just sweeping the top of this berm, and these yeah. guys are coming over, and there's yeah. just tons of them. Yeah. And a, a, a round got stuck in this little hole that wouldn't allow his turret to move, and um, he... uh. He couldn't get around on the guy. So yeah. he pulled his freaking pistol out and he emptied his <laughs> glock. That's how close the guy was. Yeah. He emptied his glock and then yeah. he yells at me for a grenade and I handed him up a grenade and he threw That's it over. That's crazy, the bomb. man. And then if
2: those, if those bombs are high, you can't elevate your guns enough to <laughs> shoot at them. Yeah.
3: So they were raking down on us because mm-hmm. Anthony was kind of at a 45, like raking this way, trying to get him mm-hmm. as we got to it. So we ended up, you know, plowing through that tires on the Humvees, all flat. So we mm. ended up coming around and, and finding where the crash site is. And there was a you know, a couple structures in front of us that we pushed forward and cleared. And then basically for the rest of the day, we were just in a gunfight securing that crash site. Were the pilots dead? They were dead. They were, they were all burned up. Yeah, um, they, yeah. They were, it was, the, it was a, the wreckage was all burnt up. And, mm. Yeah. Mm. So we ended up basically holding that site the rest of the day. Uh, and then a striker battalion came. Right. And relieved us. Um, and then we we ended up pulling off. We ended up taking, like, uh, no Americans were KIA. We had, like, 15 or 16 wounded. We had uh, four Iraqi KIA mm-hmm. that day. But when they did the final walkthrough of the, you know, figured it all out at the end of the day, they found like 350 to 400 enemy wow. dead. Wow. They had mortar positions. They mm-hmm. had, you know, dishka positions. They mm-hmm. had all these fighting positions, the trench line, killed a bunch of dudes in there. Wow. Um, it, was, it was a long gunfight. Mm-hmm. And I guess at the end of the day, you know, um, the Silver Star basically just kind of came from, I think, just leadership. Uh, that day in that fight, because it was mm-hmm. a very confused yeah. fight that was going on, mm-hmm. and we were kind of reacting. Mm.
2: Um, so, so that was not your first gunfight, no. and it was definitely not your last gunfight. No. So, how do you process that going forward to your next contact when you have holes in your kit left <laughs> and right, and you got shot in the arm? How do you how do you process? And I always find this an interesting question because I've I've, I've gotten, I think a lot of us have the same kind of mindset, but you know, you'll get guys that say, look, if it's my time, it's my time. And yeah. you'll get guys who think, I never thought I was going to get hit. That never occurred to me, you know? Yeah. And you'll get guys who say, I just put it in the back of my mind, get on with my job and process it later. But when you've when you've come that close, and that's very close. Yeah. Like, I've never had my kid hit, right? Yeah. Um,
3: and you've got to go on your next mission. Yeah. Right? Did that mess with you at all? Not really, honestly. Really? I, mean, I, mm. I think I'm just the kind of guy, I think I'm kind of like you in this. I, I just... I put it in the back of my mind, and it's just worked. Mm-hmm. Even while all that was going on. Yeah. I mean, I got, yeah, after I thought about it a lot more, I was like, holy crap, that was mm-hmm. close, you know. There was a bunch of times that day I probably mm-hmm. should have and could have got killed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think really it's just, this is my job. I go to work. Yeah. You put your head down, and you work through it. Mm-hmm. You figure it out. You take one thing at a time, and you push through it, push through it, and then the next mission comes, and at this point, too, you got a little bit of muscle memory. When you've been on as many ops, yep. that many ops, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, there's tons of guys been on way more than me, I know, but... I was at a point where it really didn't phase me as much. I was just kind of, yeah. I, I was more worried about the guys around me, my yeah. guys, mm-hmm. people on my team, than I was really thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, even even during that day, at one point, I, the radios went down, and I had to run between trucks to kind of, mm-hmm. I, I just a lot like any other time when you need your radio, you, all of a sudden it's not working. Yeah. And um, but I was running between trucks, and one of my guys grabbed me and goes. Sean, quit running around all by yourself in the middle of a <laughs> gunfight. So I was, and there was like a, a uh, an attachment we had. I forget what he did, but I just grabbed him. He was on the back of a truck, just not doing much. I said, "Look, run around with me, behind me, wherever I go, and just watch my back." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what he did. He ran around behind because I had yeah. to run. I had to get between. Yeah. And, you know, get things. Well, moving. that's that's
2: the E in the pace plan. Yeah. You know? exactly, cause <laughs> yeah. Exactly, because como is important. Yeah. You know? But yeah. uh,
3: but yeah. at the end of the day, man, I was so proud of the guys and everybody. Mm-hmm. The ICTF are just studs. I was gonna ask how the Iraqis fought. Like yeah heroes, man. Yeah. They, they don't yeah. they don't those,
2: flesh. Those, those guys grew up tough too. They grew up hard, they right? Hard and, and, man. Yeah. Um yeah.
3: you have your exceptions, but I mean by and, and large, they they just mm-hmm. they acted like pros. They weren't they weren't scared of anything. They mm-hmm. were they were warriors. They fight. You know th- those guys were so loyal too. Like I had one time in another fight that we were in a street in Sodder City and we started taking fire down like one of them narrow alleyways. Two of the ICTF guys, I just happened to be in front of them because we were turning a corner. Mm-hmm. They came up and dove on top of me and knocked me on the ground. Really? And two wow. other ones went up and started taking the fire yeah. and firing yeah. them. Yeah. And I, you know, I was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Yeah, oh, we didn't want you to get hit." and yeah. That's the kind of yeah. loyalty you got. That's from the some rapport of these guys. building. That's the I mean, rapport. Just, when you treat them.
2: them well, and and you treat them like equals, you yeah. know, and you take care of them, that that's yeah, that's where it. Pays off, right yeah. There, and, you know? and
3: that day, I felt bad for them. They were mourning the loss of their friends. You know, their friends were in body bags mm-hmm. there. And I, uh, you know, uh, two of them were gunners on the trucks. So they got shot right in the face. Yeah, you know, fell out in the truck. Because mm-hmm. when we were going through that ambush, I was, I was up on one knee because my gunner was up there gunning, and I was just waiting for him to fall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were taking enough fire. I was like, Anthony's getting killed. Yeah. He's going to drop down, yep. and I'm going to have to get up there and a yep. gun. I know. Mm-hmm. It. So I was literally up on my seat waiting mm-hmm. to get up there because I just, but. I told Anthony after the fact one of the bravest things I ever saw. I never saw his knees buckle once. That, yeah, that car, that that vehicle was take ping, ping. You know how it sounds when your vehicle mm-hmm. gets hit. We're taking yeah. tons of hits.
2: Do you think that's training or is it just ingrained, like from a young age, I think or both? I think I mean, it probably training can take yeah. you so far, yeah. but at the end of the day, yeah, you know, it's it, hard to stand there. Like I, I remember being in a, in a gunfight in Afghanistan, and I was like you with the the PKM machine gun hitting. the, yeah. the I remember. Uh, we were behind a berm and the runs were coming over the berm and the trees were getting cut down and they're all falling on my head. And I was trying to get my head over the top to return the fire. And I was like, I'm not putting my head there. I'll crawl up 20 feet to the left and come up there and fire, you know, but uh, it's hard to
3: stick your head over a wall when you're being shot at. Yeah, it really is. is. Definitely is. Um, you know, there was a lot of bravery that day by, you know, I ended up, I got a silver star, I put two, I put one, I put Mike in for a silver star. mm -hmm. It got downgraded, of course. Um, that's a ranked thing, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. It's I got so that annoying. Record. Yeah, but I put him in for one, and I put four of my other guys in for Brown Star V's, and they all everybody got that. Mm-hmm. But just some brave stuff, man, guys. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there's a hundred hundreds of battles like that that mm-hmm. nobody will ever hear about. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's and that's why it's easy. important to tell these stories, man. It really is. Yeah. Um, there's a guy. There's there's a guy named Scott Brown in my in my team on that one where we're taking fire and all the there was guns that were going down on some of the trucks and mm-hmm. a couple of trucks, we had Iraqi gunners and they couldn't figure it out. So Scott is jumping literally in a gunfight. The trucks are parked on a row. We're, we're fighting. He's jumping from truck to truck, fixing malfunctions and, yeah, and mm-hmm. just totally completely exposed. Man. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a mechanic that was with us that went out there and was changing tires under fire on Humvees. So mm-hmm. we could exfil.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: wasn't shooting anything. Was just jacking the, up on V's. All rounds a, were and That's not up a Green around. Beret. That's a freaking Army mechanic and, doing. And yeah, just, yeah, there was another guy, uh, one of our Intel human guys named Nick Beer. He got shot through the through the arm mm-hmm. and he put his own tourniquet on. And then there was Iraqi next to him that got hit. And he picked him. Nick was big. He was like six five. Yeah, and, you know, big. yeah. Picked an Iraqi up and ran him back to the casualty collection point on his back mm-hmm. after he tied his own tourniquet on his arm. Wow, he was an yeah. yeah. Intel yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just. Going at it, man. Phenomenal, man. You know, Phenomenal. I was yeah. never more proud of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, every everybody there did mm-hmm. a great job.
2: That's awesome. But um, all right, let's move on. All right, that was a good story. Thanks. I can't uh, believe you I didn't don't tell stories. Like Twelve me. years I've known you, and you haven't told me that story.
3: Well, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually lead conversations with it. <laughs> hey, I'm Sean. I want a <laughs> silver Sean star. By the way, I got a silver star.
3: You know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. All right, but. so. Uh, that was 2005, right? That was 6. 6, okay. And then that same, and 7, that was late 6. That was like mm. uh, January. Or no, it was actually, it was January of 07. So right as 07, mm-hmm. ended, that's when I got. And okay. That yeah. same year, late 07, um, we had another trip right over them that was my last trip that was the the, the unilateral. unilateral
2: that's when you guys relieved
3: us yeah yep yep great
2: trip that was phenomenal that right was, that was like the pinnacle it was it was the most dangerous time yeah but it was the best time because because we were working unilateral we were working with jsoc we yep. had every asset you could imagine i did yeah. boat ops yeah did, me too yeah we did a boat <laughs> in NFL. baghdad yeah those swing <laughs> boats me and yeah. damon were like this is stupid fucking boats <laughs> yeah. and we got on the boat man the boat's got like mini guns and machine guns all over the place yeah. and and it goes like really fast and when we were done we were like that was pretty cool yeah that was pretty cool
3: <laughs> yeah we were using little birds yeah. and boats and you know it was just it was it was a great joint event to where we could we were working with different elements jsoc mm-hmm. rangers had all the assets yeah intel and was fantastic great yeah. intel mm-hmm. great targets um great mm-hmm. missions all the way around um, yeah can't say enough about it. It's just great to work unilateral with your guys. We trained up. Mm-hmm. That's, when we, that's when we really started using the call-out method a lot yeah. because the, mm-hmm. the suicide vest bomber's yep. coming out. Um, when, you, when, you, when you work with in, in,
2: Indige a lot, and, and working with Indige is what we do, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you're by yourself. Like yeah. I was on a team with Jason and yeah. Mike and Damon, I was in charge
3: of me, yeah. just me and just nobody my else. Job. <laughs> <Yep>. You <laughs> didn't have to worry about anybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was yeah. great. Yeah. We did so much cool. You know, We did so many great missions there because mm-hmm. we had the time and the intel and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the, you know climbing and yeah. picking locks to yeah. get into places instead the, of blowing the doors. Should I embarrass you right now? Okay. Is that the year you fell off the roof? Is that the year before? That was a year before. Was it? Yes, I did fall off the roof. <laughs> under nods, it looked like there was a wall. I know. Yeah. There was not a wall. I, I cleared a roof and uh, I yeah. went a little too far on myself. You were talking to the, the
2: radio, I think, and you were not paying attention or no, something? No, I was, like?
3: I was just, I just, I had just turned my head looking yeah. another direction and I yeah. thought I was going to yeah. come to the yeah. wall because the, the next building over, like five yeah. feet away, had a, had a, a knee wall like yeah. three foot high. And under nods, it looked like mine did. Yeah. And I walked literally right off the yeah. roof and fell like right on my head. You're in knocking unconscious, knowledge. right? Yeah, I yeah. got knocked out for mm-hmm. I don't know how long, but I came to and there were still people on target, so mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't that long. <laughs> came around, I'm like, thanks. Yeah, because it mean, was one of those buildings where there was very few people left at the end to keep assaulting because we had had a bunch of people in there. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we had a gunfight that night, but uh, I it was me and like one other dude cleared the roof, mm-hmm. and yeah, I yeah. ended up falling off No, I roof. can
2: totally, after wearing nods for a year, I can totally yeah. see it, man. Yeah.
3: And yeah. I just ended up waking up on the ground going, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Humorous combat story. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 You got to get some
2: humor. All right. So 07 was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and we turned, uh, we turned the page in 07. We yeah. We, 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 we won the war in Iraq. On, yeah. And it wasn't just us. It was the surge yeah, but, yeah. and it was all the kids and strikers and it was a good big, good decision. Yeah. It was a big, massive effort by a lot of people. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I remember working with, with, jsock and and yep. before you guys got there and they were like by the end of the year we'll have pushed al-qaeda uh aqiz out of baghdad and yeah. i was like wow that's a bold statement and then by the end of it like we were gone and you guys were there we pushed them and they went up into mosul yeah and then we followed them up into mosul and yeah. basically pushed them out of the country it was crazy yeah. man yeah, it was yeah. good
3: it was a good use of forces to go on basically anybody that was anybody just got Yep. Knocked out. Kill yep. or capture. Yep. 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 When yep. you could do that, you affect an organization. And that's absolutely pick any company in the world. Yeah. And if you if you kill or capture the top fifty people in that company, yeah. Even if they're still a company, they're yeah. not as
2: ineffective of a company. I, I remember the commander uh, going, Hey, this is the top guy in Al Qaeda in Iraq. And <laughs> went in about three days we'd kill him. Yep. And then, the, hey, this is the new top guy. <laughs> yeah. And we'd, I'd be like, where are they getting all these guys? Because we go smoke them. Within, within a week, we'd, we'd have them killed. You know, yeah. it, it was
3: really, really effective. We're This nation is very effective at doing that. Yeah, when the gloves are taken off. When the gloves are taken yes. off and you're yep. really going after mm-hmm. it, as opposed to all the other nonsense. Absolutely. You know, and that's the lesson we should learn from it. Because we did turn a corner. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it, it changed. So you come up in swick orders, right? Well, what happened is I got done, and you know I had a lot of combat time. Mm-hmm. And a, a, an email went out over the net that said, "Hey, they're looking for somebody to come to range 37." You're, you're like a
2: senior E eight at this time. A yeah, I was.
3: I was so, an E yeah. eight. My my plan at the time I was gonna I wanted to be an E nine and come to yep. the fifth group, mm-hmm. and I had no intention of getting out at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, you know, so I was gonna come, but that came up. I had an opportunity to go be a first sergeant in group, um, which is the path you have to take mm-hmm. to really make sergeant major. Generally, they want you to do that, but this other job came up and said, hey, go to Range 37 and I just, we want you to be a former Troop Star Major with combat time all yeah, those things, yeah. all the things I had. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, man? Everybody bitches about places I want to go back and I can go be a first star anytime. I want to go, all this knowledge I got right now, mm-hmm. I want to go train the next guys And, and Range
2: 37 is probably the coolest place yeah, you can like work Disneyland. if it's not on a team. It's like yeah. Disneyland. If you're
3: not on a team, <laughs> being in Range 37 is awesome. Yeah. All the yeah. ammo you can shoot, yeah. great yeah. Know, yeah. things blowing up mm-hmm. and great dudes. and Yeah. So, I ended up volunteering to go there. Was told I had to the Sephardic job, the CQB course mm-hmm. job, which is what I wanted. Yep. Um, but I got there and a little bit of politics got in play. And between me going there and me getting there, mm-hmm. somebody else got the job. They gave the job to somebody else. Right. You know, good old boy network kind of got me. Um, so I got there, talked to the sergeant major at the time and he's like, yeah, I'm going to put you in. I'm going to give you the sniper course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get sniped. So I had to kind of start. I found that out really before I, because I came out before mm-hmm. I PCS to find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. I found all this out and then I went back. And you went to Todd's, right?
2: To brush up? Yeah. Yeah. So I ended went, up yeah. going,
3: I had a couple months, so I went to train at, at Hodnett's place because I had been out of sniping a little bit. I mm-hmm. had snipers, but I wasn't doing it. Yeah. Um, so I went to Todd's. Uh, I got brushed up, started shooting a little bit more, started finding out what was going on. Um, made sure I knew what I was doing, started hanging out with snipers a little bit. And then when I PCS'd, came there and i was like you know hey let's let's do this let's look at the course you came about the same time ish Mm -hmm. um we had a lot of guys came from the force which Mm -hmm. was good yeah and all i remember sitting through a lot of the classes and a lot of them me and you were together and just looking at it going why asking why are we teaching that it hadn't been modernized what are we doing here? why is that guy in that class picture
2: yeah why does he have bdus on a mustache (laughs) and a mustache that (laughs) tells me that this class hasn't been
3: updated in years so really, we started looking at it and bouncing off of things that we were doing in, in the force and mm-hmm. what was happening and just saying it didn't match up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, having great guys like you come along and other, other guys like... Um, there, there was almost no night training. Yeah, and there was we, no night training. we exclusively was... worked at night for years. Yeah. yeah, and we're not even out there evaluating guys how to shoot at night. We're not, mm-hmm. you know, there was an equipment issue there too, but we weren't yeah. trying. They weren't trying. It was the same course that I had gone through yeah. years before there, that two... didn't prepare me for combat.
2: Yeah, there's two types of guys that go to Swick, especially in leadership positions. There's the guy who falls in on whatever was there before, and he just yeah. keeps the same. And then there's the guy that goes, okay, I'm here for a reason. I'm going to modernize. I'm going to... and and." You don't change for the sake of change, but you change to modernize for for yeah. for good reasons. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's a
3: lot of there's a lot of people in, in our community who work out a lot, and mm-hmm. I, I'd ask anybody who's resistant to change. So you do the same workout right now that you did 20 years ago. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
3: and that's that's just not the truth. Everybody, mm-hmm. everything evolves. It doesn't change because what you did in 10 years ago or 20 years ago wasn't valid. It just changes because it changes. There's yeah. new information. There's new technology. There's new Tactics or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why it
2: it was a struggle to change
3: things. It really was, yeah. And and, you know, again, I'm a GS employee now, but a lot of that struggle comes from people, army people and civilians who get in their comfort zone and they don't want to not be the expert. So they they force things to stay just where their comfort zone Mm -hmm. is. Yeah, and it's the the guy.
2: And I'm just gonna say it: the guy who was the NCIC before you was. Clueless. Like. He had no idea what he was doing. And yeah. it was very obvious to me yeah. having started work there. I'd already been to Hotnets. I've been in the in, yeah. in craft company for years and I've been a sniper for a very long time. And, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And um, yeah, <laughs> I remember you were supposed to shadow a whole class yeah. and you got through like half. And then you come in one day and pulled into his parking spot and he said, hey, you're right, I'm yeah. in. I was like, I don't need you anymore, go away. Because <laughs> this is yeah. garbage.
3: And he was happy to go away. Yeah, he, that, didn't yeah. he didn't want to yeah. be there. That was him. He didn't want to be there. He just wanted to get off at three. Yep. He didn't care about training, mm-hmm. buddy.
2: I remember that another guy told you, it was a different guy. Oh, I think it was this army. He's like, yeah, it's a good job. You, you, you come in at 10 and you're yeah. gone by like... Two or yeah. something like that Did I work harder at that school yeah. Than I worked on a team Me too yeah. And, and you,
3: me and you Were wired the same way yeah. I don't want yeah. a job Where I could come mm-hmm. in And be lax that, Especially at that time yeah. I'm just yeah. You know I yep. wanted to go yep. I wanted to work mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted to give good training mm-hmm. that's what i was there for i volunteered to be i could have not gone to SWIC ever yeah yeah I, I i would have missed it and i would have been a first sergeant and then went mm-hmm. to the academy and all that and i mm-hmm. could have but i wanted to go because i think that's what people should do i think mm-hmm. that should be a sought after job to come train the next generation
2: yeah absolutely you
3: know? it should it should
2: be the best guys um one wanted to like we changed a lot of things in, in yeah. classroom but i think the biggest change was the mindset of yeah. hey check it out we need snipers in the force. Having seventeen out of thirty people fail be a, a shooting thing when you're shooting yeah. steel targets in low wind, not good enough. No. You know, not gonna look and any And it's not standard. okay on it
3: as, from an instructor standpoint. You're right. doing something wrong.
2: Yeah, yeah. You should take pride. You know, you're the best trainers in the world. You're supposed to be able to train people in foreign languages. Now.
3: So if you can't train green berets rangers and delta force operators something's qualified qualified. yeah they're already qualified you can't train them there's a problem you gotta look not yeah there's always going to be the guy that doesn't Mm -hmm. get it it doesn't pass yeah got it Mm -hmm. but that can't be everybody yeah yeah you can't you can't use that as an excuse to say well they're just stupid yeah yeah no
2: that was a very common narrative like oh they just don't get it it's not that complicated dude it's have you ever if you were a high school teacher and and half your students were failing every yeah. year you you'd be fired yeah. well, maybe you wouldn't but you'd have to yeah, look internally yeah you, you should, should be yeah. you're there to train man yeah. if you can't train yeah. that's
3: your job mm-hmm. and you should and it's got you got to have that interest and you got to have that passion to do it mm-hmm. and i don't i just don't get it yeah. I, really, I never will i never no. will ha- i never will understand how you get up every day and go to work to a mm-hmm. place where you just don't try
2: yeah yeah I, <laughs> I remember you would have to check on training one time and they were doing low-vis thing, which I think we killed later we killed on because I, we didn't yeah. need to do we, and uh, the instructor was in the back seat of the car and he was racked out of sleep. Yeah. You <laughs> so, walked up on him. Yeah, I walked up fired on him. him.
3: <laughs> I, I, I creeped up on him and fired him on the spot. Yeah. Again, I'm like, how are you doing that? Yeah, what, you, what is going yeah, on with you? The, yeah. the students are awake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you are sleeping in the back of the truck. Yeah, stop yeah, it, man. Stop, man. It just I I don't mean you know me and, and me and you are the same. I don't have any tolerance for mm-hmm. it. I just I I, I believe you're failing you're failing people you're failing you're not doing your job you know you want to talk about you know being the barrel chest of freedom fighter and you know Mm -hmm. and you want to be on a team but i guarantee if you're doing that here you're not the best team Mm -hmm. you're shitbag on the team yep 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 um so I think you did about a year, right?
2: And then I did a full two years. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, you did. Is that including when you went to ops and then came back? After no, the that guy was got after. Fired? I did two years at the sniper. Oh, committee. you did. Okay. And we then, changed a lot of stuff in those yeah, two we, years. Yeah, we got yeah. a lot.
3: I mean, we it was just going to work. I mean, yeah. I was lucky to have enough guys in there that mm-hmm. were willing to work like I wanted to work. Yeah. It, it was it was good for me because when I first came here, I was living in the barracks for three months. Or at, I at, remember at the yeah, office because yeah, yeah, my house hadn't sold in Tennessee yep. yet. Yep. So, literally, I'd stay awake mm-hmm. in there, you know, scheming until freaking yeah. 10, 11 o'clock yeah. at night and just yeah. work. Is and we were lucky too. We had Conrad in there yep.
2: and uh, we had Cranberg in there, and they were willing to listen yeah. to us. And we've yep. been in and explained why this from it sucks and this one's better. And yeah. this is why we need to go to ballistic calculators and, and horse reticles and all that stuff. And the other so thing
3: is a battalion commander too at the time, uh, General Correa now. But yeah. He was Colonel Correa. Yes. He also said, Sean, does it need to get fixed? Yep. Yes,
2: I trust you do it. And the uh, and the training group, CSM, With Brian Edwards at oh, the time. That guy, <laughs> I don't know about that guy. He's listening right now. Yeah, yeah. No, Brian was a shooter. Brian got yes, it. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, but he uh
3: cool. everybody up the chain the whole time that I was there mm-hmm. always always just said hey, if it needs to happen, it needs to happen. Yeah. Even one time when we dropped a student that had. The, the the number of points you had to have was like seven hundred to pass. And mm-hmm. we had two guys. One of them had like six ninety eight point four yep. and one of them had like six ninety eight point nine yeah. or something like that. And we, yeah. we dropped them. Yeah. I said, so I get a call from the Correa, Colonel Correa yeah. at the time. He's like, Sean, what what's going on? I said, Sir Standard is seven hundred yeah. points minimum. Yeah, he didn't fail by so he three didn't points. Fail by three, he didn't fail by you know two point two points. Yeah. He failed by this many points. three hundred points. Yeah, and then to his to his because there's a lot of worry about numbers. And to his credit, he said, "Hey, Sean, would you would you want these guys on your team as snipers right mm-hmm. now?" And I said, "No, yeah, they didn't meet the standard. So where do we stop? Yeah, you're going to have a standard. or You're not going to have a standard. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know that's that's the way it is. And, mm-hmm. and they also there there were there's other battalion commanders out there, company commanders or Sergeant majors that wouldn't have supported that. Yeah, but he no, did.
2: They wouldn't. Yeah. The other thing we did, and and I think this was mostly you. Um, I I don't know if it came down. Probably from, was
3: me. It probably was. Me. I don't know if it is came. It good. The, if it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good.
2: Me. But I don't know if it came down from the top or what it, it was. It was we took back the USASOC sniper comp, which hadn't been ran in like years.
3: Yeah. What happened is um, it ran in '05 and '06 mm-hmm. briefly, but there wasn't a lot of participation because everybody was you mm-hmm. know, super engaged, I guess. And I don't think it was ran at the level that it is now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It went away just due to lack of interest or whatever. And then basically, just in a meeting one day, the sergeant major out there said, hey, we're running a sniper Was it Conrad? No, that was Pete Gould. Oh, it was Pete. Oh, Pete, okay. just one time we were doing like a, a, a meeting on kit. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly how it came out, but I remember being in the meeting and running the sniper committee and then being surprised that I was I was, no. I was running a sniper conference no, next year. okay, yeah. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. uh, all right, so we'll run a – and I've never ran mm-hmm. a sniper comp, never shot in one either. Yeah, yeah. But I just looked at it like another mission, man. We mm-hmm. said, hey, look, okay, this is what we're going to do. I was told to do it, so we're going to do it the best we can, and it got yeah. everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it came out excellent. It went really well, yeah. You know, yeah, and it just got better and better, I think. And it, it's uh, it's
2: still going strong, and it's yeah. still being run really well. and and. Uh, and, uh, it, it just went from strength to strength over the years. Yeah, and it's th- a tough competition. Yeah. I shot it. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough competition. Well, the
3: idea behind it at first was to make a sniper competition that was combat-oriented. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting down and having a meet, and I don't remember exactly how it came out, but I basically wanted to build events around things that people weren't good at. Mm. And I remember one of them being like loopholes. And, and yeah. we looked at some things that mm-hmm. historically, when guys come to training, they don't know how to do or they don't do well, Yeah, and we built events around mm-hmm. it. And I do remember the first year we ran it, I think there was like – 1500 points available or something and the winning team had like 740 yeah, points yeah yeah so the winning team had barely hit 50 percent mark on yeah. points and the whole idea and it wasn't all that of they us, were bad they were awesome they were awesome it's just it was a tough competition yeah, yeah but yeah. the point was that they would go back to group or wherever mm-hmm. they came from and be like look man i really i really blew this in this comp let's mm-hmm. work on it let's yeah. get better let's train mm-hmm. and i think we achieved that and then at the end of the day i had a bunch of great companies that came and supported this yep. year i had uh 84, 82 vendors, 82 sponsors this year. Yeah, because you still run the prize portion because green sitters are not allowed to touch that.
2: Yeah, now that Uh, I'm retired,
3: uh, I I do the Special Forces Association. I'm the guy who contacts all the sponsors Mm -hmm. and gets them to donate stuff. Yeah. And then the SF Association donates it as prizes to the people who shoot the competition. Yeah,
2: I I took a couple of guns off that too. This
3: Mm -hmm. This year we had... Uh, almost four hundred thousand dollars in prizes on the prize table, wow. and we also raised about seventy-five thousand dollars for charity.
2: That's awesome. That's so, really cool. Yeah, yeah this this really
3: competition cool. is going strong, and I've been told by a few people there's two events that the the industry likes to go to every year, and one's shot show and one's a use sniper yeah. competition.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, we had I don't know if you remember this. You probably do have a pretty good memory, but we had gone to Benning, <laughs> and went yeah. went to the Benning, and I came back, and then it was. I think it was a couple of months later or six months, we were running hours and we learned a lot of things not to do because they yeah. really didn't take care of the vendors and bending. Yeah. You know, they had them in a the tent and, and I'm sure it's changed now, but they had them in a different location and we put our vendor tent right in the middle of all the action yeah. and, and and we made sure to take care of the vendors.
3: Yeah, because they're the ones, they're the ones giving out the free stuff. You know, they're the, they're the ones that they want to, su- they want to support the warfighter. They want to. They want to give them what they can give them and they, they really do. They just need not, but they also want to be treated like professionals and they want yep. to be brought down because they are they are part of this. Mm-hmm. They care about what they're doing. Yep. They yep. want to talk to it. There's engineers out there who build scopes that don't even talk to the people who mm-hmm. shoot
2: yeah, yep.
3: just because it's the way it works out. So mm-hmm. that product development from their standpoint... It's a huge opportunity for them to get product development ideas from guys who use their gear every day and probably break it yeah. because they're using it so much.
2: It, it was funny because when I uh, when I to, went to work at Force Mod, yeah. I already knew all the vendors. People were shocked. I'm like, "How do you know them?" Because I worked at Range Thirty Seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we
3: did a lot to foster a good relationship out there with, with making sure we gave sponsor or vendors that wanted to have us look at their kit. Yeah. Good feedback. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times you can't just tell me something's great or it sucks. That doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. I need to know why it's great or why it sucks so I yeah. can fix it. Yeah. And I think once you start learning to speak their language a little bit mm-hmm. and, and understand what their needs are, <clears throat> it can be a great relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know.
2: Um. So what, what. Uh, you you hit the the whole cycle that we all hit when you have a job you really want they say oh you got to move up the ladder right yeah. I freaking hate that you have to be a first sergeant right yeah. so they moved you to be a first sergeant
3: yeah they, they well a few things were going on in my personal life at this time is like I had no kids mm-hmm. and you know I was still on track I wanted to I wanted to stay in thirty years and be a sergeant I wanted to be the a one five sergeant major maybe mm. a battalion sergeant major I did want to stay on that path yeah. Um, so they said, yeah, you, you, we're going to send you over to student company to be a first And I was mm-hmm. like, sure. Herd and over. cats, man. I'll go over to the Herd, Cats, and student <laughs> company. So at the time, I had, uh, I had no kids, and I ended up adopting my nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. 2009, I yeah. started I started. Wow, was it that long up, ago? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. But they started coming to stay with yeah, us. And, you know, yeah, the typical yeah. story, Mom. Mm-hmm. Wasn't taking care of them. So we ended up, we're going through the adoption process, and I knew if I went to the academy and I became an E9, this is after I became a first sergeant. Mm-hmm. This all kind of hit, I couldn't PCS. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe my stubborn side coming in again, is like, I didn't want to do a group swap as a sergeant major. Yeah, I, I, w- I could have probably got one. If I would have made E9, went to the academy, they probably would have let me, because of circumstances, come back to third group or whatever. Yeah, But I wanted to go back to fifth group, because that's my group. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big fan of group swaps, other mm-hmm. than if it's for emergency means. And yeah. I wanted to go back to fifth. So. Long story short, so I wouldn't have to I couldn't PCS the kids with me. I decided, you know what? It's best for me and everybody if I just retire. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, how really many, how many years did you have at that 25. point? 25. 25. Wow. Okay. I retired at 25. Okay. And um I wanted like I said, I wanted to stay in. Mhm. That was that was my goal. So when I got out, it was a little little crazy mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I, went, I Remember
2: you bouncing around a little bit.
3: I went the normal route of contracting. Yeah. And I uh, it didn't scratch mm-hmm. my itch. I mean, yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. and, it really and a lot of people think it's yeah, you just want to go back downrange and get in gunfights. But that was that it that was AWG, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even a- AWG AWG is a is a is a good organization. I think what the time that I was there as a contractor. I think they, it's a really smart idea. You know, it is a good yeah, idea. Yeah. But uh they, they weren't really executing the idea very well. Mm-hmm. I think uh there wasn't really a good focus on what I was supposed to be doing over there. What was the overall idea of AWG? The idea of it was for you to embed with a unit, find mm-hmm. out what's going on in the battle space that they're at, come back, and either give that that knowledge to the, the Army, the training centers, or even the next unit that's going over to rotate in, going in and embedding with their train up and helping them out mm. and with their train up. And then when they deploy, deploy with them for a little while.
2: So you're taking a 25-year combat veterans from possession forces who's retired
3: yeah
2: and then you're you're attaching him to an infantry platoon or a combat arms platoon just, or a company or, or a battalion company battalion and, or every, and you're it just mentoring like let, let's say a platoon and you're mentoring that young pl yeah and kind of helping him through so that's the idea i i thought was really good yeah but the execution wasn't good well the and,
3: execution worked hit or miss it, it just uh it just there there wasn't a lot of control on who was doing what. Mm-hmm. You know, there there were some units would request you, but there was other times where you had to kind of go look for work. Mm-hmm. And it you, just you like structure. I like structure. Yeah, man. and, and yeah. I and I I'm glad. To, but there's other guys who didn't care. They, there's friends of mine that I know that went yeah. over to Afghanistan and they would just attach themselves to an ODA mm-hmm. and do a rotation in Afghanistan. Try to get in gunfights <laughs> and getting gunfights. And <laughs> I I was just like, you know, that's really not what I wanted. I wanted to kind of a higher. Like I told you, I wanted a bigger purpose than that. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to. And I did help a lot of guys when we were there. I helped I believe that I helped mentor some kids and some people mm-hmm. teaching them some of the lessons that I learned and maybe it helped and maybe it didn't, but it wasn't at the institutional level where mm. it might have changed that day or that platoon or that squad, but it really wasn't what I was looking for. Okay. And I honestly didn't really know what I was looking for. I was right. probably just looking to be still in the army. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. That's what happens a lot when
2: guys get out before yeah. they're ready to get out.
3: The sense of purpose wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um so I the did sense that for, of accomplishment probably wasn't there, was it? There there wasn't really, because yeah. there wasn't really any way to accomplish. There wasn't really a success. It wasn't a metric. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't a metric mm-hmm. for me to decide what was successful what was not. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, the contract ended up changing. I didn't like the new company that took it over, um, and I just had a bad feeling about them. So I used that as an opportunity to kind of look at doing other stuff okay. um, with the family things going on. I kind of hit a mark there while I was in Afghanistan one time, and being new to having kids, because I didn't have any, and mm-hmm. then I get them. And you know, I'm watching them open Christmas presents in Afghanistan mm-hmm. over Skype. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, as a civilian, and I'm like, what the hell am I yeah, doing?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I
3: just got done doing this for my right. whole life. Yeah. What am I really doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, And, you know, ended up saying, all right, I'm going to cold turkey my way out of this and try to find a local mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. you know, like a GS job in training or whatever. Mm-hmm. After that, I got a job with uh, the Captain's Career Course for Soft. They started up their own Captain's Career Course, basically an operations kind of course manager type job. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for a couple years. Didn't. It was okay. More more administrative than I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm the kind of guy. I'm the kind of person that keeps my. If I'm doing something, I'm always looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm ever gonna. I love the job I got now. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a job that I would take outside of this one. Mm-hmm. But I'm always having my heads up. I'm yeah. always looking, and if there's mm-hmm. an opportunity, I'll think about it but, mm. so I did that for a little bit um didn't really seem like a, it was a job going anywhere that I wanted to do for a long period of time mm. um and then the g eight job came up hmm um through networking you at this point were... i was uh i think g yeah I was not the G8. yeah at i i on. think
2: I told you about the job, yeah yeah you yeah, did. yeah,
3: and uh, I was like, hey, you know that sounds like a good mm-hmm. a good gig, you know mm-hmm. um. So I went up and I took the job as a USAC weapon requirements manager. Mm-hmm. Did that for two years. You
2: wrote the document for the advanced sniper rifle, which is being yeah. fielded right now. Yeah. Which is great to see. Apparently something it's something
3: works. Something I'm pretty happy that most programs don't get done they that quick. They don't, no. Between you, yeah. you know, guys like Terry Gower and Tony mm-hmm. Hammerman and all the people who yeah. worked together, we were able to yeah. get that thing across the goal line and get it done. And I I I think once the C P D
2: got written, the document that produces the gun. Um, It was solid. It was a solid because we did our homework and we made sure that we crossed all our T's and not because it's hard to get a program done. Well,
3: and the biggest thing that I found out was it was just a matter of me. I would find out whoever's desk it was stuck on at SOCOM and and call them. Be like, what's the status? Yeah. And then I held them to their own timeline, which most people didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it go. That's why it basically went through the process as fast as it should go because yeah. I had to, but I had to stay on people. Yeah. And that's yeah. unfortunate.
2: No, it's terrible. That's it's one it's of the, it's that's such a bloated system. We could go system. on a whole podcast about we could. Oh, world. God. Yeah, yeah. We could. So,
3: but then you, you did that for a year or so. Year <laughs> I did that or two. for two years. Two years. Yeah. And, uh, I liked it, but the thing I didn't like, there was just too much cubicle time. Yeah, and it's a frustrating job sometimes. Yeah, and it's frustrating,
2: I, yeah, you know? and, it's frustrating
3: yeah. mm-hmm. and there's parts of it I like, but I just my my day-to-day, what I didn't like was, I don't mind having a lot of work, mm-hmm. but I don't like the idea that you don't have to produce, you just got to be here. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what a lot of the people was. up there want. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people that just, they want to show up and shop yep. online and, yeah, you know. Not that's when the government's inefficient.
2: It is. That's why the DMV sucks. That's yeah. why um, yeah. the government doesn't do very no. much ma- because nobody's held accountable. And I'll tell no. you,
3: I'm a, I'm a self-hating GS employee. No, I are. am a GS yeah, yeah. employee. You are, that's right. Yeah. But I'm yeah. self-hating. I hate yeah. this si- because yeah. the system... I'm privileged to be a GS employee. It's a great gig, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm a certain I'm wired a certain way, yeah, and I yeah. wish all GSs were wired mm-hmm. that way because there's people not just up at an admin jobs. There's people training yeah. that are worthless. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, remember I, you had
2: the interview for the, that force yeah, my job, and you I were still like get hired
3: because of that comment.
2: I know you were like, I don't want to be a lazy GS. And well, yeah, somebody, the, somebody the took yeah. They
3: asked me, well, why do you want to? You know, is there anything you want to tell us or something like closing statement? Yeah. I said, look, bottom line. I think most GSs are lazy. I said I don't want. To, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to produce. I look yeah. at being a GS just like I was in the army. I yeah. produced for 25 mm-hmm. years in the army. I'm going to produce as a GS. Mm-hmm. And one of the people on that board literally, yeah, did not want to hire me because I said I that. I know. Yeah, I'm like, okay. well, what we, kind yeah, of world are we living? You, in? You
2: put the mirror up in front of her. That's
3: yeah. that's what it was.
2: Yeah, it was it was, a, it was yeah. yeah. That was a challenging work environment for me too. Um, I remember you told me, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Sears school. and be yeah. an attorney. I couldn't even fault you. I, at that time, yeah. it started and got really stupid. Yeah, A lot of BS we had to deal with. And I was like, I don't fucking Because I was to online to take
3: my boss's job. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. On, the, mm-hmm. on the section up there. And I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, the, uh, I just, but I looked at his day to day. And I was just, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And
3: I, I don't want to do that job. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a job that needs to get done. And it's, it it'd is. be great to have a good guy in that job. But, yeah, you know, I, I didn't want it. And then. The SEER thing came up, and I, you know, living out where we live, I mm-hmm. Call is a good place to be, and um I like training. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. SEER, am I an expert at SEER? I am now, but I wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the good thing, the company commander, the guy that was hiring a job at the time, they wanted an outside set of eyes to come in and work there. That's really smart. And, and not a lot yeah. of people do that. It's you usually know, a good old boy system. They hire intern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh but he knew there were issues, and there are. Yeah, And, yeah. and uh, they're not major issues, but there's things that need to work. But you need – that's a really a place that people can get into a comfort zone and never mm-hmm. change. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I went there and I interviewed, and I didn't think I'd get the job because there was mm-hmm. other people that worked out there that could yeah. get the job. But mm-hmm. he was a f- kind of a forward-thinking, former Fifth Group guy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Forward-thinking kind of guy. I didn't know him, but mm-hmm. uh, he uh, I interviewed and I got the job. Mm-hmm. And then Im- immediately went to doing like a, a sniper course kind of review of everything. Revamp, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And I'm kind of in the middle of all that right now.
2: You are okay. Yeah. Um, any regrets?
3: It's not a regret. I did it for the right reason. Uh, I wish I would have been a company sergeant major, but mm. I, it's not a regret because I made the right call. It's for you know for the yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I needed yeah. to make that call. Mm-hmm. Um, that was,
2: but that's become a very check the box job it's a one yeah. year in out move up the ladder yeah and you barely have a time to affect anything that's true yeah that's yeah. very true but um, you no know, it's just
3: one of them things that's on your check check the list because yeah. after companies are major i think the jobs kind of get less and less appealing yep and unfortunately in the force now there's a lot of guys that would be great at higher levels of command csm mm-hmm. level battalion mm-hmm. group useific places like that that mm-hmm. you know are getting out, guys like you. They don't want it, you know. Guys yeah. like Damon, mm-hmm. yeah. Guys like Mike, mm-hmm. you know that that are not going to stay in. They're just not good. Guys are not going to deal with nonsense. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Because
3: if, if they can do anything else, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying that's why I left. I didn't leave for that reason. I would have stayed in if I would have. I would have done thirty mm. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. But um I regret sometimes not being able to go back and have a comp and take a company. Yeah, but. It's not nothing that keeps me awake at night. I like mm-hmm. being I like being able to reach back on the force and, and mm-hmm. help out where I can. Mm-hmm. I like giving that energy back. Yep, um, I enjoy it.
2: Is that why you do the uh, the comp prizes? That keep you keeps your yeah. hand in the community. And, well, the reason
3: know? I do the comps for the guys. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I like raising money for charity and, and doing all that. that's mm-hmm. part of it. But honestly, if, if they ever said, "Hey, you can't give any more prizes to the guys, and you just have to give them a trophy," I probably wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because what yeah. I like is, well, my my mind says there's a guy on a team somewhere that's deploying, that's running hard, that's living hard, living mm-hmm. hard, you know, living a great life. But he's busy, 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 and he gets a chance to come out here and he shoots, mm-hmm. and he walks up and he can pick a couple free guns off the table, and, yeah, yeah, because he works hard and he cares about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so yeah. It, I do, I do it for that 100%. I, okay. do, I do it for those guys on the team and the guys on the committee that bust their hump every day yeah. and put that comp together. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a lot of work. They don't really get recognized. It's a lot of work, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot it's, of work. Yeah. A lot of extra work because
2: you're still running yeah. a course. Yeah, yeah. 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 Your,
3: your day job doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. So I, I keep doing it for that, and I'll continue doing it. Yeah. Uh, just, it. It's another way that I feel like I can give back to the, to the guys. Sweet. One, two, two last questions. Sure. Best
2: asked you and you ever gave anybody –
3: best asked you when I ever gave everybody. I get an answer if you don't have one I got one but <laughs> it, it, it's a guy uh one of the guys on my troop that was having a little problem with drinking on mm. a, on a, when he was at sephardic yeah and uh he had he had five kids mm. and he was also you know uh messing around a little bit i think on his wife and mm-hmm. couldn't confirm that and mm-hmm. I basically told him that uh, I'd take the food out of his kid's mouth if he didn't straighten his act up. Because <laughs> I don't believe in like, well, we don't want to ruin the guy's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to ruin your career yeah, if you're not doing
2: right. Yeah. Yo, yeah. you, know, you can chew some ass. I've seen you yeah. chew. What's ass. your story about
3: Silas? Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. That yeah. was a good one. What's, yeah.
3: What's the best ass tune you ever got? Best ass chewing I ever got was probably one of my early first arms in my first unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they had a thing called making the man where you'd go up there, your uniform was pressed and they'd ask you questions and uh, I was drunk <laughs> and I, but, I, but I won Yeah, I was, but, I, but I had drank too much the night before and mm-hmm. I smelled, I reeked the booze, had not yeah. showered you know, I'm 18 years old in Germany, yeah. but I had shiny, because I used to spit shine my boots or press my uniform mm-hmm. and everything before I would go drinking so yeah. in the morning I'd just throw it on mm-hmm. and you were supposed to get the day off but he stood me in front of the company and, uh, and chewed my ass for about mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes about, you know, about being, he, he used a lot of colorful terms, but yeah. he chewed my ass in front of the whole company. Yeah. Right there. And that never pretty, forgot it.
2: 18. Never forgot it. Yeah. I was
3: like, yeah, that's, that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. 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 He was like, imagine how good you would do if you weren't drunk right now. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, to my credit though, yeah. even in the intoxicated, I won. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, did. Yeah. I did the best.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I think we'll wrap it up man That's been uh, that's been, That was awesome That was really good I appreciate good, uh, it I appreciate thing. you I, I, I me thank on. you uh, Thanks for coming on man That was great Anytime um, Alright That's it That's a wrap As Joe Rogan says uh, Till next time Stay alert Stay alive